welcome to Savvy Sabs podcast on call-in. This is episode 71, Jimmy Dore interview recap. Let's chat about my interview with Jimmy Dore. How do you feel about force the vote and AOC's defense of the Democrats fighting for concessions? So that was pretty interesting there. I was surprised she even put that video out. She probably would have been better off not seeing anything at all. But for her to make this case that Democrats have actually been fighting for concessions and then the examples that she gives are things that actually benefit themselves and not the American people. That was just a slap in the face to me, I think. So let's go ahead and bring in Zach. All right, Zach, you are on the mic. What's up? Hey, Savvy, how are you doing? I just have to fix my volume. Sorry, Zach. I realized the media part was muted. Can you hear me? I can hear you now. All right. How are you doing? I am doing great. I'm glad tomorrow is Friday. It has been a long week. <laughs> yeah, well, I was on the last um, show, and uh, Brianna Joy Gray, she sets uh, hard uh, I know you love to talk to us. She said to heart limit, and I think uh, less than five hours sh should be yours. <laughs> um, she said a heart was, limit? What, is, what does that mean? <laughs> um, so, like, she'll say, I've got two hours to, to do my show on here. Oh, um, okay. Oh, does she time. do oh, Okay, so I guess she does long ones, too. I, I've listened to... I, tr I usually don't get to listen to her live because I'm usually either live on call-in or I'm live on YouTube. But sometimes I'll try to catch some of it on the replay. But it sounds like she does long shows too. <laughs> yeah. And that it was, I think, I did. The, I do the math sometimes and I it was almost to like two where you are. And I'm like, oh my goodness, Savvy, uh, I, I know you respect us, but... Sometimes you have to set limits. That's just a aside. And um, I would never tell you what to do with your show. Um, yeah, it all depends what I have going on the next morning. Like if I have to get up early, like those times when I go on fault lines, like I really should be, <laughs> I really should be ending call in like before three o'clock in the morning. <laughs> for sure. Um, so I wanted to talk about um, Jimmy Dore a little bit. And I've been having this rattle around in my head for a while um so i guess he's technically not pmc but he he makes a good bit of money from his show um and i've heard people in you know the legacy media tyt sphere push back on him for that well he can't fight for these issues or i'm cynical of him right Th that's what they'll say of him fighting for a force the vote or medicare for all because he is in the economic position he's in i wanted to get your perspective on that because like we can we can be in different in my opinion different economic positions and still fight for similar causes I think that's a good question. Um, and one of the things I want to point out is I think that I don't think Jimmy Dore felt that he to be the one to lead it per se. You know, I didn't have my show back then when Force the Vote Town Hall happened, but I remember watching all of the dialogue about it. 
And um, I think what ended up happening was that it seemed like nobody else was willing to lead it. So I think that's probably how that, it seemed like that's how that came about, you know? Um, in reference to the class issue, you know, I always say, I think these movements should be led by the people that are affected, directly affected, right? Like the working class, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, every now and then you are going to have some allies who may not be from that class that are willing to help and get involved. But from my experience, it's been very few. And I mean, very few. But the ones that, you know, are willing to to stand up for the working class people and fight for them, you know, there's some that you have that are allies that are going to fight the tough fight. And what I would say to the people from TYT or whoever is making that statement is that last time I checked last year when we had the marches for Medicare for all, I didn't see them at any of those marches. Jimmy Dore was at those marches. You know, who's going to the anti-war rally in D.C.? Next month, Jimmy Dore, Garland Nixon, like these types of people, you know, who goes to the Assange rallies? Jimmy Dore has been at Julian Assange rallies as well. Uh, Garland Nixon was also at that Assange rally. So I think for me, it's like it's not so much about what people say. It's about what people do. And when it comes to behavior, Jimmy Dore is there. He doesn't just say we should. So true. Yeah. He doesn't just say we should have Medicare for all. When those actions come up, if he's free, he's there. He goes to those actions and supports it. I would like to see people like uh, Jink and Anna come to those things. They don't. Uh, from what I've seen and, and from talking to people, they're not at these direct action events and things like that. So I think that another difference in talk in reference to class, when you talk about Jimmy Dore, one thing to keep in mind is that Jimmy is from the working class. So he's talked about this before. Well, and so I, I agree. And I just had that thought after I said what I said. We we can't judge, right? Even I don't know his economic situation, but. Um, well, he's he, talked he, about it before on, on my show and on JB's show about how he grew up. I think right. Jimmy has like 11 brothers and sisters. Um, so he grew up in a working class family like in Chicago. So he knows what it's like to struggle he also talked about this on JB's show about having medical debt, that he was one of those people that went into a lot of medical debt. And yes. so he that's one of the reasons why, like, yes, we need Medicare for all, because he knows what it's like to struggle to try to pay off medical debt. So well, I think and, that's where uh, the difference comes in. Yes. And I, I will say um, I no one can judge because it's all situational. like. I don't know how much he makes. Let's say he makes a good amount from his show or his comedy, whatever. Even if you were to judge from that, which you shouldn't, um, living in a place like L.A., that that changes, you know, your tax bracket or whatever you want to call it because of the high um, the high cost of living. So in another area, you might be uh, making more. Um, but living, uh, you know, in an apartment because of the gentrification and, you know, all the stuff we fight against. Well, I remember some people were upset last year because Jimmy Dora had a house. That's the thing, right? That's what I'm trying to. And I, that's an interesting part of the discussion and it's academic really, right? It's, you know, uh, 
if we want to talk mar- talk Marxism or whatever, I don't think that's the specific thing. Like, technically, because those of us who have houses um, have that, um, we we are technically different. But there are there is still because we've been in different situations, we know how it works. Uh, there is sol- there can be solidarity along those different um, econ- economic thresholds. Right. And I I think, you know, you never know what people did to get what they have. But I I think the point that I would like to to drive home is, again, what do their actions show you? So for me, it's like if you are a millionaire, per se, and you're not you're 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 preaching the rhetoric that we should have Medicare for all. You're preaching the rhetoric that, you know, we need to defund the police. But if I never see you step outside of your comfortable uh, bubble and attend some of these rallies and some of these events, even online events, it doesn't has to necessarily have to be in person. Then to me, it's just like you're just giving me words. Yes. Like, you know, I, I need to see action. So when it comes to actions, Jimmy Dore has been at those events and those other people have not, which is it's really sad and unfortunate because imagine how many people would have come to the Medicare for all marches if Jink and Anna had even tweeted that they were going to be there. Yes. Or organized their PMC comrades, you know, the, those types, you know, the Kyle's, the uh, Sam Cedars to like, come on, let's do this. They, they would have definitely their um, cadre of followers would have followed suit. Right. Exactly. And and there's, you know, there is a split. If you guys haven't noticed, there seems to be like this, this split where there's TYT crew on one side, and that includes people that are part of the TYT network. So it's not just TYT. And then there's like the Jimmy Dore side of things. There is this split where at one point everybody was all together, uh, you know, things change and people separate and, you know, I don't know all the ins and outs of, of everything, because again, I did not have my show back during that time when everyone was kind of on the same page, at least in reference to Bernie Sanders per se. And I think that it's, it's sad and it's unfortunate, but my thing is, again, is like, what are you doing? Like, I don't want to hear about, you know, what you support because Mm. I get that message from politicians all the time. I'd say the same thing to them. I don't want to hear that you support Medicare for all. That's not enough for me anymore. What I want to see is where are you on the issues when it comes time to actually fight against them? Look at the way like the squad members just totally dismiss the Medicare for all marches. Cori Bush was the only one who who showed up to D.C. And Cori Bush did not like the fact that we were doing those marches, by the way. She actually people don't understand, like she actually said that two people who I know personally that went to the DC March, that she was not happy that we were doing that. That confrontation is what, you know, it it showed, it it puts a mirror against them when they're these supposed progressives or leftists and when they're not doing it and, you know, making the Mm -hmm. rubber hit the road, they get embarrassed, which I think is really important. 
That is, that's very true. And the thing is, is this, if like those promises weren't made, I wouldn't be expecting them to do these things. But when you make those promises and you run a campaign on, I'm going to fight for you, then people expect you to actually fight when you get in. And so for me, it's just like, well, you, I think what people need to understand is the reason why people point their fingers at Jimmy Dore, that is just a scapegoat for a lot of people. Yeah. Okay. These politicians, we told you to donate to the Justice Democrats. They're not doing their job. Let's see who I can blame to distract the people so that they don't focus on the politicians. Let's blame Jimmy Dore because he's the loudest. That's how it goes. That's true. And um, the last thing I'll say, um, what you just said was really prescient to your other question, AOC's defense of the Democrats fighting for concessions. They won't, they haven't, and they will not. I, I believe ever say what concessions they're fighting for or what concessions they have gotten. So until, you know, you can say that you're fighting, but until um, you do the, the most minimal stuff, I'm, you know, we got, let's just say concessions, we're getting rid of the filibuster. They won't even do that. They won't even do procedural stuff for making the laws. Then, um, I don't believe in you. I can't. There's there's no way. That's right. That's right. And and these concessions that she was talking about, oh yay, you know, we fight for concessions privately. Like I mentioned like earlier, those are things that benefit them. Like getting yeah. on these committee, these committee assignments and and all those types of things like that doesn't benefit us. Like where were you forcing the vote? in reference to concessions that actually benefit the American people, progressive policies, they have not been doing that. I don't even believe her. Like, I'm well, going to be honest with you. I don't even believe her, Zach. Yes, and that muddies the water, right? Concessions for your job is not the same thing as concessions to get us Medicare for all and the things we need to survive. That's right. It's just things that benefit their political careers. Yes. So in that turn, are you really actually fighting for the people? No. And I'm curious as to wonder why AOC felt she needed to make that video in the first place. And by the way, the video is like over 40 minutes long. I only it's showed crazy. you guys a small piece. Yeah. Tonight. Why she felt the need to do that. And it, it's so it, 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 you know, the logical conclusion is they think or she thinks that the, um, the concessions that you just talked about for them is any material gain for us. And that's just laughable. Exactly. Well, private concessions are backroom deals. Mm -hmm. <laughs> We're supposed to share that. Yeah. I mean, like it's, it's not even the same thing. I couldn't believe she was trying to compare the two. So for me, it's just like, it happens privately. It doesn't happen publicly. Like you guys really have to watch the full video on Instagram. Like, it's just ridiculous. She's like, let's talk about these concessions that Kevin McCarthy got and da da da. I'm like, honey girl, you would have been better off not making a statement at all. And to She's vote, so desperate for attention. You know, she yeah. has to come out and do that. And the last thing I'll say before I head out, um, to vote for Hakeem Jeffries at all or any, you know, in my opinion, Hakeem Jeffries is one of the worst of the worst. Mm -hmm. he, uh, being against Medicare for All or any of these progressive in name or not in name, but 
you know, going down the list, check marks, and calling yourself a progressive is just, it, it makes me so angry. I feel you. And, and here's the thing that I have to say about that as well. Let's say in two years, Democrats get control of the House. Well, who's going to be in line to be Speaker of the House? Probably Hakeem Jeffries. Mm-hmm. So if you're not trying to like get some type of negotiation with him now, what makes me believe you're going to try to negotiate with him later on down the road? Yes, that's so important. I, I didn't think of that either because they, you know, in the system, if we're talking that way, we're, we're stuck with Hakeem Jeffries because they made him the new, um, what is that, um, upperclassman or head of the Democrats because Nancy Pelosi stepped down a speaker and now she's just, you know, uh, representative i wish she would have retired fully but <laughs> yes and now she's um, minority leader i believe yes um part of the democratic leadership is what i think i was trying to say um but thanks for having me on savvy it was really good to talk to you thank you so much zach thanks so much for calling in have a good night you too all right we're going to go ahead and bring in brandy who has a very interesting profile picture <laughs> and while we're bringing in Brandy, I'll just say, you know, if you're talking about Jimmy Dore's supposed wealth, I mean, look at his set versus Breaking Point set. Nope. <laughs> Need I say more? <laughs> I wasn't going to say anything, but go ahead. <laughs> What's going on, Brandy? Hey, um, I was actually talking to Roger Meadows earlier tonight, and he suggested that I call in. I'm from Arkansas, and we're doing, uh, we're working on getting the groundwork together for a universal health care ballot initiative. But I went to a meeting last night with a group that's interested in doing a um, constitutional amendment to our constitution that restricts the legislator's ability to restrict abortion. And so, you know, even in red state and we feel that there's enough people that would show up and vote for it. Yes. And I believe this happened in Kentucky as well. I haven't gotten to, um, I haven't gotten that far down the alphabet yet. Was yeah. it Kentucky or Kansas? I think Kentucky Kansas. or Kansas. What, what it was in Kansas was the uh, Republican. They already had a constitutional amendment guaranteeing the right to abortion. And because they wanted to do a trigger bill, they had to get the public to reverse it. So it, the legislator put that up for a vote and they swept it and lost. The Republican legislators did. Okay. So, so these things also have been winning in the states. Yep. The right to choose. So that's another one where, again, you really kind of need, it's unfortunate that the Supreme Court had to overturn Roe v. Wade for some of these states to say, listen, we need to make sure that women are protected in our state. You see, we already had a trigger law. So day one, the trigger law went into effect. Mm -hmm. We were the first state to do it or one of the first states 
I remember that. Yeah, this is one of those things where, listen, we have to make sure people's rights are still protected in the states. Yeah, we can't just I think this was a wake up call for a lot of people. We can't just rely on the fact that the Supreme Court, you know, legalized something many years ago, because look at how that turned out. They can come back and overturn other things as well if they wanted to. So, yeah. so by a, tr a trigger law, you mean that as soon as Roe v. Wade was overturned, then abortion was instantly illegal in that state because yep. it was there waiting to be triggered. Yeah. Yeah. Because our Pretty we have a super majority, super um, majority in both the House and the Senate, Republican in our state, because over 50, 50 to 55 percent of the state doesn't show up for to vote. And Democrats in our state cannot win anything higher than a state or Senate seat in certain blue areas. So they had already passed it like a year or two before. Okay. To be a trigger law when it happened. Jesus. Yeah. So they knew it was coming then. They knew it was coming. If they knew it was coming, and we've been saying it's coming, the Democrats didn't listen to us or them. Or they just didn't care, which is frankly what I think is they just don't care enough to fight because they're not. They're proving it to us. Yes. So um, I believe that they knew as well. And, you know, I'm... Some of the a majority of the people in the group are Democrats voters, so I'm having to. <laughs> mm -hmm. But sometimes you got to work with people you don't agree with to get things done that's best for the majority. This is true. Like for Kansas, mm -hmm. people wondering how they were able to protect women in their state. I got to let you know, it wasn't just Democrats that did that. No, no. And there's not even all Republicans support it. And that's the same thing with my point with doing a single payer health care plan in the state. I've got all the notes from Roger. I'm just trying to make the connections with people so that I've got the grant. I've got people to help me do a universal health care as well. Does Arkansas have a public bank? No, but we'd have to do that. Yeah. And our state is not a single issue. So we could technically put, them all, put it all in on one initiative, which would, and that was kind of the thing we were talking about in the abortion meeting, because even counties can do initiatives. Yes, right. But it's like we, by doing multiple different, ballot initiatives you're stretching thin the resources that are available and that so right. it's best just to go for the one thing because if we just did it as a bill and as a referendum to reverse their trigger law they could come back and change it again honest so the best thing to do is just go for the amendment on the constitution which it, we're fortunate to have that right why not use it and from what i saw last night there's other groups working on things to protect transgender in our state putting a constitutional amendment in 
and were also the reason why the previous marijuana ballot initiative failed was because of the 15% going to the police. There's three that they're gaining signatures for, collecting signatures for already. And one of them even um, expunges the record. That one would be huge. Um, I do know that in Virginia, Lee Carter, he tried to do that. Um, for those who are not aware, um, I interviewed Lee Carter almost like two years ago, actually. And mm-hmm. he is the reason why Virginia legalized marijuana. It's all because of Lee Carter. That was yeah. his bill. He's a socialist. And he won as a socialist in the Virginia State House. And yep. in his bill, he had also included to expunge the records of those who have been convicted for marijuana possession and sale. That piece was removed when they decided to vote on it. They removed that piece, but they still legalized the marijuana. So Lee yep. Carter was like, I wish they would have kept that piece in because it was supposed to go as a package. But at the same yeah. time, he was like, I want marijuana to be legalized here. So that's what ended up. That was the compromise that he made for that to get through. And so that's another thing, too. That's another issue where, mm-hmm. for the most part, you'll find Democrats and Republicans are OK with that. So that's, yeah. that's the thing. And the healthcare issue, too. You'll find yep. Democrats and some Republicans are OK with that, too. The big I know Trumpers push- that are. Yeah. Like- I mean, the, well, some are. I yeah. think the, the big pushback you're going to get is if people feel that it's going to come from their taxpayer, you know, money that they're going to have to pay more taxes because of it. Some people will be against it because of that. Some people will also yeah. be against it because they're like, I don't want the government to control what I do. Well, they don't realize how much I, I work in um, health care. I work for a pharmacy and people really don't realize how much their insurance has a say so and certain medications due to the cost that they'll pick whatever brand they're contracted with that manufacturer and you have to take that. And then the same thing goes to where when it's regular meds, like your blood pressure meds or whatever, you can go to whatever pharmacy when it's a specialty med you have to go with whoever your insurance is contracted through. That's right. So like cancer, AIDS, anything. So people don't have as much of a choice as what they think they have. That's propaganda. You got to educate them. And I try to do that as much as I can. Hmm? 100%. Yeah. You're a hundred percent right about that. And I'm glad you mentioned like something like cancer because it's true. Like some people don't realize that until they're diagnosed with an illness where they have to take a certain type of medication. And unfortunately, depending on which companies the insurance company is actually contracted with, that can determine what type of medication that you actually get. And the privatization of Medicare is screwing over our seniors big time because they don't qualify. If you're on federal insurance, you do not qualify for a lot of the copay assistance programs through the manufacturer. That's interesting. But isn't it Joe, isn't Joe Biden trying to do this? Like, this is the thing that gets me. Isn't Joe Biden the one that's trying to privatize Medicare? He, 
they already they started it under Obama under the ACA. It's been slowly rolling out over time, but he's in, Trump increased it and he's increased it. They let it. I mean, just both sides, and nobody's telling people this. And so they go and they've been on these payment assistance cards that they get like zero five ten dollar copays instead of like two thousand dollar copays a month, um, and they go and retire and they sign up for Medicaid and they don't know what they're signing up for. Of course, and mm-hmm. it'll have they'll have to switch to a different pharmacy mm-hmm. sometimes depending on what company. Because most of the contracts I see are either Blue Cross Blue Shield or um, what's the other one? Universal, the UHC, United Healthcare. They own most of those contracts between those two companies. You got A. So all Biden's doing is increasing it. And you got A. P's in bed with United Healthcare now. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I was just saying, um, I wish more people knew about this. Mm-hmm. Because it's slowly happening. And I had mentioned this a couple streams ago that even the UK, even they're trying to privatize their healthcare system now. Yep. They are. They're fighting. So, and they don't realize how much it's going to screw them over. This is terrible. Like I, but I, I see it every day in my job. So, I mean, that's kind of why I'm like, we've got to do something, not only between my health issues and my husband's health issues. And, you know, I have a daughter that has seizures. We handle a lot of seizure meds. Epidiolex is basically legal cannabis made manufactured through the, uh, pharmaceutical companies mm-hmm. and it's used to treat seizures people with really severe so i mean there's all kinds of things that people just don't think about until you're in that position and then you don't know what to do this is so. very true and another thing that happens too when people switch employers well oftentimes like if you're switching your employer you're also switching yep. your health insurance. Yep, we have that. That's uh, kind of what we're going through right now. This month, the first month of January, is the majority of the changes. Now, the way the insurance companies do it, they can tra- switch out that contract more than just once a year. So sometimes it'll be July and August, and we'll have a bunch of them that we're having to. The insurance company doesn't always notify them either, so they'll call up to order their meds and we have to say i'm sorry you have to go over here yes and restart everything over i've actually had this happen to me before too brandy and you can let me know if other people have had this experience there have been times when my health insurance company has stopped covering like prescription medicaid like for example like i have an inhaler uh, uh-huh. people, who are, people who are not aware. Hey, you're learning something a little bit new about Savvy tonight. Yes, I have an inhaler because I have um, allergy-induced asthma during the spring. So I always have that on me just in case, like, especially when the pollen 
pollen is really high. Um, but at one point in time, it was about three years ago, my health insurance company, I went to go refill my inhaler at the pharmacy and my health insurance company apparently it's decided they weren't yeah i was like say what so i like i was at the pharmacist the pharmacist goes oh sabrina do you know that your insurance company is not covering this anymore and i was like since when yeah i've had them do it to my stomach meds and their excuse and they'd been paying for them for like two or three years and their excuse was well you can get them over the counter i'm like yeah it's more expensive that way it is yeah and, um, but I have, I'm on, well, supposed to be on inhalers. I can't afford the copay on my inhaler right now. Mine is inflammation induced. I have chronic inflammation disease. So I have Crohn's, I have asthma due to inflammation, migraines, fibromyalgia, all that stuff. And like my insurance refuses to pay for my inhaler or the shot and I have bad reactions to the steroids in the inhalers. So I only use them when I absolutely have to, because I can't get anything else. And the shots don't have steroids in them. And it's like once or twice a month. That's horrible. Yeah. For people who are not aware, inhalers are expensive. If you don't have insurance, Mm -hmm. I have insurance. And still, after my copay with my insurance, is still $60 because it's a low steroid inhaler. Yeah, these are just some of the many, like, woes that people have to deal with with the health insurance industry. So, to mm-hmm. me, it was just like, you know, bringing, they- it, back to the, bringing it back to um, the Jimmy Dore thing is that, when I was at the March for Medicare for All last year, I was at the one in Boston, but there were several in, what, almost 50 cities in, in the United States. I remember who showed up and who didn't. Yeah. Yeah, I don't have anything like a problem with Jimmy at all. My major issue is like Brana and Hinkle. <laughs> So, but I don't have a problem with Jimmy and I do agree with what his message. And at least he did show up. That's right. For that. Um, I just wish he would separate himself a little bit. There's no way I'd vote for anybody running with the people's party and I'm independent. Yeah. That's where we just, that's where me and him disagree. We we disagree with over that and, um, the MPP and Nick Brana, like we disagree there. Cause I, yeah. I just don't, you know, I, I did, you guys know this, those of you've been with me for a while. I did interview him, obviously. Yeah. And I remember. There were just yeah. a number, uh, you know, a number of issues. And my thing is, it's just like, at that point, sometimes it's just best just to come clean. Yeah. And I was on with you on the New Year's stream. That's right. That's right. That's right. I remember. Yeah. 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 I watch you. I watch you guys. Um, I've made shirts for Rome in the past and things like that. So I've been following you guys for almost two years, over a year. So it's just a lot of things are hard for me to get out and do because of my 
health issues. So no, I've got to have help. Mm. And that's where my struggle has been is with, you know, trying to spread the red berets in Arkansas and work on the healthcare stuff. Um, it's other people are so partisan, they get so caught up in the elections and it's hard to get, find people. So I'm trying to take advantage of this abortion bill. Plus I almost lost my twins when I was seven months pregnant. Oh my God. Brandy. I was in, that's what caused my issues was I was in a medically induced coma for oh three weeks God. and they were born two days into it. I'm so sorry to hear that. Jesus. Yeah. Hi, so the abortion issues very hi. Hi Roger. Yeah, the abortion issue is very important to me because of that. Because if my doctors and my family had not had a say, I probably wouldn't be here. If they had taken on by C-section because they're viable at 27 weeks, it would have killed me because I was septic. And they're about, they're turning 16 this month. You know what? Um, this is something, what you just said there, I think was really important for people to hear, Brandy, because some yep. people really do think like when we talk about like abortion, that these are women that are just like, okay, I wasn't responsible. So I'm just going to go have an abortion now. And not realizing that some people have to have one because of medical. medical and what I want people to realize is when Missouri's passed too, I have a friend in Missouri I went to high school with her mom, so she's almost like a niece to me. I babysat her when she was little, and she was pregnant with her second child. And right as that came down, they were finding out that there was, when she went in for them to check measurements and everything, there was issues with the baby's brain. It wasn't measuring, is measuring about half the size it was supposed to. Um, and its kidneys were not functioning. And so she was given the choice and she chose to go ahead and try to have the baby and carry it. And a few months, about seven months, seven, eight months, um, the baby's fetal heart rate stopped. Mm-hmm. While she was pregnant and they wound up having to induce her, but they had to do ultrasounds and prepare all the paperwork to back themselves legally for inducing her. And she had a stillborn. That's that's unfortunate. So, I mean, that's the thing that people need to realize with this. This is there are many cases to where women have to do it. And had they left me pregnant, the medications they had me on would have killed them. And they made the choice to leave me pregnant. So they took the monitors off of me so that my family wouldn't hear when their heart stopped. And they wound up coming on their own. And they do have issues. Oh, my God. You know, being that much preemie, they were two, four, and two. 13 and that's really big for premature twins they're typically don't weigh more than two pounds a piece it's interesting every single one of my um every single one of my friends that have had preemies they've all had them premature yeah every single one of them 
Dang. And yeah. so my that's part yeah, of. I think preemies or twins. I think I'm a, I twins. Think, okay, I said yeah. Twins. Yeah. All my friends that have had. Twins I think you said preemies. I said preemies. Yeah. 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 All my friends that um, have had twins, they've had them premature. And that's what makes twin pregnancies higher risk. Like I have my oldest two both at home with a midwife. And then whenever we found out I was pregnant with twins, I could not have a home birth because they're high risk. Yes. And because I was so sick, when I got sick with the sinus infection, my body couldn't fight it off carrying twins. And it turned into double pneumonia, respiratory distress, and a septic failure. And so. Jesus. Yeah. Well, Brandy, thank you. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. Like, again, like this is just another example of how corrupt the healthcare industry can be. Um, Because I always say like a woman's right to Mm -hmm. choose, like that's still a part of healthcare. That is a healthcare issue. And people who are, are wealthy, they have the means and the resources to take care of, to take care and of that travel in other ways. Exactly. Yep. Whereas like most people like us, what we're doing now in Arkansas is we have a group that's a 501c3 that collects donations so that they can tr- take the women to other states like Kansas to go get abortions mm-hmm. because not only do a lot of them not have the money, now they've got to come up with travel expenses and a vehicle if they don't have one. And then you got to be careful with that because then some states can make laws to make it illegal for you to go to another state to have an abortion. Yeah, that's the only thing they haven't done yet. And it's like, we'll see how that goes. So that's why we're trying to get in there as quickly as we can and do this so well good luck brandy um i want to go ahead and i got a line of callers so i want to go ahead and bring in our robin as well but thank you so much for calling in thank you bye roger bye all right robin you are on the mic curious to hear your take about this how do you feel about uh, after the interview about force the vote and AOC's defense of the Democrats fighting for concessions? <laughs> Hello, Savvy Savvy <laughs> from your resident libertarian, Robin. So um, <laughs> I am uh, a big Jimmy Dore fan, actually. And um, and I want to say to anybody that tries to j- drag people like Jimmy or Glenn Greenwald or Matt Taibbi, or Kim Iverson for going on places like Tucker Carlson and stuff. That's how I found you guys. You know, I saw Jimmy on Tucker Carlson, and I probably searched him out on YouTube, and I started watching that. And I think that's how I found out about the whole forced vote thing to begin with over two years ago. And it made total sense to me, you know. Um, And so... Uh, For anybody that says that tries to drag people like that uh, for going on media that they deem is inappropriate, it's ridiculous. You want to go out and get your message out to whoever and where, you know, wherever anybody will listen. Um, And, you know, if Tucker Carlson is the biggest name in cable news and then he's out there and, you know, then people like me hear it and we listen and then we follow along and stuff. And then now all of a sudden, you know, my most frequent 
Uh-oh. I think we... Oh, Robin, I think you cut out for just a second. He's a clown. You know, I've always thought that she was a clown, but I mean, but she it even clowns herself even more because she's an unprincipled clown. Oh, and one second, where... Robin. Um, you cut out for just a second. Who's a clown? AOC. Okay. <laughs> she, and the reason why she's she's more of a clown than a lot of people because she's an unprincipled clown. I have said over and over again that I reverence intellectual honesty. So if you're going to be say something on one side, be consistent with that from here to here to here. But then when you're all over the place and then you start making excuses and all of this other kind of stuff, I have no tolerance for intellectual dishonesty on the right or the left. It doesn't matter to me. So this whole, like, for example, this whole Hunter Biden, not Hunter Biden, Joe Biden and, and Donald Trump thing about their all of their um, uh, classified documents and stuff or whatever. That's a complete clown show because <laughs> each side is just it's just ridiculous. And I'm I mean, OK, well, this this me holding the classified documents is OK, but him holding the classified documents is terrible. That's get out of here with all of that on both sides. I'm over all of that now. Mm -hmm. Um, so, but like I said, I, I'm, uh, Jimmy Dore has been completely vindicated. Brianna Joy Gray, completely vindicated. And I said this on Aaron Monte's, uh, one of his call-ins earlier this week or whatever, Thursday night, last Thursday night. So a week from today, when Brianna Joy Gray did her victory lap, on Force the Vote, those first 19 minutes or so, complete fire. She, I mean, I did, you know, I would stand up in my house and applaud. She was so on fire, you know, just kind of bringing people to heel for their tomfoolery that they've been doing over the past two plus years over trying to disagree with Force the Vote. And even today, trying to gaslight people to try to make it seem like this really wasn't a good idea. And then that whole thing with AOC and the, the math problem and, oh, it's just <laughs> miss me with all of that, Tom. I mean, it is just, <laughs> she, she needs, you know what? She does not need to get her, maybe she does need to get her student loans canceled because she did not get her bang for her book on that. I don't know who learned oh, her at her school. It is it ridiculous. <laughs> She needs to get her money back because if you can't math over just needing five people. <laughs> but, Robin, but Robin, but Robin, there's a thing called math. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I am very familiar with math. As I said, as I've said before, I have a master's degree in accounting. So I know how to math very well. Thank you very much. <laughs> and I know that if you if you only need five for something to tip over from positive to negative, <laughs> it doesn't matter if you have five or 20, you know, it, the same result will apply. So I don't know why she's trying <laughs> to bring on this this attitude that, well, we didn't have 20. Baby girl, you didn't need 20, like you said. So, okay, let me calm down from that. Let me, let me go back to a couple of days ago when you were, when you went over that thing with Crystal and how she was dragging the uh, Republican Freedom Caucus. And um, 
You know, I have to say also that I was very disappointed in oh. Crystal and Sager in the turn that they've taken. You know, I, uh, anybody uh, as a libertarian, I would probably lean closer to Sager than I would to Crystal. That's not something that's a, that, that would be um, a big surprise to anybody, I don't think. But when I was, but at the same time, I thought that when they left Rising, that they would go even further than where they were at Rising. And now I'm looking at Brianna and um, the guy, I can't remember his name, Robbie, and they're actually more independent with with the Hill than <laughs> Crystal and Sager are right now. And it's isn't that interesting? It really is, and it just it just lets me see that okay, yeah, you call yourself independent media, but you're really just mainstream media without the commercials for you know. Um, for pharma on your directly on your show or Boeing and Raytheon directly on your show. So, you know, you just, so it's just no different. I don't see any difference. And it makes me sad because if they were the way that they were on the Hill, I would go see them in Austin. Austin is my second home down here in Texas. And I know, but I, there's no, I'm not, I'm not making that trek to Austin to go see them. If they're going to say the same type of foolishness that they're saying right now, but the thing specifically, of the, you know, about Crystal's radar uh, that she had, she called those those Freedom Caucus people uh, rebels at least three times. She called Matt Gates an asshole, whatever. You know, I don't have any problem with that one way or the other. Uh, she called them radicals at least two times. And she talked about them hostage taking at least two times. I am very offended. Um specifically about the term rebels, mainly because if you call somebody a rebel, that assumes that you have some type of authority over them. And that's not the way that our government is supposed to be set up as a democracy or even as a republic, a democratic republic. It's that everybody is equal and that you, the, those, all of the those that are equal among them, choose among them who they would have lead them. Like you were saying earlier uh, with Jimmy Dore about uh, Kashama Shawan and how with the socialist agenda and whatever, how they would choose among themselves who would lead them. That's the same concept, and it's it's laid out even in our Declaration of Independence. So if you if if you are governed so if you're leading by the consent of the governed you as the person consenting can never be the rebel the person that is the rebel is the person that is leading that chooses to not do what the consent of the governed has told you they want you to do those are the rebels so in this case with the freedom caucus at that point, before they all, you know, decided to vote for Kevin McCarthy, they were not consenting to be governed by him. And so then if that's the case, how can they be rebels? Here's a proof text to that. People need to know their documents. This is based directly out of the D Declaration of Independence. And, and they treat the Declaration of Independence the same way that they treat Martin Luther King's I Have a Dream speech. 
as if I have a I have a dream speech. There's nothing that goes before the I have a dream, and then all they talk about is I have a dream and blah 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 blah. When the main point of it was is that you know the United States wrote a check that they asked hadn't cashed, <laughs> and, we, mm-hmm. and we are here to try to deposit this check that you wrote. You wrote the check. We're here to deposit the check and cash the check. And then he went on to that. And so it's the same thing with the Declaration of Independence. Everybody knows, oh, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal. They're empowered by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. And then that's where it stops for most people. If you read on, it says that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed that's the very next thing after that so you so again it just goes back to no you don't bestow upon me my right to vote for you no you have to look for me to consent to be governed by you then it says that whenever any form of government becomes destructive to these ends, it is the right, the right of the people to alter or abolish it and to institute new government, laying its foundation on such principles and organizing its powers in such form as to them shall be, uh, shall seem most likely to affect their safety and happiness. So again, that whenever any form of government becomes destructive to these ends, it is the right of the people to alter or abolish it. That is our initial founding document before anything else. And so when you saw what was going on with these guys and, and women on the Freedom Caucus side, they're exercising this. They're saying, uh, McCarthy, we don't see you, um, you know, moving forward with what we are wanting. So we have every right to alter this situation or even abolish it if necessary. So again, who's the real rebel in this situation? If his caucus, if he can't get his caucus to consent to him being the leader, and he's standing there saying, well, you need to make me leader. And they're saying, we don't consent. Who's the real rebel in this situation? And so it's no, it's, it's no, what is the word? It's, it's not a fluke that Crystal used those types of words, calling them rebels and rabbits and hostage takers. No, the rebel and the hostage taker are the leaders in our Congress that refuse to do what those that have been democratically elected by their constituents want them to do. Those are the ones that are being held hostage. Those are the ones where a certain, in terms of, you know, some of the things that they conceded uh, that they wanted concessions for, we're trying to take back. We are no longer going to be hostage to you uh, uh, not allowing us to put amendments on the floor you know, to change bills. We will no longer be hostage to you where you slap a $4,000, I'm sorry, 4,000 page bill on our desk and say, you need to vote for this this afternoon. And we haven't had a chance to even 
open the pages of it, much less read 4,000 pages. Who's the rebel? Who's the hostage taking in that situation? So I call shenanigans Mm. on all of that type of rhetoric at this time. And then on top of that, and this is now I'm going on a tangent and I, the, you know, the, the, the powers that be that are listening may be, uh, may uh, cut me out or whatever when I say this. Robin but, is fired up tonight. <laughs> you're on a roll. Keep going. You're hot. Go. Okay. <laughs> but I'm going to say something that may be a little bit, uh, may be a little bit uh, controversial or whatever. But if people think, okay, if you have a right to alter or abolish it, okay. How did they alter and abolish the government that was over them, you know, during that time when they made the Declaration of Independence? We all know. I know it's that dreaded R word. And I'm not talking about the R word about people that are, you know, uh, 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 have mental disabilities or anything like that. There was there's another R word that you can't say (laughs) and it's not reformed. And everybody knows what that word is to that end. To that end, why? And I'm specifically talking to people, most people that's, that vote for Democrats right now. Why in the world would you vote for gun control? Black people? Mm. Black people? Why would you vote? Robin, <laughs> why would you vote say- to, sur- to surrender your arms? <laughs> why would you do that? I'm just asking mm-hmm. questions. I'm not. Ma- I'm not making. Cla- I'm just asking questions. Why would you vote to voluntarily disarm yourself while the federal government continues to arm itself to the teeth? Why does the Why does the uh, Environmental Protection Agency have um, armed forces? Why does the Transportation Agency? have armed forces. Why do all, just look, I mean, I'm just saying, do your research and find out how many alphabet agencies that don't have anything to do with the common defense have armed forces. And if you just do a little Googling and research, see how much ammo they're buying up. I'm just asking, just just making suggestions. Just look at the ammo. All I'm saying is, you know, I'm look, I don't mind if you, you know, okay, well, we need to put down arms. Fine. The government, the federal government said, okay, we need to put down a fine. You first. You first. That's all I got to say about that. That's something that Rome has touched on often that he doesn't agree with that. He doesn't agree with um particularly african americans not protecting themselves like he like rome has been very vocal about that that like there's no and no way in hell should you be voting for people who are going to take away your gun rights why would you do it because the democratic party told them to Um Unfortunately, that's how it works because the Democratic Party told them to and because they can always use the excuse that, well, at least we're not the Republicans. We're the lesser of two evils. And that's all it takes for some people, to be honest with you, Robin. Robin, I I think the most offensive. Go ahead. I think the most offensive thing you said was it seems to be an assumption. You think everyone here votes Democrat. 
Oh, sorry. I do apologize. I do apologize about that. You're I'm so sorry. To the wrong crowd. I'm so I'm well, so but, sorry. But some, but some still do, Roger. And and I mean, I think almost most of us did in the past, at least, which wasn't that long yeah, ago. I think, I think you talk about now, though. I think oh, now, yeah, that's a good point. But, but you're yeah. right. I, I I mean, your your audience is is definitely head and shoulders above. Most of, as your uh, comrade Nick would say, the dumb, dumb left is. You know? <laughs> that phrase cracks me up, you know, and then uh, as Jimmy Dore laughed about, too, of uh, how most of those people are, you know, um, highly unserious or whatever it is uh, that he says all of the time. You know, my family, my friends. I love when he says <laughs> uh, I know he doesn't. But listen, here's the here's the other thing, too. Um I'm not sure that everyone who watches me is has dim exited. And I say that because I've done polls before in the past, at least on my YouTube show, where some of those questions like definitely leaned. Like, I think I asked, I did a poll one time about the squad members. Oh, do you think we should still, people should still vote for progressives through the Democratic Party? Like we were talking about strategy. That was one of those polls. And there was about a good, I think it was four or 5% that said yes. It's, it's still um, what but I mean, what strategy though? That, to, to Jimmy Dore's point, what strategy do they have? I agree, what but is I think the strategy. I think I mean, some. I think. I think there are some people that watch me that still believe in the Democratic Party and still believe in putting progressives through, just based on the poll results that I've gotten. Okay, I don't know everybody's on a journey, about. you know. And you know what? I agree that there are people that are on a journey. I'm on a journey in myself. You know, um, I still consider myself libertarian. One of the biggest leaps I would say that I've made since listening to you guys and particularly, and I will say the biggest uh, change that happened was when um, Kate, when, when the Hill fired Katie Halpern because mm-hmm. she said that uh, Israel was an apartheid state and you know me being a Christian or whatever and having been basically kind of like indoctrinated or raised as, as a, a Christian Zionist I mean I didn't even think much about it it's like oh yeah of course we're friends with Israel this is what we do or whatever and then when I when I saw her radar and I was listening to everything or whatever and I was hearing you guys just rail about you know the plight of the palestinians at some point if you are truly intellectually honest and you really do want to have a firm opinion you've got to challenge your own beliefs and presuppositions about what you think about certain things and even if you realize oh well you know i really haven't thought about that that much you there's only so long that you can continue to bury your head in the sand at some point you've got to choose to challenge what you what people have told you and you've just implicitly taken in as truth and then just say well wait a minute let me examine what somebody else is saying if for no other reason than to debunk it and then when you take that leap of and it is a courageous leap to do that and you have to examine all of the evidence that you have before you you have to look and go oh my I am not a Zionist. I am not a Zionist at all type of deal. 
And that's the journey. Those are the types of journey that journey. uh, That's the type of journey that I'm on right now, where that was such a realization to me that I had to say, I reject Zionism, which for, you know, as a Christian Mm -hmm. in America is a big, big thing. And so I don't want to, to your point, you guys, um, belittle people that are on that that progressive journey in terms of the things that they believe and hold true in terms of, okay, you know, well, I've been voting Democrat and I'm still holding out hope that there's something over the horizon or over the next hill or whatever. I get that because I did the same thing with the Republican Party. I, you know, when I turned 18, I'm going to vote Republican and blah, 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 insert. And then come 20, 2006, I go, I can't, I'm not a Republican anymore. I didn't know what I was until 2012. And I was like, I think I'm libertarian now. And I, like I said, you still grow mm-hmm. and progress and learn and things like that. So I don't want to make anybody feel uncomfortable if they're on that journey. But I do want to challenge everybody that's listening to be courageous. Be courageous and step out and t- and just step back and look and challenge all of the things that you assumed were right and true and be willing to be confronted with those, those opposing views and things like that. Like I said, I'm listening to you guys. I haven't been converted to socialism yet, you know, but I still enjoy the intellectual stim- stimulus that I get from you all. I still enjoy growing and learning and refining my own belief system. And I'm okay with even changing some of my viewpoints. Like I said before, I I am not a Zionist because of people like you and Jimmy Dore and Brianna Joy Gray, and, and especially in this uh, instance, Katie Halpern and seeing what happened to her and going, oh, wow, wow. If she as a Jewish woman is able to stand up and say these things, I need to take note and figure out what the heck it is that I'm listening to and what is it that I'm really believing, believing, and then just try and just map that stuff out for myself. I hope, I wish everybody would do that. Robin, thank you so much for saying that because that right there, you know, that's what we strive to do over at RBN is to reach more people with our message. But what was really interesting about what you said is the fact that these types of beliefs that we've have or we've had for years because that's just what we've been told to believe this is what we've been told to do what's acceptable or what's right and then it takes sometimes just like another voice to come around and say hey did you know this particular situation that's happening with this issue uh that might actually change your belief a little bit and and i gotta say like in reference to like the israel like palestine issue You know, a lot of people, I don't want to say in the country, I I will say a lot of people around me are not uh, as aware to what the Palestinians are going through. And that is because, uh, yeah, they're mainly watching like mainstream media. So that's where it's good to have like independent media to fill that void, to to wake people up. So like we talk about like uh, the Palestinian struggle on RBN multiple times. We've had the Palestinian network come on RBN and and explain like what's happening to the people there. You would never see those individuals invited onto mainstream media to talk about that. And that's really sad. And it's like, people don't really get to hear about their struggle. 
and people only hear about the narrative that's coming from mainstream media and that we should back and support the state of Israel without even questioning, you know, this is how they propagandize you without even questioning, well, what are the Palestinian people going through? And most mm-hmm. people won't, won't even check and, and look that up. So I think, thank you for saying that because that tells me that we are reaching people in some way, shape or form. Like what we at RBN want you to do is we want you to take the perspective that you have and to challenge it challenge it with other views like we're not here to shut you out and say no you cannot hear other different opinions or other views we want you to hear other opinions and other views and then we want you to take those opinions and we want you to dissect it and we want you to use it to challenge you and ask yourself why are they saying what they're saying why are they using the vocabulary that they're using why are they using these words like chaos and rebel and rebellious Mm -hmm. like What is that intending to do? So we want you to push yourselves when you're watching media or when you're reading articles to ask yourself again, what are they actually trying to get me to do? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so um, I'm going to go ahead and and hang uh, hang up after this. But I just want to say that I, you know, when it came to the. the, for me, the Israel and Palestinian thing or whatever, and hearing the different things, it uh, it was almost like the same situation where how a lot of white Americans kind of understood the civil rights struggle or saw it, or you know, from a um, from a, a theoretical perspective, but it wasn't until they saw literally the men and women and children, black men and women that were dressed up in their Sunday best, just sitting at a counter or marching in Selma and seeing the dogs sip, sicked on them and seeing the hoses, uh, you know, placed on, the fire hoses placed on them and seeing the batons being put on their backs and their heads that they realized this is wrong. And that was the same type of thing that I saw with just looking at some of the images of what was going on with Palestine and the Palestinians and how they had, they have no freedom of movement, how they have to basically show their pay, their, their papers and just go through all of these different checkpoints and gates and things like that. And, you know, if you live in the Gaza Strip and you can't see your people in the, you know, in the West Bank or, or, or wherever the other place is and stuff like that and how these families are separated and how would I feel if I can't move across freely like any you know, like an Israeli citizen can and that type of deal. And it's just like, this is wrong. And then not only that, but then you're still not a citizen. You don't have your own homeland, but you can't, but you're not a citizen of this land that you're in. And so you're in this like no man's land of just, just, just twisting in the wind. So at least make me a citizen of some place where I can have freedom of moving somewhere and I can be, re, you know, rejoined with my family. But this intermediate state of, well, you're not a citizen here. You don't have your own country and then you can't move here and you can't move there. That's that's messed up. <laughs> and so when you just look at those things and then you have that thing stare you smack in the face, it's just like, yeah, I'm not for any of that. So I don't know what the solution is. I'm not that smart or whatever. You know, I mean, to be honest, my opinion is that, well, I'm not going to give my opinion. But but like I said, this here is a hot mess and I'm not for any of that. And with that, I will 
just hang up and listen to everybody else. Thank you so much for that, Robin. That I want you guys to understand what something that Robin mentioned that I think is incredibly important is that if Jimmy Dore did not go on to Tucker Carlson's show, Robin may not have heard of Jimmy Dore. So she was introduced to Jimmy Dore because he was on Tucker Carlson's show and then she started watching Jimmy Dore and then Jimmy Dore introduced us, introduced her to the rest of us. So this is why it's important that you need to hear different voices. And listen, I don't, me and Tucker Carlson don't agree on like 99% of, of things, but there are some things that we do agree when it comes to war. We agree on that, you know, but the thing is, is this, when people criticize people like Jimmy Dore for going onto those shows, you know, for me, it's just like, so you want people to stay in echo chambers, but the same people told me a couple of years ago, they wanted the left to grow. So if you want the left to grow, that means you have to get outside of your echo chamber. You can't just stay in the same space and expect to grow. <laughs> That's not how it works, boo. That's not how it works. Um, Noel, I know you've been waiting to speak. So um, I wanted to go ahead and bring you in and then I'll go ahead and pull over Mark as well. But go ahead. Good evening, everybody. Um, I just wanted to say that Robin made a lot of good points. And what I appreciated about her most is that she brought her open mind to the table. And, you know, as I've said a number of times before on this program, I am a black woman of trans experience. So I see the world almost in its entirety from an outsider position. So it's easy for me to challenge the things that I see and what I've been taught because so many times the norms and the values of the society were turned against me. And so I saw the hypocrisy readily. So as I grew and matured, I understood readily that this system is really twisted and that there is a messaging out there meant as a framing for people to build a certain type of understanding. And since I was outside of the inside all the time, I was able to see it from a different perspective. But I say to um, everybody, yeah, we need to come to these forums with an open mind, with a base understanding of what it is that we expect as citizens. And are we willing to fight for those rights for every other citizen? You know, I think when Robin talked about the visual that white America was subjected to during the civil rights movements with the dogs and the hoses and the batons and this and that, and it challenged them, but it challenged them out of a guilt of what they saw. And I don't think it really led to them to understand the plight of black America as much as it did stir their distaste for seeing something that was unsightly. It was brutal. But when you think about it, the conditions under which black America and descendant of slave America existed did not really change substantively. You know, yeah, you did the civil rights and you didn't have to see people being beaten hoes down anymore. But the substance of how you lived as white America, as opposed to how we lived as black America, the, the gist of it really didn't shift. So I think we have to be in a position of constantly challenging ourselves to say, is this there, what is at the root of it? And when she spoke about Crystal framing the Freedom Caucus as rebels and this and that, 
Crystal was acting as a quasi um, syncophant or um, acolyte for the Democrats. And her whole framing of the Freedom Caucus was to contextualize the validity of force the vote for the squad and the progressives. So her negative language in terms of characterizing what was really just good politics, good leveraging of one's power, her framing of that in those terms as rebellious and this and that was to really say to the people on the Democrat side, this tactic, of leveraging your power within the caucus, that is rebellious. So that kind of affirms that the squad was correct because if they use their power, the, the power that their numbers gave them, we want you to think of that as rebellious and all out of context and this and that. So she wasn't as much speaking to the Freedom Caucus and really speaking to what they were doing she was trying to frame the context in which what the squad had been asked to do. She was trying to frame that. So going forward in those situations, when you think of asking the squad or any other group to force a vote or leverage their power, she wants you to think of that as chaotic and rebellious mm -hmm. and all of that. This is exactly why we've seen them use these words and, and not just what Crystal said, but mainstream media was using those same words, rebel, Absolutely. rebellion, rebel, chaos, chaotic. So you can look at it as a bad thing. So you don't even think about next time you don't around even asking think. you to do it. Exactly. exactly. And, you know, as for um, Jimmy Dore, you know, I like Jimmy Dore and I think a part of what makes Jimmy Dore so successful is the fact that he is a comedian and he has a way of cutting through the mustard and just putting it out there. And he's very clear. He may not be right or I may not agree with everything or every position he takes, but I am clear about what his positions are. And in a political space, and especially a commentary space where things get so nebulous, I think it is just so refreshing to hear that clarion voice come through and say, A is A, B is B, yes, no, you know, and it, it helps people see things more clearly. So when he calls out, you know, Nina Turner and this and that, I'm like, he's being clear. And so you know exactly where he stands. And in the case what forced the vote, I think he's absolutely right. In terms of AOC trying to suggest that there was some behind the scenes concession and some politicking that you all just weren't privy to, I think it's a whole bunch of BS. I think she's trying to spin a narrative because the um, people who pushed or force the vote have been so successful and been winning the media perspective on it. I think she felt compelled to come out and try and suggest that, oh, it's something that's going on and we do that too. Y'all just don't know about it. And we do, we push for concessions too and this and that. And I'm like, girl, take several seats, as Wendy Williams used to say. But I'm also always clear that we in the independent sphere, independent sphere are a subset and they're really speaking above our heads because they're speaking to that broader 
major metro media group that they are certain are still confused and still drinking the Kool-Aid. And that's who they're really speaking to. And so she's trying to say to the mass public, if you hear any critique of us saying we didn't, you know, force the vote, I just want y'all to know that we do do those things. We just do it behind the scene. And think about it. If you haven't come into the space where you understand she full of shit, you will be like, okay, I did hear something about them, you know, not forcing the vote, but she just assured me they do it. We just don't see it. So there's always this double entendre to what these people are saying because they're speaking to a bigger audience and they're just dismissing this um, intermediate space with the um, independent media because they know that it's going to be a different fight. That's why they don't come on to your mm-hmm. to speak. And because- I don't even expect them. Here's the thing. I don't even expect them to come onto my show. I have a smaller channel, but I do expect them to go on somebody's show and left independent media. Like they don't even come on TYT anymore. When was the last time you guys saw them on TYT and TYT is pretty generous with their criticism of them. Uh, Ilhan Omar and Jamal Bowman have been on majority report, uh, but majority report again, very, very light with their criticism of them. And I mean, extremely light with their criticism of them. They ignore all these other left channels that really prop them up and really is the reason why we knew about them to begin with. And people started canvassing for them. Had it not been for Jimmy Dore, I wouldn't have known who the hell AOC was when she was running because she was on Jimmy Dore's show. That's how I heard about AOC. Other than that, I didn't, I wouldn't have known. Like it just but, mainstream media wasn't really talking about her either until she won. And so that's that's the thing for people really need to understand is that for them to turn their backs on the same platforms that really promoted them and got the word out that they were running across this nation or got the word out to people across this nation. That is really something there to show you exactly who they really are. And I think what people need to understand when you use these words like rebel or or chaos and that kind of thing, that is exactly what Justice Democrats was supposed to do. They were formed, that organization was formed to cause a hostile takeover of the Democratic Party. They used the words hostile. I, I have to go back and find those videos because I remember watching secular talk i remember watching humanist report when they said it is going to be a hostile takeover of the democratic party jink uger too so you have to remember jink and kyle they started justice democrats what happened to the hostility now those same people who told us they're supposed to do a hostile takeover of the democratic party those same people are telling us you need to be nice to them how we go from hostile to nice boo but see here's the thing the independent media at the time that AOC was attempting to get her platform together and get that profile, get that national profile, she needed independent media. That's like, let's say if we're in high school and I have been the class president, but now I want to run for the student government president. Well, I know that the people within the class know me, but I need to appeal to a broader audience. But once I and so I will come to the class and say, look, you know, I know I'm just a sophomore, but I want to run for the SGA treasurer. And you get those people in your class to promote you. 
But once you get to the SGA level, it's a different thing and you have a broader profile. So once you get to that congressional level, you get access to the major media. Now people know you on a broader platform. So there is no real need to go back to independent media that launched you into this orbit. And in addition to that, there is a very real risk of you coming back to certain of those platforms on a regular basis, because now that you have this national profile, you have people who are going to follow you. You're going to get people who became aware of you once you got to be a congressperson. But then if you start appearing on some of these platforms, they're going to follow you and they may hear the inconsistency. So it's like once you get to the big league, you got to swim in the big ocean. And if you go back to the pond that got you to the big league, then you have to know there is some risk. Now, Rokana, who is seeking, I believe, who has aspirations to run for president one day, he is still willing to go back and forth between independent media to the major media because he's still trying to get to that presidential thing. So he know he needs all the exposure that he can get both on the independent side and in the major media. So that's why he's going back and forth. But the other ones, they're trying to lay low and they don't want to, you know, run the risk that something may be said or they may answer questions. It's like, why expose yourself to the potential that you may get some crisscross questions, even in a format that you didn't expect it? Just lay low and let your new sycophants, let those podcasts or those outlets in the independent media who would try and cover your tail, let them battle it out with the other people in independent media. It's a very slick game they play. And like you say, the people who started out saying, oh, we're going to burn this thing down. We're going to rubble rouse and we're going to, you know, stomp the house. All of a sudden, as they some of them have gotten bigger, they're like, hmm, we need to be in a different orbit. And so we're not going to be as radical. We're not going to hold them to complete account. And we'll run some of the defense to the other people in this space. But, mm -hmm. you know, for me. At the beginning and the end of the day, this system serves capital and it always has. And that's that becomes my baseline where I go back to whenever I come into a conundrum about something that may be going on politically. I always come back to myself and say, OK, based on what we know this system is capable of doing, what is really going on here? And then I do my analysis from the ground up based on what I know to be true. That's a good point, Noel. Let's bring in Mark. Mark, you're on the line. You just have to unmute. I want to get your take on this. What is your opinion about comments that AOC made when she said, like, Democrats are fighting uh, for concessions? Oh, we cannot hear you, Mark. Uh Oh, I hear you now. I think flat out that she's lying. Oh, shit. I hear you. No, still not yet. I can hear you. You hear me now? Great. I think, okay. I think when, I, when AOC says stuff like that, she's just lying. I have sat and negotiated contracts with my union a half dozen times, and 
when I am asking for concessions from management for my team, I tell them what those concessions are specifically. If she was asking from the Democrat, she knows what specifically she was asking for and from whom, so we could hold them accountable. Agreed. I, well, my thing also, too, was like, if that's been going on all along, why are we just now hearing about it? You know, that's that's my take on that as well. Yeah, I just think that this is just, just trying to provide cover for herself and her peers. I agree. I, I think so, too. Like to me, what killed me is when she said there's this thing called math. You have to know math like, um, excuse me. DSA had already done the math. That's why they put in their handbook that you should be forcing the vote for Medicare for all during the Trump administration, even though there's a chance it's not going to pass. These are the exact words in the DSA handbook. I'm not kidding you guys. It even says it will not pass, but you should do it anyway. So when people point fingers at Jimmy Dore and they say, how dare he tell them to do this and he knew it wasn't going to pass. Like Sam Cedar has been saying this recently. Sam Cedar, has he read the DSA handbook? So that's the thing, like the DSA no. handbook told them to do it anyway, Mark. Oh yeah, no, that, the DSA, well, I think they've dropped the ball by not expelling them. But, you know, the fact is, what would get me to believe a politician like that? You take the most popular potential policy in history, something like Medicare for all, and if they were to say, listen, my constituents want this. Most Americans want this. And my job is to represent the people. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm being sworn in today. I'm going to vote no on every bill that does not have Medicare for all. You want my bill for the military industrial complex? I want Medicare for all. You want my vote to get the government running at the end of the fiscal crisis? I want Medicare for all. If you mm -hmm. need my vote, Democrats or Republicans, for anything, you will give me what the constituents want because I want I want hard line standing up for the people solidarity or you don't get my vote because the, the reason I didn't I've not voted for Democrats for 20 years and I will never vote for any Democrat at any level of office ever again is because they don't represent us. They don't represent the people. They're part of the system. They're part of the problem. And everyone who thinks that you can vote for the lesser evil, that it's, there, there's, no, there's no such thing, as far as a politician is concerned, there's no such thing as voting against someone. You're only voting for. If you vote for any one of those bootlickers, they will take it as an overwhelming mandate. They will take it as, my people voted for me, therefore they like what I do. That's what people need to remember. If you vote for someone, you are voting for the things they do and the things that they've done in the past. That is your approval. They don't give a shit that you just are voting against Trump or just against any other bad person. They believe that you're voting for them. That is your tacit, explicit approval of their policies. So if you don't approve of that shit, don't vote for those fuckers, even if you have to write in someone yourself. Oh, sorry. I got a little carried away. <laughs> those oh, are my opinions. Listen, Mark, it's all good over here. Uh, <laughs> we we, we uh, welcome all rhetoric here. <laughs> but no, I agree, when, 
I'm going to bring in Lucy. What's your take on this too? I, I, Lucy, I'm not sure if you saw that video clip on Instagram from AOC, but she basically was giving a message to her audience that when uh, people were saying, why don't Dems ask for concessions? She basically said that they do ask for concessions and that they've asked for things like uh, the budget and they've asked for things like uh, being on committees. Like none of the things that she mentioned have anything to really do with us. And so I was talking to Jimmy about that tonight and Jimmy was just like, this is, this is bullshit. Like this is ridiculous. So she was just sitting there gaslighting her audience. And what was interesting to me is how I could watch that video and I could tell this woman is BSing people. Like I could watch that and tell, look at how she kept saying the same thing over and over. We asked for the budget. Um, we asked for the budget. Um, you could tell she was thinking of what to say. And I'm like, how, why is it that more people can't watch this and see that this is bullshit? Uh, Lucy, if um, you want to respond, you just have to unmute. Curious to hear uh, your opinion about this because it's just, it's a mess. Uh, while we're waiting on Lucy, um, Roger, you didn't get a chance to speak yet, I don't think. If you want to go ahead and unmute. I'm curious what you have to say about that. Oh, well, you know, I, I agree. I, I was just going, I was just trying to um, mention to Robin before because she, she was saying black people get out the Democrat party. I was just saying, yeah, we already out in this in this chamber right here. <laughs> we all want to be independent. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, um, it's I mean, it's to me at this point, um, we you know we we won uh, a million times, you know, the past week. Oh yeah, and she was talking about uh, when she said you should listen to the. Brianna's victory lap thing that that was the things that I was sending you so I was just gonna you know mention that pretty much but yeah. I don't know I really got I really got nothing to say I mean everyone said everything you know yeah least, but. yeah it's interesting and, and Mark I want to get your opinion about this too um how do you feel about this narrative that's that's going around now that some people are saying you know Jimmy Dore didn't invent this strategy, which Jimmy never claimed he did. He always referred back to the DSA handbook. What's your take on that? Because I feel like people, again, like I said to Jimmy tonight, I was like, people all of a sudden have seemed to have forgotten all the people that were a part of Force the Vote. Uh-oh, we lost Mark. He might've tried to unmute and it dropped him. That happens sometimes. Crap. But people were saying that, um, let me see if I can invite uh, Mark to speak, see if that solves it. People were, are now saying that Jimmy Dore is saying that he invented the strategy. That's not true. He's never said that. He's always pointed back to the DSA handbook. But again, I think that is just to deflect, you know, to get people to pull their attention somewhere else so that they're not focused on the fact that the squad didn't do what they were told to do. You just have to unmute Mark. Yeah. Okay. Sorry about that. I felt like I dropped off for a second. You know, I'm actually really not much of a Jimmy watcher, so uh, so I don't have strong feelings. But in general, like, it doesn't matter who started the strategy. Like, if I, you know, I don't know if it was Jimmy, if it was, if it was the DSA strategy originally, but but you know, if Bernie had one great thing uh, uh, ever, the whole "not me, us," that is truly speaks to it because it shouldn't be about jimmy it shouldn't be about whoever the person is 
right? If the policy is a thing people want, and if the proceed, if it, if the tactic is a successful procedure, and twenty years of of Republican dominance in in Congress has shown that that sort of tactic is absolutely a successful tactic, then who cares who started it? So you know, I think if anyone is is people, a lot of people hate Jimmy. I I I don't listen to him because I just don't like uh for all the yelling I do myself. <laughs> I don't really like to listen to <laughs> more more shouty commentary. So so uh but I think that yeah, if if people are trying to delegitimize the tactic or delegitimize Jimmy because of the tactic, I, those things just shouldn't have anything to do with each other, right? Like if you like Jimmy's message, great. You like Jimmy's show, great. What does that have to do with with any particular tactic that he may be espousing? Like in in public relationships, it shouldn't be about what do you like. It's about what's effective and and how are you building power and how are you getting a community together? Exactly. Well said, Mark. Um, I want to go ahead and bring in, let's bring in Brent and Lucy. Whenever you're ready, you just have to unmute. Um, But Brent, what's going on? What's your take on all of this? AOC is a fraud. She's just, uh, she ran for Congress for the status and the stable paycheck. And, and she will, she will do anything, um, it will take to maintain her power and her stable paycheck. And that, if that requires sucking up to Nancy Pelosi, she will do that. Uh, she is a fraud. And I, and, um, I think Katie Porter is as well. I think Katie Porter says the right things. And she will fight against corruption, against the corporations, all that kind of stuff, when it's convenient for the establishment. But when it comes at a, a moment in time when her vote makes a difference, she will fold, and then she will say the system is rigged. And she'll bring out her stupid whiteboard, and she'll do the same old bullshit. She, I think she's a fraud, and I know this because I live in Southern California, and in fact, I live in her district. And I know these type of people. I know these type of people in Southern California. There's a lot of good talking people. They say all the right things. They they give the same eloquent speech. People fall for it all the time. She brings up the, the the clipboard, the the whiteboard to point out the corruption, which is all correct because she knows that at that moment in time, her vote or whatever will not make a difference. But the moment it does, she will fold, and she's just in it for the paycheck. And she's they're all actors, and she's a fake. So I don't buy any of her nonsense, but um, that's my opinion regarding that. That's interesting. I, I was going to say, too, I think Katie Porter is not going to be any better than the, the rest of them. Um, I'm curious to get your opinion about this, if because especially since you are in her district. From what I've read about Orange County, isn't Orange County typically Republican? And if so, yeah. how did Katie Porter win? Again, it's because the presentation in Southern California, people are superficial. Like I'm like I'm like people think I'm crazy or whatever. That that's their like. People are superficial here. They, they're about appearances. They look at how people speak, and they and they like all the actors are like they they're clapping for Katie Porter because she gives a good performance. But those type of people, because I dealt with them per, people like that personally, behind the scenes, they're racist and they don't care about you. 
And so, so what's your opinion about these allegations against her um, in reference I to believe, staffers? I believe them. And the racist things, it's, it's not so much the N-word directly. It's kind of like, let's say sh there's, we have a large Hispanic population here. It, the racism is very subtle. It's kind of like um, you want, um, like if she's getting lunch or something, oh, they want, they want rice and beans. It's, it's that kind of racism. It, it, that racism stings. Covert. Covert it's, racism. It's, right. And, and Sabi, you mentioned someone that lives in Southern California, and they, they're surprised by the racism. It's never direct. So you, you can never complain to somebody, and they'll, they'll hear you out. It's the implicit racism that it, it stings. Like, it's, it's just, mm. you know? Like, and that's why people, they, they complain about it, but... She could easily say, "Oh, you're you're just whining because I'm tough, and you can't prove it directly." But I I've seen it with my own eyes the racism here in Southern California. It's it's never the N word. It's never the Ku Klux Klan. Um, everybody talks bad about them. It's it's the implicit racism. Like the Mexicans, they're they're treated poorly here. Like you hear it all the time. Oh, get Juan to do it. He's He's strong and, and, and he could take the take he, he he's been abused so he could handle it. It's like that 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 backs that underhanded racism and it, it and hearing that day after day, you can't report it because it's not actually protected by law. But mm -hmm. it's kind of that underhanded racism that the workers are complaining about, but they they have to keep their mouth shut because they know that they'll lose. And Katie Porter puts on a good face. So I believe the allegations 100%, but you can't prove it. And, but people will see when Katie Porter is elected and, she, and there's a, a vote that where she can make a difference. She'll say, she'll say, Oh, the, the system's too corrupt. Even if I voted yes on something or whatever it is, she'll say the system is corrupt. It'll, it'll be strike down anyway. But yeah, she's just a total fraud, just like the rest of them. So that's she reminds my me of like a younger Mrs. Doubtfire or something. Like when I, I look at her, like she kind of reminds me of like a younger Mrs. Doubtfire, like the movie um, character. But it, it's just, do you think that she would beat Barbara Lee? Ooh. Honestly, I don't know. Um, I, I don't know. It's, it's tough to say because people in California, they like their, their polite, politicians like Diane Feinstein lasted so long because she's the typical proper quote unquote professional politician and I don't know how Katie Porter will be or well how she will compete I mean it might be a toss-up she might win because she's she has that that stupid whiteboard she rests on that so she's like the quote unquote working class person but she just she reads the room she sees the frustration frustration so She'll attract the people who will f be fooled by her eloquence. And um, that's how, she, I, if she wins, that's how she'll win because she, the, pe the, the people who fall for it will vote for her. Very it, it interesting. It doesn't make a difference anyway because they're all, they're all corrupt anyway. So whether she wins or Barbara Lee or whoever is, is the replacement, it doesn't matter because they're all corrupt and they won't do anything for California. Like, all the politicians say the homeless problem here in California, it's, it's a, it's a crisis. They say all the right words, but they don't do anything. The, the, the problems continue to grow and nothing happens. So 
that's what I have to say about these these representatives. They're all about the money. They're all about the the stable paycheck and the status and the and they talk nice and they're full of shit. So I just wanted to say I just want to say something about uh, what Noel said. Um, she said something about Jimmy being clear on his positions. Um, I have to push back on that because I'm a huge Jimmy Dore fan. Um, he knows me by first name, and um, he acknowledges me at every show. And I think what Noel she only heard a certain part, certain things he's clear he's clear about. But um, I'm gonna get a lot of pushback from your uh, viewers here. But I put he's he claims that he's anti-war, and he has like anti-war guests like Aaron Mate, Chris Hedges, and um, I asked Jimmy Dore about his position on the Russian the Russian Ukraine invasion, and um, I told him that he was spot on. The U.S. is corrupt in funding this war. Ukraine is not innocent in how it treats its own people, and they're also corrupt. And I asked him directly, despite all that corruption, you claim you're anti-war, but you've never spoken even once about if the initial invasion by Russia to invade a sovereign country, Ukraine, was that is that justified? Does Ukraine corruption, does its corruption justify Russia invading it? And I, was ex I don't expect people to give me a... Sh the answer that I want to hear, they could tell me yes or no, and that's fine. But he, he, he didn't give me a direct answer. He kept saying, um, well, Russia, uh, Ukraine is corrupt. And I kept, I asked him again, Jimmy, I asked you, despite the corruption, was Russia justified to invade Ukraine? This, considering the corruption of the United States and Ukraine, in Ukraine, was Russia justified to invade Ukraine? And he wouldn't give me a direct answer. And I feel like this is a very, um, I don't know why he wouldn't do that, but, um, and that's his right. But as a, as someone who claims to be anti-war, you should be able to have a, a, a strong position on that. So, and he wouldn't give me a, an answer on that. So that was kind of disappointing. So this idea that Jimmy is clear on everything, I just have to push back on that a little bit because I know from personal experience, that's, that's just not true. And I'm, and even on here, if if I if I pose that question on here, you Sabi and Noah and everyone else, you guys don't give a clear answer either, and that's fine. But I just want to push back on that a little bit. So yeah, well, I'm not an expert when it comes to Russia Ukraine. I'm really not like, and I've said this before. Like, I'm not the foreign policy person of RBN. Like, I'll talk about foreign policy, but that's not where my expertise lie. Uh, that would be someone like. That would be someone like Nick, like that's where his expertise lie, right? But right. from what I've heard, again, like I've listened to multiple people about this conflict with Russia and Ukraine. Aaron Mate has said multiple times that Russia was wrong. Uh, oh, yeah. So Sorry. So Chris Hedges, Aaron Mate, they said it was wrong. And, and they're right. spot on. Like I spoke but with Aaron I, with this. I've heard, and I've heard others who are there on the ground that have come onto RBN, like um, Wyatt Reed and, and Fiorella Isabel, um, who disagree. And, and they have their reasons for disagreeing. So I've, I've heard it, you know, both sides. And I just think like me personally, I don't really, I mean, I personally don't really know what to say about that other than the fact that what I've been presented with, which is the fact that the people in that region are supposedly eth ethnically Russian.
from what the information that's been presented to me is that the people in that region are ethnically Russian and that the people had been asking them to get involved. That's one side that I've been presented with. Another side that I've been presented with is the fact that this is really all on NATO because NATO was not supposed to expand further to the West and it did. And that's what started this conflict to begin with. Uh, so I've heard multiple different things from different people. Um, so for me, I'm just like, eh, you know, why I can see what, what um, Ukraine has done. I can see what Russia has done. You know, at this point, I just say like, we need to call for some type of peace because at the end of the day, listen, no matter how much money the U.S. government is giving Ukraine to fight this war, more Ukrainian people are still dying. So the, a lot of people think that it's just like they're giving them more money so that they can beat Russia. They're not going to beat Russia. I want to be no, very clear here. They're not going to beat Russia. And they're like, well, they need to take the Russian people out. Okay, Ukrainian people are dying too. So right. for them to say we'll fight to the last Ukrainian, no. that doesn't make any fucking sense. No. So if everybody's no. gone, what the fuck is the point of this? It's, ahead, it's all to benefit the weapons manufacturers, and um, they just want to prolong the war. But Jimmy, I hold to a certain standard because he pushes anti-war. He it, it seems like he's well informed in this that most of he has access to people he speaks with, and to make an informed decision. That's why I hold him to a higher standard. And I and. So when Noel says he's crystal clear on his positions, I just have to push back on that because the people he has, the people he speaks with, the, all the anti-war people he speaks with, he's able to have access to them and gather all the information to make an informed decision. But it seems like he's hesitant to have a position on it because he's trying to s attract certain supporters. And I feel like for he should have a, a crystal clear position on rush on russia's invasion and ukraine and the united states that's just how i feel like other than that he's been spot on he he, he he's great but that's just one thing i hey, have to put on to, but i'll answer you I, I think lucy has a response yes i think so go ahead lucy Something lucy is happening can you hear we me? can hear you yeah oh okay all right. Um, uh, I I actually think he he is uh, well. I don't know what happened in that situation where um, he was asked that question, but I feel like he's been clear several times about the fact that the more powerful party has the bigger moral responsibility, and I feel that way about the. Um, I think I think I feel that way about this war, you know, like, I, you know, no matter how much you cut it, I, it's, it's just not an equivalent comparison to um, compare Russia to the United States. First of all, Russia's economy is smaller than Italy's. Um, the U.S. is the biggest empire in the world right now, and it has been for a very long time. You that doesn't mean that other countries are perfect. And it doesn't mean that there aren't kind of what I would say, maybe localized empires. You know, for example, China is very powerful compared to Thailand, Vietnam, you know, countries in Southeast Asia. Um, you know, you have maybe, I don't know, um, <laughs> um, uh, 
certain countries in the Middle East that are more powerful than other countries in, in other countries in the Middle East. But overall, um, the U.S. has more bases than anyone else in the world. Um, they're everywhere in the world, <laughs> almost everywhere. And they had biological weapons in Ukraine um, that were pointing right at Russia. Um, I, I really encourage, um, like I, I saw these um, interviews yesterday for one of my streams, um, people to look at uh, Barbara, Barbara Walters' interview of Vladimir Putin, um, which, uh, and that is really enlightening if you look at it, um, because the media at the time, after 9-11, they were trying to craft the narrative that Putin was good and that Russia was getting closer to the West. And they even dangled the opportunity for Russia to get involved and possibly even be a member of NATO in exchange for Russia's support of um, the U.S.'s war on terror in Afghanistan. Um, so... Uh, and and the and they not only did that, but they played weird psychological games in the media where they said like Bush looked into Putin's eyes and saw into his soul. It you know it, it's it's very weird <laughs> to look at it looking back in hindsight. But basically, uh, the lesson that you can get from that is that um, this is kind of a checkerboard, and all of these. Uh, countries, Ukraine, Russia, Turkey, Syria, whatever, they're all pawns, and um, the U.S. is a very fair-weather friend. So, for example, it might use the Kurds if it, you know, uh, it's strategically advantageous for, um, you know, to help them in the moment, but then they'll turn their back on, on, um, on that group of people. And they've used this strategy a lot in all over the world. So, I feel like Russia has made many mistakes. Um, one of them was one of the biggest ones, in my opinion, um, was not just now, but um, during the war on terror to even think that supporting the United States in the war on terror would have any kind of long term advantage for them was a very big mistake. Um, so mm -hmm. that's point number one. And they've been doing that for years. They um, the Russians were in Afghanistan, etc. So uh, that's, you know, <laughs> that's a very big mistake they made. I would say that, that this war in Ukraine, like, I feel like they are kind of catching up to the, some of their older mistakes. Um, but overall, I feel like people really have to understand that the U.S. is just is the biggest empire in the, <laughs> in the world. There's no way around it. And the war on terror, um, it's like over six million dead it's basically we've been causing the modern Holocaust. So to to even compare Russia to, you know, Hitler or, you know, like all of these crazy, you know, and I understand that Brent isn't making that those kinds of crazy comparisons, but um, it just doesn't make sense because it's just a much, they have a lot less influence militarily, strategically um, than we do. So. Right, yeah. right. I, I mean, you look at Iraq and then Yemen and then the middle in the, let's just say the middle East, the U the U S has been violating territorial sovereignty for decades. I mean, let's, I'm not naive to that fact. The U S is probably is, I think worse, but so it's not like I'm naive to that at all, but 
as, as someone as knowledgeable as Jimmy, I mean, to not to call out when Russia invades another country's sovereignty as well, why can't he call that out? That doesn't mean that you're 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 pro Ukraine or whatever. That's just acknowledging international law. And I know people are going to say there's nuance, but does that nuance really justify invading another country? I mean, and Russia is not the only I one. Think, uh, other countries like Israel, there's I other countries. Really... That, but I guess the well, the United States did is... not have any problem with Russia invading Afghanistan when it was convenient for their exactly. war. Right, 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 right. I, and, and and let me just say that's also it's, that's also wrong as well. And but for him to be so hesitant to call out what Russia did to Ukraine, I mean, it's just that's just I found well, that kind Brent, of odd. I mean, it, it, there's no shortage of of commentators in the mainstream media calling out uh, no, Russia. I mean, you know, Look, we don't need Jimmy, another like, we don't need another person on the left saying Russia bad. You know, I, I think what we really need to be looking at and focusing here is what's the real reason why all of this is happening. And, you know, in, and I think, you know, a big source to look at is Gray Zone and Max Blumenthal. And, and, it, and it's clear that this war was provoked. And you can say, you know, Russia should have done it or shouldn't have, or it was a mistake or is it moral or not or whatnot, but it was provoked. And why was it provoked? What's, what's the core driving factor here? And it's the money. It's always go back to the money always focus on the money. And so low-grade wars like this and, tension, and, and tensions and whatnot, it's good for military industrial complex, defense contractor business. That all comes down to the money, and that's what's, what's really going on. And I think Jimmy tends to have a really good focus on the money and on the corruption, and, and that's what we should be talking about, not whether or not you know, we, we condemn the right people with the right language. I mean, focus on the money. Yeah, and I just want to point out that, again, like, if this didn't expand, like, if NATO didn't expand, we wouldn't be in the situation to begin with. And NATO's all about money, yeah. too. And so that we're clear, <laughs> when I said, when I suggested that Jimmy is clear when he comes forward, I mean, when Jimmy takes an issue and he pushes that issue forward, he is clear about where he stands in this and that. Now, in terms of how he may respond to a question put to him, there may be a lack of certitude because no one is 100%. But in terms of the issues that Jimmy advances, Jimmy is clear. So I'm just, I'm just saying on the issues where he's out front and he's pushing it, he's clear on those issues. But if you put him on the spot and ask him a question, maybe there is a lack of clarity. But you're not going to see him out there championing or being in the room on those issues and not being clear when he is in the ring. When he's in the ring, he's clear. Right, but Noel, he 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 claims he's anti-war and he's pushing anti he has multiple anti-war people on. Chris Hedges, Aaron Monte, he speaks with them on a consistent basis. He should be able to have a, a clear position on on those things. That's, but that's here's how the I, thing, Brent. Yeah. Nobody is a hundred percent. I can be anti-war and not have the exact same check the box views on every you know altercation that's going on in the planet as everybody else. Anti-war is a generalized posture, and the fact that he has these people on his program suggests that in the broadest construct. He is in that venue. But now if you corner him on one spot or the other, 
That doesn't mean he is an anti-war in his holistic perspective. But on this issue, he may be a little unclear. You have Jewish people who are anti-war. But when you come to Israel and Palestine, they may have a different perspective. But that doesn't mean that nine times out of ten, they're on what you would consider the anti-war perspective. And here we go again. When we say anti-war, everybody may have a very specific definitional understanding. But mm -hmm. generally speaking, the people who are anti-war, which is different from anti-aggression, you know, so it's just a lot of things. But, you know, I agree in that situation that you experience where you pose the question within the context of your rapport with Jimmy. It sounds like he was nebulous, but that I wouldn't go so far as to say that his one response on that means that he is not anti-war on the whole. You know, oh, no, none no, no, of us are 100%. And I'm not saying, oh, he descends from the sky. He's clear 200% of the time, A, B, and C. But what I'm saying is, as a um, media person, as a, and then he's a comedian, but, you know, he is more clear when he is out in front on an issue, he is clear. And he doesn't, um, meander around in terms of cutting things to the bone if if he's clear that it's cut to the bone. That's what I mean. Okay, okay, that makes more sense. So if, if there's an issue that he presents that he, right. he's not going to... Right, okay, that's, that makes it more clear. But so I guess that's it. I mean, I'll just let someone else uh, speak. All right, oh, thank you. Right. All right, thank you so much for calling in. Case Study QB is in the house. Case, what is Hey, up? what's going on, everybody? Much love to you. Much love to the chat. Thought that this whole forced vote from the GOP Freedom Caucus side has definitely brought up the discussion again. And I've, I've seen a lot of good discussions. And I, I think that it's useful because it allows us to continue to strategize. <clears throat> and for a lot of the people who's against forcing the vote, <clears throat> my thing is, like, are, are they against the strategy of Medicare for All? I'm with you, Sabi, in the sense of, okay, if that's not the ask, come up with your own ask. And I think we have to keep having these conversations. I'm, I'm glad that Brianna always hits on this. Whenever there's an opportunity to, to have this conversation, she has it. Because I don't think as a consensus, as the leftists, that we know we've come to consensus on what our demands should be. So I'm hoping that... Mm -hmm. This con this conversation keeps happening so that we come to that consensus, and then maybe we could say, okay, um, we'll just wait for it to happen again, you know, two years from now, and then we'll bring it back up. But I think it's justified for us to keep bringing it up. I don't care if it's brought up once a week. We don't know okay. as a consensus as a group what are what are our demands, you know, for for and and going from you know ideas that you might have, we I might have as far as. Uh, vote for Medicare for all. As for um, I, I heard um, what's his name? Uh, I think Dave Sirota. He he came up with other demands, like because he was in Congress, so he knows all the minutia of what should be um, asked within Congress. Like Richard Neal should not be on that healthcare um, chairmanship, so that he prevents Medicare for all even coming down. He, there's a lot of asks that we all need to come together, come up with a piece of paper, and say, "Hey, progressive, this is what we want you." to do so much love to you Sabs. thanks so much case thank you so much brent i'm gonna bring in cr 
Okay, CR, what's going on? How are you feeling about this? Oh boy. Um, yeah, it's, it's kind of a clown world that we're living in. But, uh, <laughs> if you, if you allow me <clears throat> one little quick personal note, uh, I was listening back to my last appearance on here and, uh, I feel I owe, uh, you and your community an apology. Uh, I interrupted, uh, I actually believe Noel for one and, and, and you and a couple other people, uh, I yelled quite a bit. Um, some of my, uh, things that I was trying to go, you know, I had a point, but I was not coherent whatsoever, obviously. And, uh, it was being belligerent and I just wanted to uh, just get up right at the beginning and apologize to everybody for that, that last appearance. Um, I'm not going to make any excuses or whatever. I just, just wanted to, just to put that out. Your CR, you're apologizing for yelling on this show. <laughs> Listen, we, well, I just, uh, I just, I just, cause I interrupted, I just interrupted so many times and I, and I, and I was, and I also actually another thing I, I definitely should add is I was, I was, I went, I went a little, uh, <laughs> I went, I went a little too hard on Gator too, which I shouldn't have done. I, I, I shouldn't be singling out, you know, cause we're having a, we're having a general discussion about policies and ideas and, and I, and I spent the first you know, 10, 10 minutes of my, uh, no, um... no, nobody you. Oh, Lucy, can you mute real quick? I think there's background noise. Okay. Go ahead. CR. Yeah, no, I, I just, I, and also I, I shouldn't, I just feel like that I shouldn't have been directing all of my ire towards one individual. That's, that's not, that's not productive, you know, listening back on that. So I just wanted to apologize for interrupting and, and being uh, overly crass in my last appearance. Okay. Well, I think but we all um, accept your apology, um, but I don't think that uh, you honestly. I don't think most people boy. here really. <laughs> yeah, I don't think. <laughs> I guess I was listening back. When we come to these forums, I don't know about Savvy and the other girls, but I bring my, I put my big panties on, my big girl panties, <laughs> because I know that people have different levels of passion about these issues and they get the forum and they get the opportunity to speak. And I appreciate it. I appreciate your humanity in reflecting on and taking the time to reflect upon your performance and to come back and say, you know what, after self-reflecting, I think I owe you an apology. I'm here to say that I'm good, you know, and I, but I do appreciate it because that speaks to who you are in your humanity. And that is so important. You know, I could have lived without the apology because of the nature of the format, but the fact that you did, I salute you on that. And that is important because it helps keep the airways clear. And, and you know, I just think it's, it's great. So I'm good. And thank you so much. See you. I, yeah. I, go ahead, Roger. Uh, anything that was said in the last 20 minutes, I completely missed. As soon as Brent started talking, I had some uh, loud ass drunk Irish customers in the car. So I feel like I missed a lot. But sound like he was talking about yelling don't worry about it it's all good thanks man i appreciate that i just 
I felt like when I, when I was listening back to the, the my last appearance on there, I just uh, I interrupted too much, and I the my volume of my voice on the recording was considerably louder than everybody else's, and it was a lot of fucks and shits and. And that's, again, that's just not, I just feel like, I don't know, just for me, I just felt like, I, I was like, man, I, I just, I feel embarrassed, actually. I just like, shit, I got to apologize to Savvy next time I talk. Yeah, one thing, uh, I, and I said this in the chat, one thing I really like about this uh, room is we have a variety of opinions. You know, even Robin, I appreciate Robin from her libertarian point of view. You know, I used to be a Ron Paul supporter before I came over to the progressive side. There's so many different voices. And then when we do have disagreements, that's all it is. We have disagreements we articulate our argument and then we let the audience decide um who they fall what side they fall on and uh that's one thing i really like uh about savvy giving us this uh platform appreciate you hey this is this kind of reminds me of something um you know this show for me is unfiltered on on call in um there are things i can say on here that i just can't say on youtube so you'll see like i guess i would say the more professional side of me on youtube or as as cringe as i can get and get away with it without getting flagged by youtube but when we come over to call in it's just the gloves come off like so you you'll hear things from me on here that you will never hear me say on youtube just because of the censorship there are certain things i can't say and now they have the new um the heightened profanity rules so i have to be careful with that now uh on youtube as well but it kind of reminds me of um it reminds me and you'll of you'll they'll pull your monetization if you swear oh yeah that's that's a new yeah yep yeah that's a that's a new thing they changed their um youtube changed their guidelines they updated their guidelines like now um streams that use profanity throughout used to be the first seven seconds but now the streams that use profanity throughout um, will be demonetized. And then, uh, Eric, how, how exactly does, does that hit you when they when they do that to you? It means the video's not monetized. They just remove it. But I mean, you still get the super chats, right? No, if if your video is demonetized, whatever you got during that video, you don't get. So, so they steal your super chats. Yeah, I mean, like again, this goes back wow. to knowing knowing the guidelines. That's why I tell people. You need to read uh, YouTube guidelines every year. They update it every year. Sometimes they'll send you an email to let you know they're updating it. Sometimes they don't, just to be honest. But um, that is one of the things that did change. I, I shared that on Twitter, I think it was like a week or so ago, um, because yeah. Hardlands, it was Kit from Hardlands Media who actually warned me about it because he had seen it. And so I, I shared that with people on Twitter yeah, that, just to let them know. You did the panel on mm -hmm. New Year's Eve and the mm -hmm. guy, I think the guy was from KRTV or something like that. And he was laying down the ground rules for, you know, how it's yes. supposed to go. Cause he said that it, they just updated their uh, thing, their uh, rules and guidelines and stuff. But you know, it, it's just like I said before, Susan Wujiki doesn't want you on her platform no. <laughs> pretty much. You know, and it goes back to, you know, what me and Brady was saying, I guess, last time is there needs to be a, oh, yeah, Case, I mentioned this to you. We, there needs to be, oh, I, did you speak to Fiorella? Remember I told you about 
she said that um because i had suggested to her a worker cooperative uh pretty much like a i know rockman's already work cooperative but they she said they're more scrutinous and she said rumble shows a little bit more deference to um to, to right-wing stuff or whatever the case is so none of them are truly free speech right but like i was saying if if we could get like you know maybe some tech guys or whatever get together or whatever i don't know coding i know networking um get together and create um a, a plat a worker cooperative platform that that does that that you don't have to worry do the ads you just get it part of a bundle package um to your cell phone plan and, and it, you just, you know, you want to send a link, one of your videos to someone, you just, you know, send a link to a person and it activates the app that's already installed on the phone within the bundle package, you know, so that's pretty much it. Oh, am I still here? Yeah, you're still here. <clears throat> oh, yeah, that's it. Going on mute, right picking up customer. Go get that. Oh, yeah, you're still here. Um, sorry, what I was going to say is that what uh, CR just said, it kind of reminds me of, um, like, I, I remember, like, when my husband first met, like, my family, like, my family, like, they're very much louder. And uh, <laughs> he, I think, you know, at first he was taken aback by it. He was just like, holy crap. Like, I tried to warn him. I was like, just FYI, my family's kind of loud. and. Um, and and his family is is his his family is not that way at least like his immediate family i think it kind of took him for shock for a second and so yeah that's kind of what it reminded me of is just like yeah i see our like this is kind of like this platform at least on call in is kind of like whatever happens happens like it's just no no filter like feel free to just like be yourself you know you may get pushback yeah, them, but feel free to be yourself. No, I pre I appreciate that. I just uh, I and definitely I, you know I, I I do feel comfortable doing that. Obviously, I, I put my foot in my mouth more often than not. I'm one of those people. Uh, but at a certain point, when you when you realize, okay, you're being obnoxious, you know, you're 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 being an asshole. I think that just just for me, I just personally, I just wanted to. But apparently nobody really remembers it, so I guess I don't even know why the hell I brought it up now. I feel like such a fool. <laughs> we can uh, we could go back to the actual uh, the topics of the room, and I don't want to make this anything about me anymore. <laughs> I appreciate you all. I just I, I, I you know I've been here. I'm I be you know I'm sure you recognize that I've probably spoke here like ten times now, and uh, um, I just Absolutely. you know when you, when you, so when you kind of talk to somebody that often. And, you know, you, it's like you would go back to a friend, you know, the next day, you're like, hey, man, I was I was kind of being a dick yesterday. And usually your friend kind of, you know, goes, yeah, you were being a dick. You know, all right, you go buy lunch. Okay. And then it's all good. So this is like my virtual version of that. But yeah, I wish I, more people would do that on the left. Like, I really wish we had more solidarity on the left with people just going on each other's channels that might have beef in the past. And I, I think the the overall movement would be better if we had some kind of method of coming together. Yeah, definitely CR. I, I got all kinds of different, in, in my family, they, most of the, you know, especially my immediate family, they listen to the kind of things that I say and they think that I'm absolutely bonkers, you know, and, 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 uh, you know, I, 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 and I come from a family where as, as recently as, 
six years ago, my mom punched me in the face and I'm a 40 year old man. All right. So that's the kind of family that I come from. So I, I, I've come from a family of loud in your face kind of people, <laughs> but I don't want to be that personally. So, um, but separate of that, let's go, let's get back to the, the room topic here. We we're talking about the interview with Jimmy Dore and whether or not AOC's defense makes any fucking sense. The thing about it is, is, is Nick posted this poll on his Twitter thing. They're asking, do you think that the, the, the people like AOC were genuine at the beginning or were they always frauds from the start? And I saw JB's response going, shit, I'm going to have to think about this. And, and, and for me, I, I, at first I vacillated, but then I thought, no. And the reason why is, is it, it, it has, to, it has to seem at this point. Like it has to seem at this point that, that this was this was always an intention to do it as a career, right? As to do it to something that is 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 first as a personal job and like, oh, if I can do good and I get the accolades for doing good, that's an extra bonus. So that my that's my personal kind of feeling on that is that I, I just genuinely feel like all politicians that they, they they dupe you to get what they want, and and if they can do something, you know, like I, especially Gavin Newsom. You know, he's one of those people that just oozes that thing where he just gets up there and he smiles at every fucking speech like, aren't I the cool, awesome, liberal, you know, guy that everybody loves? And, uh, uh, um, you know, he just he'll, he'll pour honey in your ear while, while turning around and fucking you with the kind of legislation that he passes or vetoes. And, and at the end of the day, none of these people stood up for what they said they were going to do legislation wise. And, and uh, maybe it was Mark earlier said. Uh, you know, the, 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 the quintessential thing I, I say to people all the time, just stop focusing on personalities and worry about policy, you know? Uh, well, that's one of the like reasons why they, one of the reasons they can get away with it is because there's always people to run cover for them. And one of the reasons why people, some people dislike Jimmy Dore is because Jimmy Dore was not willing to run cover for the squad. Whereas a lot of other people in this space were still willing to do. So. Yeah. And, and and that's and that's the unfortunate thing is that again everybody kind of uh, falls for the horse race, they fall for the uh, the team sport aspect of it, and that's why, especially when I talk to these other family members, they, you know, that that they're, they're kind of bewildered by some of the things that I say. They say, well, at the end of the day, let's go policy by policy. You know, do you think this X Y is good or bad? Yes, okay, this one. Yes, yes, yes. You know, you know, and you go down the list and it's always 80 percent, at least, you know, at least it, it may be in my circles, might be different than other people. But if you really just go, OK, let's fuck all the this is Democrat, this is Republican, this is a liberal, liberal or conservative policy that we're pushing forward. When you get get people down to sit there and go, like, do you think it's really right that, you know, the, the pharmaceutical industry and, and, and the healthcare industry should be making record profits? year after year, quarter after quarter, hand over fist, while the quality of, of life declines, you know, the, the uh, life expectancy, I think has was now like two years, two or three years in a row now has declined. And it's been on a steady upward trend since what, the 50s? And now now life expectancy is dipping in this country. We, we, we pay the most for healthcare and, and we don't have the best outcomes. It's not translated. Right. And, and so if you say that to any person, doesn't matter how much of a, you know, pick yourself up by your bootstraps kind of, you know, conservative or a libertarian, I don't give a shit about investing any of that in the government. 
if you still nail it down and go, well, is it right that that what we do currently have to pay versus the outcomes that we get and the profits that they get, they'll always agree with you. So that that to me is is the is the is the thing that we have to to stay on. And I know I'm like beating this to a dead horse, but this is the thing. You have to keep just nailing down the policy and stop going to worry so much about like, oh well, you know, this Democrat, that Republican. I don't know. This is just losing arguments. Am I crazy? No, you're not. And and I think there's something I, I want to mention here and I want people to really think about. People always ask, like, well, why do people go after Jimmy Dore? Because Jimmy Dore was one of the first people to be very vocal about the squad, their frauds. He was the very first one. Right after Force the Vote, he was like, no, nah, fuck that. <laughs> they didn't do what they said they were going to do. They sold us all out. They're, they're frauds. And re I remember that. I remember the whole fraud squad thing. I remember that was trending on Twitter. And some people did not like that. Some people in the space were just like, oh, God, no, you can't call them that. You can't criticize them. Yeah, we mean criticize politicians, but don't criticize them. And that created a divide in the space when there was the whole fraud squad thing. But here we are years later and we see that that was true and yeah jimmy door caught onto it like earlier I'm on but i think that more caught to it now and the reality is is this is like if you some people i really do feel they're like how do we solve this problem how do we get people back on board with the progressive movement some people really feel that the way to do that is to get rid of Jimmy Dore. And that's why he gets smeared a lot. That's why you see us get attacked a lot because we're not we're not going to bullshit you. Like I'm not going to tell you to vote for these people. I'm not going to tell you to donate to them. Like and we and we all should be able to criticize politicians regardless if they were part of the progressive movement or not. The moment people started speaking out against Bernie Sanders and saying that he actually failed people too, then some people in the space were like, oh no, they criticized our king. How dare they criticize Bernie Sanders? They can't do that. This is not allowed. This is not acceptable. So what they're trying to do is silence those voices and the main one being Jimmy Dore. They really want to silence Jimmy Dore because they know that he has a really large following. He has more subscribers than most of the people in this space. And they're like, oh, no, that message has gotten out. Oh, God, what do we do? Because their career for a long time has relied on it. It's relied on the progressive movement. And this goes out to the channels that have built their channels around Bernie Sanders campaigns and the progressive movement in the squad. And because this has failed, those people were kind of faced with, Glenn Greenwald called this out on Twitter recently. Those people were kind of faced with the fact of, fuck, what do I do now? Because the squad didn't deliver and Bernie Sanders told people to vote for Joe Biden and he's defending Joe Biden. What do I do now? So you got two options. You either move further to the right and start praising Joe Biden and go, go down that lane, go down that lane that David Pakman did, which does very well for him. Or you sit there and you still defend the squad. And I think we're seeing what's happening to the people who are still defending the squad. 
Same thing for the people who, the ones who move closer towards the Joe Biden thing, like they're adapting a newer audience, right? Like that liberal audience that they may not have had before. So that's the thing. You and Tara Reid put this so perfectly. Right. And Tara Reid put this so perfectly on my show when she said, a lot of these people are just trying to find a way to still remain relevant. Yeah. And I just want to say that I agree with all of that. Um, but I think, um, uh, I also think one of the reasons that he gets a lot of pushback, and I say that, like, I mean, if you really go and analyze everything he does, yes, just like everyone, you're going to see him make mistakes, right? Um, but uh, I think one of the big reasons he gets pushback is because, um, I mean, people say this all the time, like, uh, that... Um, you know, even I think even among people that have already accepted that the squad isn't going to take us anywhere, et cetera, um, I feel like liberalism, it really, it, there is no real left in the United States in the sense that liberalism is kind of meshes with the left in a way that liberalism is not it, on the well, left. Liberalism is not people, on the left at all. Well, what I've noticed. Yeah, it's not. But what I've noticed is that people, even people that call themselves socialists, anarchists, whatever label they apply to themselves, they still take on some of the qualities of liberalism. Um, and by like when by in that, Rome. I mean, yeah, exactly. So it, you know, it. I, I'm not sure if they're doing it on purpose. Um, I don't think they're really doing it on purpose. But I think what Jimmy Dore does, like, look at the criticisms that people will come up with. Things like he talks to, you know, sexists, uh, conservatives, look at the people that watch his show. There's still this idea that you should not talk to the, these other, the other side, even among people that say that they're um, trying to achieve unity, you know, go issue by issue. They say that but then when it comes down for them to actually do it, there's a lot of resistance in the same way that when we talk about the squad, they said, the fraud squad, they said they would go in and bring in the ruckus or whatever. But when <laughs> it comes time to actually do it, they don't do it. So I, I, I feel that way about the left, and especially in the United States. They say that they're willing to go People say that they're, you know, willing to go issue by issue, but when it comes down to the moment of actually going issue by issue and trying to build a coalition, for example, with people that might be anti-war but also anti-abortion, which is very, very common, or totally. might have a different position, for example, on... Um, you know, might be anti-war, but might not be totally in favor of Medicare for all, or might be willing to cut the police budget, but might not be interested in, you know, funding, <laughs> I don't know, food stamps. Uh, the, the actual reaction is to completely shut down and separate yourself from the person that you disagree with. So, you know, I'm not perfect either. I also disagree with people online and 
And um, <laughs> I think it's normal to do it because it's also part of social media to just kind of cancel and move on cancel or, move you know, on. not want to deal with it. But at the end of the day, I think Roger, you have an echo. Really... Oh, sorry. Yeah, at the end of the day, I really feel like it infects this kind of liberalism infects every part of our culture. And I'm not saying it in, you know, I'm not saying that, uh, uh, you know, racism, sexism, uh, homophobia, etc. doesn't also infect every part of our culture, because I do think it does. But there is a gut reaction to, um, you know, uh, the, the all the identity politics involved in talking to people on the other side, whatever that side might be. And there's also a rejection, um, in my opinion, of just the fact that Jimmy's a white guy. Like some people just cannot get over it, (laughs) you know? And they will say, you know, uh, Jimmy has to get over it first. Jimmy has to be less misogynistic first or, you know, something along those lines. But that's not the point. The point is, if no, you want to advance any of these issues, it doesn't matter who talks about the issue first or who wants to build the coalition first. Um, the point is for you to that's, grow up and just, that's it. you know, do it. That's, that's it. it. They should look at your. Like, um... Do you know? Like, do you... Yeah, now I was just going to say, Lucy, they should look at your three hour stream last night when Barbara Walters interviewed all those people. All different types of people, <laughs> you know what I mean? Where because saying you shouldn't interview this person, I have this person on your show, so on and so forth. You know, Barbara Walters had a. I mean, that's just the way we grew up, where you know, like they would have uh, Oprah Winfrey had KKK on her show, uh, Phil Donahue. Phil Donahue had had. Um, and, and don't let me get into Geraldo Rivera, okay? Her- Geraldo Rivera has <laughs> all of that. That doesn't count. And has like <laughs> KKK, transvestite, yep. uh, 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 lesbians, black black lesbians on his show. You know, something something crazy. You know what I mean? But that's how we grew up. You just had, you know, you would just interview these different people. You know, you know, just like, you know, the Lucy, like you said, you showed. Listen, right, yeah. listen, T-Y-T. Yeah, and, and what's what's weird is that that has completely changed in journalism. Like, it is a journalistic trend to not ha- platform people because platforming is endorsement. It's totally changed. And the, the funny thing is that Barbara Walters, she um, funded, she started The View, um, which is, you know, like a huge pro-censorship show, you know, nest of feds and daughters of feds. <laughs> um but uh, basically, that show, um, I think they would not be caught dead showing the former interviews of their founders. Because Barbara Walters would basically interview all kinds of people. She interviewed Assad, for example. Th- then you hear people criticizing, you know, for, for example, Tulsi Gabbard. Oh, why did you go talk to Assad? Barbara Walters talked to Assad on mainstream media on 2020. So, uh, you know, there's a double standard about who Cornell West, Cornel West pushed Medicare for all and forced the vote, and nobody gives him shit for pushing forced the vote. Right. Well, Cornel West is a black man, and the, uh, you know, <laughs> liberalism is all about kind of not allying with the deplorables. Um, 
you know, on, on an issue that, that, that you might have some intersection with. And I, I, it really is completely directed at just cutting off the energy. And, you know, I, I found it really frustrating because it's not like, um, it's not like you can't bring up that you disagree with people on X or Y. It's just that you really see people kind of have this mentality that platforming is agreeing and that you cannot build anything with people, uh, you know, on just one issue alone. And I really, you know, it's, it's very divisive to do this. It just doesn't work because what you're doing is by the time you eliminate all of the people <laughs> that have one position that you disagree with, you're going to have a very small room left at the end of the day. So I don't know maybe. where to go forward from here. <laughs> I think a maybe. part of the issue as Stop well. Stop making it about people. Stop making it about people. I think a, a part of the, the part of the but. issue with Jimmy Dore is that versus Cornell West and other people who supported force the vote is that Jimmy cut to the bone and pushed for accountability. When they said, oh, it, you know, when they, they needed some wiggle room to justify why they didn't do it. And that's where the other people like Crystal and these people who were willing to waffle on the issue and give some wiggle room to the squad and Jimmy demanded accountability. That's when Jimmy became the problem because you know, when you think about it, it's still about the manufacture of consent. You know, Bernie Sanders emerges and he is this voice for the what was construed to be the left. He got the liberals going, the liberal wing of the Democrat Party. So there is a tolerance because there is a service he provides to the machine. But let's be clear, you're not going to get out of control. And so when um, Bernie Sanders said revolution, oh, it just became a bit too much. And he even he backed away from it and said, oh, it's not me. It's y'all. It's us. It's this, that and a third. Because when you leave too little wiggle room for the manufacture of the consent that the machine is trying to push through, then you become a problem. Imagine yeah. what would have happened if all of the, the um, independent media outlets who originally said forced the vote and everybody stood their ground with Jimmy and said, y'all were wrong, isn't it? We would be in a whole different space and the squad would be viewed in a whole different way. But in that Democrat orbit, they have to have the acolytes and the people in that first outer ring orbit who they use to, to massage the other people out. But Jimmy refused to be massaged. And so it's like, okay, we got to, he is the dirty dog because he's really talking about change. And it's okay to talk about it, Cornel West, but you can't draw a hard line, Jimmy Dore, and hold people's feet to the fire. Because if that becomes a trend, then there is a chance that there will be some substantive change. And we're not trying to go there. There you go. That's what it is right there. Nail on the head. But we got to I want to make I got to make a point here. Hold on. I got to make Sorry. a point here. I apologize. But this is this is really important here because I agree. Well, I agree with all of that. 
you know, totally. We're still playing into the game of, like she was saying, like manufacturing consent. Because when we take an issue and we attach it to an individual, we play into their game, right? As much as we can sit here and say, well, yes, this person was right and y'all should have listened to this person. That is then putting into that game where now we have to bring up this person and, and then put them there on a pedestal of scrutiny. And then we have to either defend or attack that individual. They set up that dynamic for us, which is a failing dynamic. Why? All of our boys and girls, all of our little children of God, because we know nobody is perfect under the eyes of God or we have all sinned. Okay. So that, that very fact alone, by by attaching this is they, they did that on purpose. That's why why do so the Sam Cedars and 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 the Ryan Grimms and everybody else and, and uh, you know specifically Sam Cedar when he was in that interview with Brianna Joy Gray she had to sit, sit there and tell him I am not Jimmy Dore because that is the tactic of the machine attach it to something that you know is going to fail. We're all going to fail. None of us can stand up to the scrutiny of being put up on the pedestal. Right? That is not what's important. It's the idea, and I will still continue to believe in the ideas that Jimmy Dore is talking about now if he fails me tomorrow. If he fails me tomorrow, then I will stop listening to him. If I feel that he's lied to me, I will stop listening to him. But I, I, I try to divorce myself, and I encourage everybody else, divorce yourself of the idea of defending an individual with the, uh, uh, the auspices of the policy being behind that defense, because that is the game that they want us to engage in. Am I crazy or not? But see, this was for me. This is not some type of cult of personality worship. And I don't see. Oh, no, this. I know. I know that. Yeah. But what I'm saying, I'm saying we're, is, we're still playing into their game, though. But I don't see it. We're in the cult. I don't I don't see this as being about Jimmy Dore, per se. I see this about it being about a tactic that has to do with leveraging power that Jimmy Dore the issue the to the degree that people perceive it to be about Jimmy Dore and the to the degree that they are attacking Jimmy Dore is not personal it is because he was pushing the issue that they know unlocks the door that mm-hmm. to the degree but Jimmy Dore is Jimmy Dore is the weak point though they can attack him because but Jimmy Dore was the one him and go aha is he good or is he bad but and here's the thing their narrative no one else the policy Always no policy. one else was forcing the issue like Jimmy Dore. And it was about the policy, but it was about the strategy by which you get the policy front and center. And then they moved it off the um, policy proper because it became about the strategy. And because Jimmy was the one who was willing, like we said, Cornell West and Crystal and all of these people, they voiced um, support for it in the beginning, but when the call went out to say let it go, Jimmy was the one who didn't let it go, and that's why all this energy seems to be attaching to Jimmy in a personal way. But it really is about the strategy. It is about leveraging right. is, your political is, power. Well, let me just let me just add something here really quick. I, I want people to just remember a couple of things. Um, even when the call went out to let it go, I want to remind people who was at the town hall. Kyle Kalinske was at the town hall. Brianna Joy Gray, 
I think Katie Halper did the after show. See, I saw all this stuff, so I remember. So those people were still a part of the town hall, even after they said, no, 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 don't do this. The people who backed out was TYT and um, Majority Report, Sam Cedar. So they were not present at the town hall. In fact, at that point in time, TYT was telling people that Kevin McCarthy would become speaker, if we all remember. Mm-hmm. But again, when you look at the town hall, and this stuff is still up on Jimmy Dore's page, and you go to Katie Halper's channel, you'll see the after party was on Katie Halper's show. So those people were still there. But see, the thing is, even someone like um, Brianna Joy Gray was more vocal about it back then too. But see, even with that, with her, they have to be careful. See, people are smart. People are trying to smear people. They're not stupid now. They know, well, we shouldn't like attack Brianna Joy Gray. That's a black woman. We got to be careful. She was still vocal about it too. But see, they knew, well, it was on Jimmy Dore's show, so let's go back at, let's go after him because that's an easier target. It's the white guy that is loud. You guys see the problem? Jake was rude as fuck to her, though. You got to admit, Jake was way late in the game. Jake was super rude to Brianna in that interview. Yeah, 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 in that interview. But I'm, what I'm saying is at that time, though, at that time, totally. they were attacking Jimmy Dore. And so the thing is, it, even... um. Uh, Anna Kasparian and her corny ass. She said recently, she was just like, I feel, uh, Rihanna Joy Gray, like, you need to get a life or find something else to do. Like, she said that on TYT. So let me tell you something. So now they got the cue that it's okay to go after the black girl. You see what I'm saying? Listen, this is all coordinated. This is all coordinated. Like, they know who to go after and when to do it. So once they get the heads up to do so, that's when they do it. That's why... They see for a while, oh, shoot, you know, we were attacking Jimmy Dore, but Jimmy Dore continued to grow. His channel continued to get bigger, whereas they kind of, for the most part, stayed the same. So then who you go after next? Well, Brianna Joy Gray still talking about force the vote, and she had that debate with Sam Cedar. Let's go after Brianna Joy Gray and let's call her a fake leftist. See, that's how this all played out. But this is all coordinated. Take down anyone who is going to go against the establishment narrative. And independent media was supposed to be better than that. But they've that, all sold out. That's why I want to ask you really, really quick about this, because this it just popped in my mind. Remember the whole thing with you when you guys did the general strike summit? And then all of a sudden, Hassan, the biggest fucking streamer on Twitch, 30,000 fucking viewers all day long, was attacking the fucking general uh, strike summit out of nowhere? Just they, all day to, to to one of the biggest audiences on Twitch. You know what that, I mean? Like, do, you, do you remember? Do you remember that? I was like, wait. Yes, what? yes, I, and and so I was did like, what Ryan. What's going on? This is coordinated as fuck. Sorry, go ahead. And it, it wasn't just on Twitch. Ryan Grimm came after us. That's why when he came on my show, I brought that back to his attention. I said, "You criticized our general strike summit before it even happened." And then he tried to say, "I don't remember. I don't remember." I'm like, yeah, I remember. He did it. <laughs> he jumped in. Um. Uh, Hassan did it on on stream on Twitch. Uh, Vosh jumped in on Twitter and criticized General Strikes. This is before it even happened. But you know what that did? All that did was give us more attention. That actually, honestly, that made oh more God. people pay attention to it. We could have just stayed on the down low. We could have stayed on the low. And most people would have never even heard about the shit. 
but they blew it up. They made gave more attention to it. Well, I think um, I, I agree completely um, about how they treated Jimmy Dore versus Brianna Joy Gray. They definitely got some kind of signal because I saw Anna Kasparian post something like sarcastically calling her queen, which is kind of offensive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but uh, I think I just want to say what everybody already knows, but nobody says out loud. Um, because I feel like we just have to say it out loud, um, because if you don't address it, it doesn't just go away because they keep using these tactics, right? Um, Jimmy Dore's a white guy, you know, they can tag him with racism, misogyny. That doesn't mean that I don't think, I actually do think he has a bunch of blind spots, but they use that to distract from the issue that that we're talking about, which was force the vote, exactly. and then they'll make it about something that he said five you know five months ago that was racist on this occasion, right? Um, or sexist or whatever. Me, I'm a woman, so they can't call. They're not going to call me a rape apologist. It looks odd and out of place, so they're not going to do that to me. But I'm white, so maybe they'll say something else. You know, they might say that I'm anti-black or, uh, you know, they might pull something that maybe some wording, bad wording that I made six months ago. And they'll say, look, this woman said this at this moment. So, uh, you know, she's anti-black, you know, something like this. And I've also seen black women, black women smeared for homophobia or black men smeared for sexism, white men smeared for misogyny. Um, And then the most recent one, which I've noticed is all over the place now, and I'm not a part of this community, so I don't know that much about it, but I see transphobia, people using transphobia all over the place. Now, I'm not Mm -hmm. a trans person. I don't know that much about it, but that's why I'm so happy to see someone like Noel um, call these things out because the impression that they give is that, you know, <laughs> if you don't understand this new civil rights movement just because you don't have a lot of exposure to it, that makes you automatically transphobic or, you know, it, they're very evolved in their tactics. And the transphobia thing is is really... Um, like, I feel like it's the front line of the culture war right now. And what what they're using it in a way that's very astute because trans people are a very small portion of the population. So for obvious reasons, the majority of the be- population are, are not going to be very well cultured or understand everything about it. So we got to be careful with this frontier. That... You got to be careful with this frontier shit because I hate to interject. I apologize, but I, Nina Turner, who's somebody I would usually never come to defend, but Nina Turner right now is being called all sorts of homophobia and homophobic all over fucking Twitter because I still follow her and I follow a bunch of other people that I don't agree with on Twitter. What? You know, just to hear what they're saying. Yeah, she's been called Wait, homophobic because she's. Yes. Been... Oh, yes. it's been a lot because that. she's been calling out Pete Buttigieg because she keeps calling out Pete Buttigieg because of the, the nightmare job that he's fucking doing where the, the, you know, the airlines, the railroads, everything's falling apart and he's going on maternity leave and he's done nothing. And even months and months before he went on maternity leave, everybody was pressuring him to do something about the airlines, 
to do something about us because he's basically done, he's been in the do nothing job it's trying to scoot him up to the next level to be president and so nina turner just you know just one of her little pet projects on twitter because i follow her i see her every day has been kind of like picking at like this is what the department of transportation's not doing this is you know this is what the uh, you know uh, uh the head of trans uh, transportation's not up to and 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 you see the replies and you're like nina turner you're being homophobic you're just attacking him because he's a gay man. And it's been nonstop. And so she actually what? tweeted out which one that had like, she, she tweeted out a thing. You can go look. It's thousands of likes on her tweet of going, attacking the Department of Transportation is not homophobic. And she got thousands of likes, but she also got like a, a thousand or two responses too. Like, so she's been in this thing on online lately because they will weaponize this. And this is what I, 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 I hate to say that I'm kind of slightly glad to see it. A little bit because this is what liberals will do. They will take things that we're genuinely concerned about. We're genuinely concerned about these marginalized communities, but fucking Pete Buttigieg is not one of them. But right now, the big defense against Pete Buttigieg, and they've been smearing Nina Turner as homophobic. And I disagree with Nina Turner on a bajillion things, but she is not homophobic. She is definitely a genuine person. I just think she's wrong about things. I do not, I do not, I, I don't think she has mean in her heart at all. You know what I mean? I generally well, don't. Me, I think she's. Let, let me let Go me ahead. say something here. Let me say something real quick, okay? So basically, they're doing to Nina Turner what she did to Jimmy Dore. Oh shit! I didn't even think about it like that. Like when with with the when the when Anna was uh, espousing the the new skirt thing. When they said that, um, when she said he was anti-black, basically. They are doing to oh, Nina Turner. Oh yes, I, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. What she what she did to Jimmy Dore. A little bit, yeah. And it was and it was it was mainly because the criticism then triggered this 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 reflex that that the, the liberal community was all quick to jump on to go like, oh okay, yeah, of course it's white man attacking a black you know must be this. So oh, this is a black lady attacking a gay man. She must, because, because you know, of course, women have no fucking rights left in this fucking country. Uh, um, of course, Nina Turner must be attacking Pete Buttigieg because he's fucking gay. But yeah, you're right. That is kind of funny. And that, that again, that's why I guess why I hated to say that. Like, I feel a little bit like, haha. Now you get it. And I almost wanted to like tweet some of that at her, but like I'm just like that's just mean. That's no reason. But see, but the uh, dem the Democrats have always used their diverse the diversity within their constituency like a cheap suit. They use you when it's convenient because when you look at the Democrat side against the Republican side, the Republicans are more homogenous with white men and white people, yada, yada, yada. So you can always pull up your diverse outfit and then attack everybody else for their lack of diversity and their lack of being sensitive and this and that. But the reality is you're no more egalitarian or inclusive than your Republican friends. This is just a tool you use because it's convenient. But the reality is the Democrats are not pushing for any real reparations for the descendants of slaves or they're not really pushing for inclusion of people of trans experience or LGBT, anything else, they will sprinkle some around just like they use Barack Obama and um, Kamala Harris and all these people. They use that as a weapon 
in their big partisan fight. But if you look within the partisan structure, they're just as bad as their counterparts. Are you afraid they're using the trans? They're using the field they use because I'm afraid they're really using trans. Oh, absolutely. They're using it. They're using it. And on the flip side, you have the Republicans you playing their part in the culture war saying, ooh, this this whole new thing. They trying to indoctrinate you into a new way of thinking. <laughs> men are men and women are women and this and that and blah, blah, blah. So they're weaponizing it in another way. But again, both sides are feeding the plurality of the masses. They're making sure the rank and file on both sides are at each other's throats. But the elite 100%. Republicans don't care any more about the poor Republicans than the elite Democrats care about the poor Democrats for all the diversity that's out there. They weaponize identity to their advantage. And at the end of the day, the elite Republicans sit down with the elite Democrats and go to the same country clubs and eat the same filet mignon. That yep. is a part of the game they play. That's right. That's right. They can go to the same country clubs that we can't even walk into. I mean, we see the it's another world of the Clintons partying with Donald Trump and this and that and blah, blah, blah. They're they're more alike economically than they're unalike. And they use the partisanship and the polarities associated with culture and ethnicity to keep the masses divided. Because they know if poor white undereducated people say, I don't care if she's trans, she's doing a job. And if the trans people say, well, you know, I don't care if they said this or that, it's about what they do. Then that begins to build unity. And that's that's no left in the U.S. because we can't get the poor people on the ground past those polarities to see that we too are more alike, unlike economically. And despite what you may think of me and I may think of you, we need to lock horns so that as a class, you know, they prevent us from playing the class war effectively because they divide us amongst the other polarities, whereas they can get past, you know, the few cultural issues that they may have as an elite class, because again, the money's going to pull all them together. Democrats are just as pro-war as Republicans. It's about and when American imperialism so and hegemony surfaces in the world, they're both behind it. This is these are really good points. I, I think that. Again, there's that distraction there is to get you to focus on that one individual so that you're not focused on the real issue. You're not focused on the fact that these people are corrupt. They're controlling a lot of us. And as long as you're focused on people like if they make you focus on Jimmy Dore, then you're not focused on what the politicians who told us they were going to fight for us are supposed to do. You're not focused on what they're not doing. You're focused on the fact, oh, it's Jimmy Dore's fault instead of focusing on AOC and the rest of the members of the squad. And that's on purpose. And so anybody now, look at what's happening now, guys. I'll be talking about this tomorrow. Look at what's happening now. Now you have people smearing Matt Taibbi, Glenn Greenwald, calling them right wing. When the hell did Matt Taibbi become right wing? You see what I'm saying? You see what's happening? This is what they're doing. Why? Because he released the Twitter files. 
And it's not to their narrative because it's calling out things about the Democratic Party. So now it's like, okay, we got to smear Matt Taibbi now. And you got people smearing Glenn Greenwald. Oh, he's on Rumble. He's right wing. Got news for you, bro. A lot of left wing channels are on Rumble now because of the censorship from YouTube. Yeah. So it's not just Glenn Greenwald. So you have to ask yourself when you hear these questions, why aren't people... Why aren't they smearing those other left channels that are on Rumble? Why are they only talking about Glenn Greenwald? You see what I'm saying? What's the number one? What's the number one channel on Rumble? Fucking, fucking uh, uh, Russell Brand <laughs> and Glenn Greenwald. Yeah. Like, like they've taken. We've taken over. Like, what, what the fuck? Like, like, what are these people fucking talking about? Talking you know about. what I mean? That, that's the thing that that, that really. I'll say a little couple of quick things and I'll get out of here. But yeah, I agree a thousand percent with everything you just said. We have to, here's the thing. Do you notice all these critiques? Every time they bring up a critique, it's with a person or a politician or something involved or a celebrity or a commentator or something. And and then, then we argue about that individual. I know I keep beating this dead horse, but it's fucking policy. All it, it, You can always tell. And they go like, well, oh yeah, Jimmy, Do I like, I like, I, I agree with this, but Jimmy Dore, da, 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 that. It's like, as soon as you bring up a name, when we're having a discussion about what policy we should be on the same page for and pushing for and agreeing on and trying to pass, you've lost me a thousand percent. We're not going to get anywhere in this conversation because we're just going to choose like, who's our favorite street fighter? Who's our favorite Avenger? Who's our favorite fucking X-Man? You know what I mean? Like we're not. We're not getting anywhere, right? We're getting into a stupid mm -hmm. tangential argument that has nothing to do of substance. And that to me, that's just, that's just, it's just my fucking North star right now. It's my fucking barometer and talking with anybody. With those people if that, I talk to somebody and, and they, and they, those people that do that don't want us to get anywhere. That's, that's the whole point. And Lucy can chime in about this as well. That, we dealt with the same thing in reference to the activity that we did last year. I still have to post that that vlog. I have to finish. I'm almost finished editing that vlog. But the same thing with Camp Dada and the Bank Sisters. And I only feel comfortable talking about this because the Bank Sisters had made a stream about it. So you can see it on their channel. You know, after the event, they were pretty vocal about the fact that there were people who dropped out last minute and tried to smear the Bank Sisters as being transphobic which is 100% false. But again, yeah. it was just like, I felt like here we go again, something to derail the event. Now the event still went on, but you got to watch out for those, the, the people who come in and it's just like, well, it has to be done this way. Well, we shouldn't do that. Or we shouldn't do this. Da, da, da. These people are infiltrators. These people are just there to see what you up to and to put a stop to it. Now they're not going to tell you that. Because then that would be their cover. Paula Jean Swearingen? Look, don't even get me you started feel about on that. Paula shit. Jean, because she keeps saying like, "Oh, well, I, well, I know, I, but I'm just, we don't have to go into it." But do you agree, like, with her, like, "Oh, I agree with force the vote," but since Jimmy was pushing it, I don't agree with that. I because I was I was watching the the Twitter fight in real time, unfortunately. So I have the, something the, the to say about around. um. About Paula, but just generally on on focusing. No, on I, I was just I was just curious if if, if Sabby believed that 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 was bananas or not. Don't have to go all on I'm deep. Gonna I, 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 I want to be careful what I say on here, but all I'm going to say is this: 
there are things that I know that some people don't know I know. Oh, okay. And I'm just going to leave it at that. Fair enough. Go ahead, no, Lucy. Fair enough. My bad, my bad, yes. Oh, Go ahead, I was going to yeah, say um, about Paula two years ago, um, because she was running for office. Um, Feel free to I, change the subject, too. I saw a resurrected thread <laughs> where Misty, who is pretty vocal, as you all might know, about um, Freedom for Assange, um, and oh, yeah. she tried to, pre- she was running for office at the time, and she tried to press her on Assange, and Paula ended up blocking all of the people that were asking her to take a position on it. Um, I feel like an issue like Assange, and I think, I think I know why, but um, I feel like it's a, it's a really good issue um, that you can kind of get people on if that makes sense because it you know it's one of it's a free speech issue it's one of the most important journalists of our time it's someone that has addressed a lot of international and domestic issues so um and when i see people not taking a position on assange or i saw somebody the other day trying to pull the identity politics again, saying that Assange as a white man is not as important or, you know, was punished less than other people would have been and he's not a hero and they tried to turn it into an identity politics issue. That's very That's telling very for me. Mm-hmm. When people don't support one of the most important publishers of our time, um, Without well, I made which, earlier, they distract, they distract with this thing. Yes, distract with identity issues over Assange or uh, not take a position on it at all as a politician. So it's very hard for me if I'm, in, you know, to, to, to say this person has, you know, I don't know everything about everyone, what are their intentions, etc. But when you see somebody take a public position or refuse to take a public position on something that's very obvious, an obvious issue, then that's where it became clear for me. Also, I just wanted to say um, what Noel was saying before is another reason why we need to abolish political parties, everything that she said before. I agree, too. And for Yassan. I... All I'm going to say is, I'm going to say is this, and I'm going to be as polite about this as, as, as possible. There are some people pretending that they no longer want to work within the Democratic Party. But in all reality, they still do. And all I'm going to say is this other part to that. Receipts don't lie. So when you see people coming in to disrupt these types of movements, you need to ask yourself why. And it's usually not a one-time thing. It's usually happening more than once. And I've seen it happen. So for me, that's a big red flag. If it's gotten to the point where you are joining actions and you're dropping out last minute, or you are joining actions, and you're saying statements like, if 
this person is involved, I want out. So it's either me or them. And these are things I've seen with my own eyes. If you're joining these actions and you're saying things like, mm, why can't we ask some of the Democrat politicians to be a part of it too? And those people have already been reached out to and you still trying to push it. You're questionable in my book. Because the direct action needs to be separate from a political party. When you connect it to a political party, it weakens the movement and the party co-ops it. We've seen this multiple times with BLM. So I'm just going to say, I'd be looking at people's track records, boo. And if I'm looking at your track record and I see you've been a part of multiple organizations and you had the same problem in every one where you tried to disrupt and criticize, you suspect in my book. Privilege, I <laughs> Sabrina, is there a way to bring up the... Sorry, um, I, gotta, I don't I know if cough. it's my... I don't know if it's my end or maybe because or or like you have control of the boards or whatever the case is, but for some, is there a way to bring up the volume on, on your end or is it just me? Because I know sometimes I think I it's listen- just you. Alright, so I'll just just reboot my phone then. Yeah, um, but thanks, CR. I want to bring in Ashura. Ashura's been waiting for a long time. Can I say one thing real quick before Ashura comes on? Go ahead, Case. Yeah, I just, I think that, um, yeah, see you later, CR. I I look at it the way um, YouTube and social media wanted to, I I think that they wanted to um, have an excuse to start censoring people. So what did they do? They went to the person that the least amount of people would defend, Alex Jones. They made a big deal out of him, and then they banned him. And quickly after banning him and Louis Farrakhan, that's when you see other organizations um, that were, I would consider, more legitimate, like World Socialists and these other organizations started getting banned as well. So I think that's with the force to vote, which was a great strategy. Even the, even the DSA had it in their handbook. When they wanted to demonize it, they went to the person that um, riles up people the most, and they said, this guy, Jimmy Dore, and he at the time, he was promoting it the most as well, but they, they used him as a cudgel to prevent the strategy from happening. That's a good point, Case. That's a good point. What's up, Ashura? What's your take on all this? Uh, I'm good. Um, since last time, I didn't get to talk since I fell asleep. Um, I want to know if I could just bring that up. What I was going to say that night. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was watching CJ, I think on the weekend, he was doing his uh, live and he brought up the Vanguard because they were doing their bullshit about the crystal ball thing. And they, in order to get, in order to get um, a lot of views, they got to pull Sam Cedar and lie and basically say, Jimmy said this, Jimmy said, Jimmy said that. That's why people don't like Jimmy. And I'm sitting there, and CJ basically called him a bunch of ambulance chasers. <laughs> yeah, and I laughed. I'm like, uh, there was a point where RBN almost didn't have CJ, and uh, I don't want to open old wounds. I just wanted to know uh, when, it was, when it was happening, when he got kicked out, and basically the people realized that they made a mistake by kicking him out because I, I remember that people were making fun of him because he got kicked out. 
and I saw you in Rome. You were like were out there when they were apologizing about it, and uh, you guys didn't really speak. So I didn't know if you guys voted yes to keep CJ or. That was like why we, you guys were quiet because I was very sad when it was, when it was happening because I thought it was a dumb thing to kick CJ out all, all over because she brought somebody in or one of the he said something that wasn't racist somebody disagreed with it and that that was like another shot to him. No, so, I I def I definitely did speak. I remember that panel. All of us spoke actually because okay. I remember there was like people in the corner. Well, yeah, yeah, you did spoke, but I, I felt like um. I don't know if people basically defended CJ. Nick said he was the only one that basically said, no, CJ shouldn't be kicked out. I don't want to get into all that because the the thing about that is that unfortunately, like, well, I don't know if I'm going to say unfortunately. Okay, did you vote? People that were involved with that are not a part of the group anymore. Yeah, I know. So I don't think, yeah, I don't think it's fair for me to speak about how they felt. Well, no, I asked about you and Rob. That's the point. I, I'm not focusing about the other people. Uh, yeah. So, did you vote for it or, or to keep I, it in or not? I voted no. Like that's okay. public information. Okay. <laughs> oh, really? I, I I didn't know that. Uh, no, that's public information, Ashura. In fact, uh, it's on that stream. When we okay. did that panel stream, I said that on the stream. I was probably I was probably towards the end, so if you didn't sit for the whole thing, you didn't see that. Okay, because I remember Rome would be quiet. No, you guys did spoke, but I'm like, mm, why are people hiding? Like they didn't come. Like, why you basically made a mistake? You can't just own that you made a mistake. You, you kick this guy out. But I feel First like all, I- let me wait a minute. Let me make something very clear. I think I said I misspoke. I said I voted no. No, I did vote for him. All of us voted for him to leave, except for Nick. Rome did not vote. Okay. Um, but again, you have to understand that was a different group back then. Okay. So some of the people who were involved are not a part of the group now. So just keep that in mind. Well, um, why did you but, vote for the leave? So again, I explained this all on the panel. I'm not okay. sure why this is coming back up again. Here we are like a year later. Yeah. Yeah. I explained that all on that panel, which is what that stream was for. But one of the things I do want to say is that, you know, some of us made a mistake. And well, some of us admit we made it a mistake. Let's just say it that way. Yeah, because I was like, uh, I think the group was too big back then. I think that the numbers you have now is much better. I think you guys are more um, open, more closer now. I'm not putting shots up to people that were there, but I, I feel like having just you five, you five there, uh, it's much better. The um, can you guys hear me? Okay, yeah. I think, yeah, it was bigger back then, it was a lot more people, and you know, there's other things that go into this that I don't want to speak about again, no, okay. not present, but. Okay. The point is, is that those of us that realized that that was a mistake, we came around and said, no, you know, we need to bring CJ back in. I'm not yeah. sure what this has to do with what you were saying about the Vanguard, though. I'm confused. Well, well no, it just brought it up when he was talking, because I was like, if he basically wasn't around, 
would RBN be the same way that it is now? It's, it's just it just brought up. You know, sometimes when you just watch something, it just brought, it brings up something up as you're watching it. What do you mean when you say be the same way it is now? Well, uh, I feel like you guys are much closer because back then the way the way that it is is that it, it's more of a tight knit group now. Like you guys could just talk about stuff and you could just disagree about it without having to have a big uh, like a big boo-ha-ha over it. I see what you mean. Uh-huh. Like it, it. There were a lot of people back then at that point. Yeah, because it, it. Well, since we're talking about Jimmy, you do know there were certain people that you had before. Like at one point when you were talking, I think it was around, you know, Kyle and not 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 Kyle Kalinsky, You know the other Kyle. Um, basically, you were you were told one time you were talking about you were told to shut up. Remember that part? And I was like, damn, why is she being mean to her? Like that, oh! You remember when you were told to, sh- to shut up one time? You were speaking on on the stream. It was on that, RBN. That was, was that was Kamali. There was no yeah. Kyle a part of RBN. Well, no, no, I'm not saying Kyle. Like we, it was about Kyle Rittenhouse, right? He brought it up because he does, he has a dislike for Jimmy Dore because Jimmy Dore just reported on the story. Because the BS that was going around, they say, "Oh, Jimmy Dore is defending Kyle Rittenhouse," even though he was just basically showing that the media misrepresented it because I didn't read the case. I didn't watch it until I was watching on Jimmy Dore on real time. And basically you saw the shenanigans that was going behind the scenes with the judge. And the judge was like, uh, why, why is he trying to, you know, go in between this Kyle Rittenhouse and, 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 the, and, and the trial. And like, he didn't need to do that because Kyle, um, Kyle was going to basically be seen as um, under what's it called? Like self-defense. He was gonna be he's gonna be left off by self defense because that's what it was, but people were just mad. Well, I think some people I mean, if you were watching mainstream media, some people did get some parts of this this incident wrong. Like, for example, for whatever reason, I don't know why some people thought this. I actually never thought this, but some people thought that the people that he killed were black. I never thought that. I knew from day one that they were white. So I don't know where that came from. Because I, I was like, really? Yeah, it was until yeah. I watched Jimmy and basically said they were white. So where's this black thing coming from? And that must have came from mainstream media again. Like yeah. I, like I said, I, I never, I never thought that. Yeah, and, and when the guy was there, he was like telling you to shut up, and he was repeating shit. And then he admitted that he never basically read anything or saw anything on the case. But anyways, about the Jimmy Dore thing, Anna Kasparian just needs to shut up. Like she, she really has a thing for uh, Brianna Joy Gray. Like ever since the Twitter thing would force the vote, and Brianna Joy Gray offered to basically show her emails that she had back and forth with the nurses' union. And she didn't want she didn't want anything about it. Like she just wanted to go after her. And uh, pur- this is all this is all on purpose. I'm trying to tell you guys, they are looking to take down any voice that is going to go against the squad, that is going to heavily criticize the squad. I will say because all of them have criticized them at some point or another, but I mean heavily criticized them. They're going to go against that because again, that's their brand. What is TYT without the progressive movement? What is majority report without the progressive movement? And see, when Bernie Sanders lost two times in a row and said, vote for Joe Biden at the end of 2020 with the 2020 campaign, that was a done deal. And people knew for the most part 
well, Bernie Sanders is not going to run again. So now we got a simp for the squad. And then the squad proved to be a fucking failure. So it's like, where do you go from that? What do you do? You either got to move towards the Joe Biden's on a great job side, or you got to continue to simp for the squad and get people to still support progressives. That yeah, This is the problem. I will say this to anybody who's thinking about starting their own channel and in independent media. Do not build your channel around a political campaign. That is a disaster. It'll be doomed to fail. Do not build your channel around one politician because if that politician wins and they do what they say they're going to do yeah you're going to be doing great but if that politician loses then what do you do if that politician wins and they don't do what they say they're going to do what do you do that is a, a big uh mistake and i recommend to anyone who's thinking about starting their own channel don't ever build your channel around a politician that's why if you notice, I mean, for those of us at RBN, we started after that. We started after Bernie lost a second time in a row. And so we were able to give people a perspective that for the most part, they weren't fucking hearing in this space to keep it real. Well, I There remember. was no like, you didn't really have an all black network that was talking about this shit with the exception of um, yeah. uh, black power media. They, yeah. they talk about it. But you didn't really have it. You just didn't. And so some people see that as a threat. They're like, oh, who the fuck do they think they are? What do they know? They're not, they haven't written books. <laughs> they they haven't run for office. What the fuck do they know? And because, and also you got to add this element to it too, because we're black, we're heavily going to be scrutinized more because they will take us as not serious. Don't believe me? Ask any black person that's been in this space that has left. And you'll wonder why they left. This is why. Because they weren't taking media because this space, they weren't taking seriously because this space has been occupied and has been led by white men. Yeah. Sabrina, oh. Sabrina whatever you did... I don't know what you did, but that politicians they they show us time and time again that they don't know what they're doing, that they don't know that the simple strategies of voting together is how you gain power. Like we we have to have examples from the other side. The GOP has to come and do that now we can point to it to say, hey, that was successful. We've been telling you to do this this whole time. It's crazy. Yeah, I, I saw a Kyle clip today and um it was just full of lies he basically uh, omitted that um the republicans got some concessions that the left would agree on i think it was uh making sure that they could just kick out mccarthy with just one person can just ask for him to get kicked out like if they don't want to vote of non-confidence and then there's the reduce reduction of the military budget he basically didn't say those things. He didn't say anything that was good that the left could go along with, but he basically said it was just all bad and that they weren't, uh, they weren't doing anything compared to the squad. Like they're not the, he didn't like the name MAGA squad. He, he was trying to say that, no, they're different from the squad. The squad is different from these guys. They're not these guys. These guys are Republicans. And, but where's, wasn't the squad supposed to be called? the tea party of the left i mean you tried to basically imitate a right-wing party 
based on the energy they were putting out. And then you say the second coming of, uh, I would say, a Tea Party. They're doing the same thing that the old version was doing, and you were copying them, but then you're saying they're not the same. Well, see, basically... that's where his audience will have to hold him accountable. For the people who've been with him for a while, and if they remember what the Justice Democrats was supposed to be, that's where they will have to hold him accountable. Well, they're not going to because... Uh... Well, what well, Jimmy was on your show, Jimmy said that the, his his sub count never went up. Well, it is it is up right now. It's at 982K. But those are basically liberals. They're not left. They're basically a bunch of liberals who basically have hopped on from the... From, the from people, breaking points. Yeah, from breaking points. Because you notice that Kyle Kalinske would go, always go on breaking points because he needed to make his numbers go up because he couldn't do it on his own. Now all his videos is with Crystal Ball. Every single yep. video. So his his girlfriend is boosting him up because he needs to go to that one million because he can't do it on his own because basically people have abandoned him completely. And he's does like, he really does he really need to go to that one million? Listen, these people are fine financially. These people, oh, no, are, no. Fine. These people are millionaires. So he really really wants that one million. There's a point where he was never gonna get it. He was like cr- almost to the point of tears. Like, I'm never gonna get to that one million dollars guy, the one million sub guys. I'm really going to get there. I'm, I'm going to be stuck there like for 50 years. I'm like, God damn it, man. Just because Jimmy Dore went past you over and you're bitching over it. And then if he wants to criticize Jimmy Dore, he goes on Twitch and bitches about Jimmy Dore. It sounds like first world tears and shit. That's what it sounds like to me. You bitching about not reaching to 1 million subs and there's people in this country that can't even afford to fucking eat. Give me a fucking break. This is the reason why RBN is in this space. This is the reason why we got so tired of this shit. These whiny fucking PMCs that are just like, I can't get to 1 million subs. Motherfucker, please. If you're a millionaire, what else more do you need? What else do you need to feel validated? Give me a break. Most people tried to tell him that the reason why he sucks so much is because he's he's still stuck. He's not moving forward. He's stuck. It's like his car broke down and he didn't, he never called anybody to just a tow person. He just, he's just stuck. Well, he did say he don't uh, go somewhere else because that whole thing about when he said if Jimmy was talking to my sister like that, talking about Anna and the, yeah, well, and the we, we, we all know why he did that. Crystal Ball sicked him on, Jim, on Jimmy Dore. Yep. <laughs> it's, it's Crystal Ball because they said that she was still friends with Anna Kasparian. And Jimmy even showed a tweet where he's, he, Kyle Kalinske was saying some raunchy jokes with, with Anna Kasparian. She said, well, if Anna, if Jank jacked off on, 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 on live on the show, he'd get like 2,000 likes. But if Anna did it, that'd be like 7,000 likes. And Anna Kasparian chimed in, like, just 7,000? But Jimmy Dore is the bad guy because Jimmy Dore made a bad fucking joke because Anna Kasparian flashed her, flashed him while he was in a room because she couldn't wear proper proper attire. And if you fucking say the word like uh, dress code, some woman will be type at you like, what the fuck are you talking about dress code? I don't want to hear about dress code. I'm like, okay, I guess you're not even in the workplace. None, By of, the these way, people, none of these people, none of these people are holier than thou. I will just, I will just say that because... I can tell you, like, if you go back and watch the old content, I think we all remember how TYT used to be. 
Yeah, and they made Anna Anna have a guy pay for <laughs> her clothing by promising she's gonna sleep oh, with yeah, a guy. <laughs> and they, it was an experiment just to see if guys were suckers that bad for sex. And she was she agreed to do it. And all those other fucking disgusting videos they did. And that wasn't Jimmy Dore telling you to do that. They were doing them themselves. And then they would say, "I'm holier than thou." Jimmy's the sex pest. And, and, and that's it. Uh, fuck Jimmy Dore. And, but, but the thing about it, but the thing about it, when they say like Jimmy Dore's like some sexist or some transphobe person, I'm like, he's basically just calling out the fucking liberals. They're basically trying to go after people just saying something, and they, they try to use identity politics whatsoever to criticize you. If a woman did something, he criticizes it. Oh, he's a sexist. If a if a, a trans person did something, and they want to just you know kick somebody off a job or whatever the fuck. They'll, they'll say, oh, he's transphobic. Like, it's ridiculous. Like, it's like the same with Dave Chappelle. Like, Dave Chappelle can't tell jokes anymore, so now he's transphobic. I mean, these are things that I, I've, I've seen it online. I've basically Googled, like, black comics, and they say this this thing goes around in the black community. Like, like these jokes go around. I don't know why people are being sensitive about it now. Sabrina, whatever you did before to... um. You did something technical because now your 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 volume is coming in better than what it was before. You you, you did something right before um, Ashira started talking. Oh, it might have been the Wi-Fi. I don't know. Oh, okay. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, but I mean, like, I mean, for me, it's just I don't. I honestly like don't have time for bullshit. And it's always funny to me because people will reach out and say, did you know so-and-so said this? You know so-and-so said this about you? Yeah, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, even even Jimmy says that. Like, he doesn't even respond to those uh, to those t- DMs. He just doesn't care. <laughs> that's, uh, why I want- DMs, that's why my DMs are closed. So you can't DM me unless I follow you back. That's just how it is. But... And I'll say one more final thing. Like, uh, Brent was going on off, off of Jimmy not giving him the response that he wanted. I mean, Jimmy has said multiple times that he's not, he's not for the war, like what Russia did. If you want someone who will tell you that he is for the war, Jackson Hinkle will fucking tell you that he is for what Russia did. Both him, him, uh, Kurt, uh, Max, they've all said what Russia did was, it was bad. It was, they were not supposed to do that. They even, they theorized that Russia would just give weapons to the people, the fighters at the Donbass, and they would have basically fought the Nazis there, and they would have never got in there. But eventually, their hands were forced, and they got in. That was their mistake. Jackson Hinkle said that? Yeah, he basically said that. He Brent said he super-chatted him. I remember one time, somebody super-chatted Jackson Hinkle. Is, is he okay what uh, Russia is doing? He said, 100%, I fucking agree with what Russia is doing right now. Russia is in the right to do it. Interesting. Interesting. So for Brent not getting the response he wants, like I don't, I don't think I think Jimmy's he's against the war. I don't think he's for the war. That 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 would be that would go be against his anti-war narrative if he was for the war. And he said it online. They're they're, they're against what Russia is doing. So if they say they're against what Russia did, how would be he's for the war? Because he didn't answer what you said to him on the spot. Like it's like you just caught someone on the spot. And they didn't expect you to come and ask him that question. Now you got him tongue-tied. That's interesting. I mean, like, for me, like, I will tell you guys, like, honestly, 
you know, in the beginning, like with, with uh, RBN and stuff like that, like, you know, we were new, we had not done this before. Um, and, you know, we look back on things and we're like, there's some things that we did well. And there's some things that we did not do well. You know, one thing I will say is like, we were actually willing to come forward and say on stream, Hey, we made a decision and we made a mistake. You don't usually see anybody else do that. People just disappear from networks and people be like, what the fuck happened to this person? Um, except for TYT. Jink is an ass and Jink will just be like, yeah, so-and-so is not a part of this network anymore. <laughs> but, um, but I mean, we, we've learned like, I think along the way. But one thing I will tell you guys, uh, while I have a lot of people listening, is number one, I do not look at my mentions on Twitter at all. So for all the people who like DM me and say, so-and-so tagged you, did you see this? Like, no, nah, motherfucker, I didn't. And why are you bringing it to my attention? <laughs> like, no, I didn't. I don't care. So I don't look at my mentions. So that's a big thing. So if something doesn't show up in that all category, I don't fucking see it. I don't have time to sit up there and look at like all these different responses and trolls. There's a lot of trolls. I don't have time for that shit. I really don't. So that's my take on that. And anybody who knows me personally, if they have something to say to me, those people have my number. They can just call me or DM me. So that's that's my take on that. Yeah. Okay. We have too much work to do to to worry about that stuff anyway. Yeah, it's really one of those things like it's really interesting to me because someone contacted me and was like, did you see what the Vanguard said about you guys? And I'm like, no. <laughs> and I don't fucking care. I'm a grown ass woman. Why do I care what two little boys say? Get out of here. Let's go ahead and bring in um Brady. Brady, what's up? I know you've been waiting for a bit. No worries. Just gotta unmute. Wait every time. Um, good work as always, Savvy. And I just hope that nobody threatened that one guy. I hope that I think Gator might have threatened that guy into an apology. Is the way that felt to me. I don't know about y'all. He called in like, I just wanted to apologize. That wasn't right. I just want to make sure that nobody threatened that guy, first of all. Somebody threatened you, man. Let me know in the back channel. We'll set up a dead man switch for you. Make sure you're not going to kill yourself, anything like that, you know. Um, but, yeah, some of these feds need to be called out. I'm glad he did it yesterday. I, I mean, that was actually very vindicating for a lot of people on this app. Gator has been harassing and naysaying and um, basically um, digressing a lot of progressive conversations into uh dead ends so without doing that what we're going to do tonight <clears throat> everybody get your notes ready we're not going to talk about uh the old we're not going to we're going to stop begging the old to do something for us and what we're going to do is we're going to arm the youth with the tools they need to save planet earth and make babies in space and stuff so uh something cool that jimmy Dore is actually doing is rage against the war machine coming up and yes, it has the libertarians about that tonight. I was just going to say, we talked about that tonight. Yeah. It seems like everybody forgot about it when they were judging Jimmy Dore so harshly earlier. And, uh, you know, it has the libertarian stamp on it and it has the people's party stamp on it. Nick Brana's stamp on this movement as well. And I just want to mention that I took your criticism to heart last night, Sabrina. I heard everything you said tonight about the P word parties. And I've <laughs> come up with a perfect solution. And that is I've changed the, the movement, the name of my movement to 
the people's proxy party or the the proxy party or the people's proxy or some, the, something like that. But proxy is now being integrated into the name of the movement because it really sums up in one word the heart and the idea behind the movement, which is treating donations like proxy taxes and treating the party like a proxy government that works completely outside the network of the feds or anyone else and operates on the most legit form of democracy that we can come up with using the information age and stuff like that. And so um, let's see, what were my other points I had written down? Um, Just that we need good ideas, good candidates, good questions, uh, good actions, Ah, events. I think events are so important. I host, you know, like karaoke and I I play music for a living and I'm not really, I feel like I could be utilizing those events to turn them into like some kind of cool educational thing. Like, Hey, this event is sponsored on behalf of blankety blank, this movement, go check them out. You know, like, and we don't have, I don't have any, I don't have any place that I would send anyone right now, you know, from my like shows, I wouldn't like, but we need something like that. If anything, I'd be like, Hey guys, this show is brought to you by all the conspiracy theorists in the world. Go check out James Corbett report, which I was going to mention to you. I mentioned it last night. Have you had a chance to check out James Corbett's uh, solutions watch? I haven't seen that yet. I'll have to check that out. Um, I'll bug you every night. There's no rush. I know how life is. I understand life. You know, uh, there's no rush, but I will bug you every night until you watch one of James Corbett's solution watches. I'm going to drop one in the chat right now for everyone. And then um, I'm just going to mention that uh, something fishy is going on with Hunter Biden's laptop. And it looks like he's smoking crack on there. I got arrested and my life was put through the ringer over two grams of mushrooms. So I'd like to see uh, Joe Joe Biden's son sit in jail for a little bit too for smoking crack. Um, and I just want to mention that I think Pizzagate is legitimate as well and worthy of investigation. And um, if anyone would like to help me um, create a proxy government that actually meets our needs and shames the actual government into acting right, instead of begging them to act right, um, I could totally use some help. <laughs> We're going to... Um... Tomorrow, well, tomorrow night would be pretty interesting. Um, one of the organizers from ALU is going to be here tomorrow night. But um, yes, in reference to the rage against the war machine, we did talk about that tonight with Jimmy. Um, and I do want to make a correction here, something I didn't realize at the time. Uh, a couple nights ago, I said, well, no, I wouldn't go because it's Nick Brana's thing. So I was incorrect about that. I I thought that because he was the one promoting it. But then I later found out that it's actually multiple organizations that have organized this event, including Action for Assange. So um, the guest speaker list has also increased. Like now there is uh, Max Blumenthal is one of the speaker um, and his wife. God, I I don't want to mispronounce her name and I know I will. Shit. But you guys know I'm Perrin talking Pell. about. Um, yeah, Perrin Pell, right? Or yeah, yeah, Anya. Anya. Anya, yeah, she man, I had a crush on her before he took her, but I mean, they're a good couple. 
<laughs> I'm, I'm not I'm not gonna I'm gonna respect that relationship. Not like Kyle and Crystal, you know, I'm gonna actually respect their relationship. <laughs> oh, it's all coming out. Oh, it's now. all it coming out now. I have a lot of respect for their relationship, actually. I thought that was pretty cute. Um and all the same way as uh Abby Martin and Mike Presner. You know what I mean? Man, I had a crush on Abby Martin before Mike Presner came along, but you know, I had to step aside from Mike Presner. There's no way I can beat that guy. I, I thought Mike was the I, brother, I thought Mike no? was the you know what? I thought he was for a while too, but no, uh, Robbie Martin is her brother. So it's, it's easy to get, you know, situations what? mixed up, but nope, nope, no, 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 no. He's her husband and they have babies <laughs> together now. They have super, so super, they got superhero babies together now. How, how cute is that? So everybody send, send the new family some love vibes. You know, that's a thing that's been proven with science. If you send some love and vibes in somebody's direction, it works really well, especially if you do it in groups of more than five or eight people together at once. It amplifies the, uh, the message a lot. So if y'all just send the new Abby Martin family some nice new baby vibes, they're gonna, they're gonna receive that. <laughs> And uh, so, yeah, just a call to events and actions. If you guys want to host like a party, like a get together, like there's something I mentioned called a political grill. Uh, proxy debates uh, is a really big part of the my idea is, you know, if there's two people that are unwilling to debate, you can essentially have two people act out both sides of the debate in lieu of them showing up and essentially kind of improv act out the way that you would think they would behave in the debate this way we can have people who are dead debate um we can have people who are in jail debate you know um all kinds of crazy interesting situations like that uh, can be achieved with a proxy debate interesting interesting and i, I also encourage, all right well brady thank you. i i encourage debate oh, as the largest mitigator to war i think if we were to have a debate before we ever spend a dollar on war especially a democratic debate that would be a really good way. I do wish that everyone that is running could debate. Like that was one thing I did not like about the 2020 primaries per se. Like I wish that everyone who is running for office, especially like presidential office could actually debate. Um, there's a guy here in Massachusetts. Oh my God. Let me look it up on my phone. Hold on. Because this guy was running against, um, Shit, I didn't screenshot that. I'm sorry, you guys. I'm supposed to be getting better with the language. Fuck, I thought I screenshot. No, we got to fight, fight the FCC at the same time. We got to fight the fucking FCC at the same time. They start they start with the F word, and before long, they're, they're taking people off the internet. So don't let them fucking slow you down. <laughs> and Whoa. I just said we were deprived of Bernie Sanders versus Donald Trump. We needed to see Bernie Sanders fight Donald Trump. That would have been a completely different history for the United States if there was simply a Bernie Sanders versus Donald Trump debate. I just want to see more debates. I think there should be uh, debates on specific topics, like debate on the environment, a whole hour, a whole debate on, or two hours, depending on how many candidates are there, debate on police reform. You know, I, I remember clipping when uh, Morning Joe, Joe Scarborough was like, oh, why are we doing another debate, man? I think the America's tired of debates. And I'm like, no, we're not tired of debates. We need more debates. We need more substance when you're electing the most important job in the whole entire universe, <laughs> you know? Not to mention some politicians haven't debated at all, like in decades, like Nancy Pelosi. See? 
Amen. I have two solutions to both of those problems. I, mean, I probably dropped them before, but I'll keep it concise and really quick. Uh, the first idea is a democratic debate. That's where we elect the topic of the debate, who the debaters are, the moderators of the debate, uh, five questions from each side, and then everyone can even debate on what they believe in the beginning and end, like a monk monk debate format. And that's just the full concept of a democratic debate. The other idea is a political barbecue where once a month politicians hold themselves or uh, submit themselves to a political grill, political grilling or a political roast where um, we elect an investigator or a journalist to basically interview Joe Rogan style, a politician for one to three hours, however much time they're willing to submit at least once a month, whether they're running for office or holding office as a way to just provide some form of very vague. That's a good point, Brady. Good point. Uh, thank you so much, Brady. I want to go ahead and bring in Dave and Roger. Go ahead. If uh, you were going to say something, I see you're unmuted. Oh, oh, my bad. I didn't even know I was unmuted. Uh, no, um, go ahead. I ain't got nothing to say. I was just buying something. Okay, what's up, Dave? What's going on? If you can just mute real quick, Roger, thanks. What's up? Oh, I don't think we can hear you, Dave. I was a I was a, a high school tutor at one point. Anyways, how are you? Uh, I'm good. How are you? Uh, good, good. So political strategy, I don't know. I like I, I love the I only saw the uh the first hour like the first hour. I can't do it like during the beginning, like when you started your call and so I only saw the first hour of the show, but um yeah, I mean uh, you know, a great great discussion in the Colin tonight. I love it. So yeah. Dave, what do you think about the fact that AOC said that Democrats have been fighting for concessions. And I played this for Jimmy Dore. And she said that they fight for these things in private. And she pointed out two examples. They fight for uh, budget and they fight to get on certain committees. What do you think about that? I, I mean, when, you, when I saw that, when I saw, when you played that, when I saw the clip, seeing her say that, I mean, I supported her. Like when she was first, when she was running, I didn't know who she was. So I supported her against, opponent that was 2018 but you know I, what you just said was she said basically said that there's no public process i mean she's, she's saying that things get done in private and congress people shouldn't have to do things in public like meaning like anything anything that affects policy that's what she just said in that clip i mean that's 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 crazy it's out of, completely out of control even by the standards of the u.s government which is we look at the laws and, and practices in the United States, but like, I don't know what the hell she's talking about. <laughs> that's, that's, she's, she's insane. That's a fascist perspective, what you just said there. So <laughs> that's, that's my opinion of that. Yeah. I mean, I could, I could, I could talk about the, the, you know, I could say some things about the government process on that, but, uh, I don't know too, you know, much that Roger probably knows more on the, but you know, on knew. the, you know, so. But the thing, the, the thing is, Dave, she yeah. knew what people were talking about. Right. When yeah, she was lying. She was, was acting in that moment, right? Right. So That's the thing that kills me. It's just like, really, yeah. dude? You know damn well that's not what people are talking about. Right, right. Yep, that's right. Yeah, I mean, it, it's so crazy. 
we're in a situation now where the, the, the rep from the Bronx, right, the rep from that part, from that area of the Bronx, ran as a democratic socialist, got the support of, like, you know, labor unionists like me and, like, like leftists all over New England, like, the Northeast, got, like, got money from them, got the support, won the election, and then, like, people didn't know who she, you know, she was only known, like, because she, and then she becomes, you know, and now she's both lying through her teeth and she's preventing the actual fighting, you know, the actual fighting people from fixing the situation when there's widespread poverty, like, all over the country. 25% of people in Massachusetts are getting food stamps right now. 25% of head of, of head of households are getting food stamps in the state of Massachusetts right now. So, yeah, that's, you know, that's, that's not a good, you know, that's a, and they're cutting the food stamp program and, you know, they're not able to administer it because too many people are applying for food stamps in Section 8 right now. So, in, in Massachusetts, Massachusetts, not Mississippi, Massachusetts. So, yeah. <laughs> See, Dave, that's that's why I was saying, and I was telling Case before, um, like, okay, so you just said that, you know, they're getting ready to cut uh, food stamps and some other social safety net programs. And that's why I was saying, if we could get a public bank in each state, they yes. can fund state versions of what the federal government is supposed to be doing. And right, to fill right, in the right, gap. right. So if the cost of living is up here, I know you can't see me, but I guess you use the imagination. So the cost of living is up here, but the the social safety net food stamp stuff or whatever, you know, whatever is down here, a state version of it can fill that gap or go over. Right, you know right. Even, even, even the mass, I totally agree with you, Roger. I should, I should let other people talk because I, I don't have too much. I just wanted to, you know, I definitely wanted to jump in, but... Um, for a few minutes, but, and also nice to meet, I know I was gre- a little bit over greeting Lucy, Lucy last time and this time, but I just did that because she's a public personality and I haven't met her yet. And, y también porque yo hablo, yo, yo soy gringo, pero yo hablo español. Um, not for that reason that was like greeting her, but I feel like there's so many Spanish speakers where I live that I, I'm, I'm surrounded by, on the North Shore of Boston by Spanish speakers. So my, my Spanish keeps getting better, even though it's not that good. It's getting better each day, you know, because I'm always speaking Spanish with people. But yeah. Roger, on your point, um, on your point, yeah, well, even some of them in the mainstream discussion, even in the Globe, the, some of the Massachusetts politics, it's not really even the politicians, it's not the state house leaders, but they're talking about like doing that expanding an expansion of housing subsidies at the state and also food stamp related stuff at the state level. They, they proposed 3.2 billion for it out of state funds by seven years from now. It's sort of, that's sort of what the article was discussing. So they're talking about doing major anti-poverty programs at the state level that are the, not like, you know, doing that now for the first time, you know, really uh, ever, but, w- but we would need so many things to happen first. And one of them would be establishing a public, a, a public bank would have to happen before that before that so your, your senator well he may not be your senator but a Massachusetts senator James B Eldridge he has a um 
I saw his public banking bill. He also is the author of the uh, Massachusetts Medicare for All bill. Yeah, I've spoken to him a few times. Like, I've, I've met him he, when I was organizing. Like, he, like he's he's one of the better. He's one of the most more most progressive state senators in in Massachusetts. So yeah, yeah. You should take a look at that at his public banking bill. I mean, yeah. it's I, I, I mean it's on point because it talks about financing. Um, Cooperatives. If Jamie had his way, like he would, he would break. He would like, you know, separate. He would have Massachusetts take over a part of Fidelity, take over a part of Harvard, take over, like you know, like basically national, like state state eyes, not national, not nationalized state eyes. Some of the banks in somewhat, not completely. Like he had, but but, uh, unfortunately, he is. I mean, right now he does not get his way in the legislature. I mean, he's completely, he's pretty much stiff-armed. He can do some things, but he's he's stiff-armed on the big money things in the legislature. There's too many. Most of them are are conservative Democrats there. So Right. But this yeah. is the reason why I say, and I know it's hard, but you can take that bill and put it toward an initiative amendment. You know, I know it's hard. Right. It's not as hard as New York because New York don't have that option. You know what I'm saying? I agree with your BI. Like, I I, I didn't mean to criticize BIs to you or Savvy, like, in my past past chat comments or whatever. I was just, I agree with your focus on ballot. If you're going to do anything in terms of, uh, like, the ballot box in the United States, especially statewide, I think ballot initiatives and amendments to state constitutions and that kind of I think that's a good way I think that's a, I think that's I mean I don't know how well it's going to work but I think it's the I think that's much better than trying to run and progressive state senators and try to take over the you legislature. use it as leverage also yeah. you yeah, use yeah, it yeah. as leverage because then yeah, yeah, you, like, I, I should let you speak on this I'm just I'm just responding to what you're what yeah, you're saying so you- you can use yeah. that as leverage because then they'll take you seriously. As long as you keep like going to them, like, "Come on, right. we gotta do it. Come right. on," and they're like, "You know, they'll just slow walk you." But once you say, "Ah, screw you," I'm gonna do it. No, it has to, you have to say, "Fuck the legislature." You have to basically say, "Fuck Bye. you." Here's the messenger, and then you and then you organize people. You organize people outside, and, you, and then you come in. With, uh, you come in with the people and the signatures. You come in with the signatures, but you come in with the people. You come in with the right. people and you're like, you're like respond on a positive, you know, here we are, you know, now you can't, you know, welcome to the jungle. Now you can't deny us now, you know, so. Dave, I think, yeah. I think you're breaking up just a little bit. Oh yeah. I'm probably not speaking in the right direction. Um, yeah, I should let you guys go, but um, yeah. I was just going to say that the, um, what do you call it? Oh yeah. Yeah. Sometimes you know what you might also have to do. Mm-hmm. Is yeah. there might be something? There might be some type of organization that's already set up, and I've been I'm I've been finding that some of these organizations that want a public bank or they want single payer, they're still they're in ballot initiative states, and they're still talking to the legislature. Oh, oh, well, if it doesn't work with the legislator, then we're gonna go to a ballot initiative. I'm like, what type of nonsense is that? Yeah, it's something you know. There are too many people that are non. They have nonprofit itis, a bad case of nonprofit itis, and they want to. You know, they think they think they can work with a lot of different local institutions that, in in certain ways, where they they should know that they can't do that until right. something's changed on the ground. But you know, 
I was just I was just on an email with um I forgot the woman. Oh, I ain't gonna say her name, but she's trying to get um a public an Oregon public bank, and she's talking about working with the legislature. Like, why in the world are you trying to do that? She, and you know, she told me on the email that they've been trying to do it since 2011. And I don't know. I don't know if you have what your opinion is of the New York State. I mean, I know you've tried to influence the New York State legislature in many different ways, but I don't. I don't know. Uh, like, what, what's your overall opinion of? The, I mean, I know you hate, you dislike the current state of the Massachusetts and the New York State legislature. That would be an understatement. But what's your, what's your opinion on that? On, I, I don't know. Um, well, the pretty well, they gave them. Well, okay, so in a matter of four years, they gave yeah. themselves. Um, a pay increase of seventy eight percent. Right. So they they um, increased their pay by sixty two thousand dollars in a matter of four years. Okay. So so now they're one hundred and forty two thousand dollars. So um, a year. And you know what's funny? You would think, and I just found this out. You know, with all of this hula going on with them giving themselves a pay increase, they right. said they were trying to catch up to the New York City Council which is at $148,000. I was like, right. well, first, how in the world does a lower government get paid more than the, than the government above it? And, but anyway, I mean, but yeah. Isn't it so, interesting? You know, yeah. All, all yeah. Of the, all, and, and yeah. you know, like all of these people, I'm like, oh, you guys ain't, you guys looking out for yourself, whatever. So I just pretty much what I'm saying is I'm just trying to see what I can help, where I can help in states that are valid initiatives. Now imagine, Roger, if their benefits was tied to the benefits of the average citizen, meaning that the average citizen gets the same health care they get. Every time they vote themselves a pay raise, the average citizen's minimum wage goes up at the same rate. You know, now now we're talking about oh. a different dynamic, right? <laughs> oh, oh, actually, it's funny you said that because I think I think um, Governor Jokel, as someone said in the chat on Heartland's media, and I'm going to use that, um, I think she's been getting um, what do you call those things? Like people calling her office yeah. because on her state of the state, she wow. she said that she is going to tie minimum wage to inflation. So my mm. question for that is, are you going to match it with the inflationary cost of living rate first? Because mm. saying that you're tying it, if there's Okay. I, oh, oh, by the way, Dave, we're also for the 10th year in a row, still number one in income inequality, by the way. Let me just throw that in there real quick. In New York. So, yeah, I believe that. Yeah. yeah. So, so the thing is, what I'm asking is, is if you've got, all right, so you got the income inequality rate, right? So let's say, all right, so the minimum wage is almost $15 across the state. So are you saying that, oh, I'm going to peg it to inflation. All right. So if the inflation goes up by 8%, all right, so the $15 an hour goes up by 8% also, like we're still behind. You know what I mean? Like you have to match it first. Okay. Yeah, I mean, you know, we, yeah, I mean, I don't, don't give me the way, I mean, Jesus Christ, we, you know, when, when, uh, when, uh, what was it, Raise Up in Massachusetts, it was Raise Up was the one that was most tied to the nonprofits, but there were a lot of people doing some good work with that, but they, you know, they, they were the ones that pushed for it and, you know, it took Massachusetts to get till this January. This January we went to fifteen ten, so it's actually high. You know, as you know, it's it's slightly higher in Massachusetts than, but basically the same as New York. But you know, but what rent? You know, I'm, my rent went up from fifteen hundred. I can't afford it, but my rent went 
They raised my rent was fifteen hundred for a one bedroom. It went to it went to eighteen hundred. It went to eighteen hundred mm. at the end of the like six, nine eight months ago at the end of the pandemic. Jesus. So, okay. so so you know they raised my rent twenty percent, and no no one no one in my complex in the forty eight units had had a. Most people's incomes hadn't gone up. Most of them had gone down relative to where it was, before, you know, before the pandemic. So, and they also broke. They also broke the law. So let me not get get scattered. But also, like Somerville, Somerville, Massachusetts said, "I don't live in Somerville, but that's part of my the complex is in Somerville. I'm on the line." So, anyways, I probably shouldn't say that on here. But, anyways, it, it, uh, meaning Somerville said it was illegal to raise rent. They passed a city. Ordinance saying illegal to raise rent, but all the lots of landlords broke. That. So now we're we're now in a situation locally where hundreds of hundreds of people's rent was raised illegally in like six nine months ago. That hasn't been worked. That hasn't been settled in any court or any. That's only been that's only settled through people either you know not paying it or paying it or the landlord nothing happening to the landlord. And then in, in the town next, like in the town next over, that wasn't the case. But generally, they they raised rents across the board about twenty percent for yeah, you know in the brick in the, in the brick they here. Did. I, just, yeah. I just want to jump in here for a second. Yeah. Um, I lived in Somerville too, and they weren't yeah. supposed to raise the rent like during the pandemic, but yeah. they like some of the landlords were still doing still doing it. In fact, the apartment complex up the street from me at that time, they were actually staging a protest because their landlord increased the rent during the pandemic after the yeah, mayor. There were, there were protests. So they said not to do so. Yeah, yeah there yes. were protests. There were protests. So, yeah. so those people, it was good. Those people are, that person's landlord will not, will, you know, they will be shamed publicly if they try to collect on that in any way. But yeah. You yeah. know what big, what I, I want to make um, sure, I, I'm sorry, um, Dave, I want to make sure I bring in the other callers too. Yeah, 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 I've been talking for a while. Let me let me get out of here. So I uh, have a good night, guys. Um, Thanks, you too. Thanks so much. Um, yeah. Let's go ahead and bring in Brent and Ashura. You guys went already, so I want to make sure I bring in Xander first. So Xander, uh, you are the next caller, and you just have to unmute. Sorry, sorry. Say that again. I I, I missed the last bit when I was unmuting. Hello, how are you? Hello. Uh, sorry, um, I think as you were introducing, first off, thank you for uh, letting me skip the line. That is very un-American uh, for Brett and uh, Azura. I apologize if I'm mispronouncing the name. Um, but thank you for uh, bringing me up. Okay, so Xander, what's your take on all of this? Well, I, I think this conversation has been really fascinating, and if there's any take I actually had gotten from a little bit of it is uh, I'm pretty, I'm impressed by, it, it seems like the conversation goes in many multifactional directions, meaning like one second you think you could be kind of watching like this is a MSNBC segment. And then the next moment you think like, whoa, this is like, Fox, and that's not necessarily an indictment of like, oh yeah, ugh, I just love cable news. It's more of an indictment of like what I think is a healthy diet of news is you're just getting inputs from every little side, inputs from what does the left think, what does the middle think, what does the right think, and like as an output of that, 
usually a normal, in my mind, uh, healthy person that can make a, a healthy digestion of, okay, bits from the left, that's reasonable. Bits from the right, that's reasonable. And I will make my self-determination when I go to the ballot box. Um, there's been so many subjects brought up tonight that I honestly don't even know where to begin. Uh, I'm happy to bring something up, but if, if you want to throw something out, I'm, I'm all yours. Okay, Xander, please don't ever compare me to MSNBC, please. Oh, okay. Oh, CNN. I don't know. <laughs> don't compare me to any of those people. <laughs> Period. Oh, okay. 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 <laughs> yeah, I'm not mainstream media. Are um, you an American? Yes. Well, but okay. Well, then, thank you. All right. At that very level, it's that's the point. MSNBC. I'm. I'm. I am personally from the right. But an MSNBC uh, producer is from the left, but he's also still an American. And that is the very basis of it is like if you don't view the other person as a basic human being, then there is no conversation to be had. Like, right. Like you, well, you Xander, have to start I don't, from that basis. I don't work in mainstream media, so I'm really confused. That, that doesn't have anything to do with it. It's do you view this person as your fellow citizen in the sense that we are trying to have this difficult conversation called democracy, but we're viewing it from the same basis that we're all in the same country and I view you as my fellow citizen. But when you say someone doesn't even have this, like that person doesn't even have the right to like have a stand MSNBC or sometimes even from the right Fox news, that person doesn't even have the right to speak to me. I, I just had this gut instinctual, like repulsion to that where I'm like, Ugh. When do we say that? When, when do we say I mean? I'm confused? When do we say no one has the right to speak on MSNBC or Fox News? Well, I, I thought you were saying that you you didn't want me to compare you to MSNBC, right? Because I'm not mainstream media. We're, these are two, oh, okay. two oh, different okay. things. Oh, okay, all right. So, you just okay. said okay. you just said yeah. someone sorry, has sorry, the right sorry, to sorry, speak. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry, 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 sorry. I I I apologize. My fault. My fault. That's on me. I was not comparing you to MSNBC. My point being was I felt like I viewed a multitude of opinions and I respected that on the show. Okay, so I'm sorry. What is your take on, on the topic here? Well, I feel like I've heard of multiple uh, topics to where I, I could go down the uh, – there's the, been the Biden uh, – uh, uh, special prosecutor uh, appointment um, also given on media bias um, I don't know uh, you, you you throw it out to me well no it's it's not my job to throw it out to you uh, there's a topic that's displayed and you called in so I'm asking what is your take on the topic Jimmy Dore I think he's a fake liberal why do you say that? I think he's basically um, – do you know who Mike, uh, Matt Taibbi is? Yes. I think he's basically the Matt Taibbi for the right. The Matt Taibbi for the what? The right. The, 
capital R-I-G-H-T. But you just called him a liberal, so I'm confused. Yes, uh, this is where semantics get weird in politics. Xander, I'm I'm sorry. Like when you throw things out, you have to explain what you mean. Explain what you mean, Roger. You have an echo. Roger, you have an echo. Like when you when you when you make like those statements, you have to explain what you mean. So what do you mean if you say that someone is an old school liberal for the right? You need to explain that. So if you could elaborate on that, please. Jimmy Dorn, I don't think is actually. I think he's an old school lefty liberal that plays up often today uh, to a right uh, YouTube audience. And I think Matt Taibbi is also has cashed in to this audience as well, but just more overtly uh, to where like Matt Taibbi made his bones kind of covering the Iraq war, covering the Bush administration, the CIA, uh, you know, corruption in the lead up to that war. Um, and I think just Jimmy Dore has kind of, like he's basically a uh, he, he, he sort of looks at it's a 1960s version of hippie liberalism, but doesn't really understand where it fits in a 2022 lefty woke, you know, worldview where he's kind of I mean, let's be honest, Jimmy Dore, you're give me, give me some ex- white dude. It's kind of weird. Aren't you kind of, by definition, the institution? Give me some examples, Xander. Of what? Of what you just said. Give me some examples. You said that Jimmy Dore plays to a right. He's an old school liberal that plays to a right audience. Give me some examples. He is often, I mean, like, numerously, almost on any given week, uh, trending in YouTube, um, which is notoriously um, uh, uh, known as, like, kind of a right-wing cesspool. That's Um, false. Uh, The first part is true. The second part is false. When you said he's usually trending on YouTube, that is true. So is Vosh. So is Hassan Piker. Next example. But the second part was false. Yes. Vosh and Hassan Piker are also trending on YouTube. Multiple times. Multiple times. So give me another example. That one failed. Of, of Jimmy Dore? Give me these examples. Like, this is the thing. When you make statements about people... It's important that you give examples to back up what you're saying. So that's why I'm asking you, when you say that someone is an old school liberal that plays to a right wing audience, give me examples of what you mean. The first example that you just gave me just failed because the first part was true, but the second part was false. So give me some more examples. No, 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 no. Hold on. Let's be clear. The my making that statement is my opinion of that. Okay. That's the whole point what? of this. Your opinion, you listen, when you say that you that Twitter plays to I, oh, a I'm right sorry. wing I didn't show in with my scientific evidence of my 
four different no one said anything this is no one said anything xander no one said anything about scientific audience you said that jimmy Dore is constantly trending on twitter and i said so is hassan Hassan, let me finish i said so does hassan piker and vosh and they are both on the left so that debunks your statement about Twitter propping up the right wing. That Continue. wasn't my claim, though. You just said that. I never said anything about Twitter. Yes, you did. No, I didn't. You brought up Twitter. You said he's always I'm trending. Not, I, I, what is Twitter? I, I'm you not said he's always Twitter. trending. Right? That is a term colloquially used within YouTube as well. No. Because, when you said wait, trending, are we, are we talking, talking about Twitter about or YouTube? Twitter. YouTube. YouTube. When you say trending, people are talking about no, Twitter. He, I, I think he meant YouTube. I'm talking okay, about well, then you need to be uh, specific there. Even when you say with YouTube. Sorry, I'm not very online. <laughs> Xander, you got to make your point here. You really do. Give me some examples. My point being was I thought within your show of the callers that I heard previously, I heard a very good multitude of previous callers calling in different cross-directional political directions um, that I haven't previously heard within Colin. That was simply my point. Well, then maybe Colin needs to be more diverse. Maybe Colin only has certain types of points of view on this. That was my point. Politically. The previous but callers that doesn't were mean, diverse minute, of um, their excuse opinion. Me, excuse me, Xander, you need to calm down. I'm not the one. I am not the one, Okay. Literally, that was my point, was your caller's opinions were diverse. You need to prove your point. You said that Jimmy Dore was an old school liberal that caters to a right-wing audience. Give me examples. I'm still waiting on them. Let's go. What do you, like, okay, all right, well, all right, let's. Settle down, audience. Uh, buckle in. We'll be here for the next fifteen minutes. As I see, Xander, I don't up. think I don't think you really. Yeah, have this was a examples. ridiculous request you had. That obviously no, it's can't not be ridiculous. Literally, because here's you know. the thing. No, it is not ridiculous. Here's the thing. When you make statements like that about people, you need to have something to back it up. Otherwise, it's considered a bad faith attack. Period. It's not an attack. I actually respect Jimmy Dore. What is the examples? that you have for your statement. I think it took a lot of balls on Jimmy Dawes, or not Jimmy Dawes, Jimmy Dawes, to actually stand up to his own side. Xander, that's I'm my not, whole I'm basis. And that's people you, that I respect that they stand up to their this. own side. Xander, Xander, see, now you're going another direction. I'm not asking you to compliment Jimmy Dore. I'm no, asking no, no. you <laughs> to give examples. What are the examples of him being an old school liberal that caters to a right-wing audience. You have yet to do that. So what are the examples? If I could bring it up here, specifically I could, I would, listen, I started out this conversation. No, this no, 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 not wait a minute. No, now you're like trying to deflect. My, like, now you're trying to deflect. Listen, you just said, wait, on, if on, I on. could bring it when up I woke here, up this so bring morning, it up. I had no strong bones up, about a Jimmy Dore debate. Xander, bring it up. This is not even about a debate. I'm asking you to give me examples. It's just like <laughs> if I said AOC is a fraud 
And if someone said to me, okay, Sabrina, give me examples. I can go boom, 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 boom. I can give you at least five examples to prove that she's a fraud. You okay. will give me one. So, okay. Okay, I, I respect that then. Um, I listen to a lot of right-wing and left-wing media. I, I live in a very deep blue city. So obviously I just get like from my friends, family, like, like swarmed by, you know, left-wing media. Like, did you hear about this? Like, believe me, I've heard about every single time Donald Trump takes a shit. I'm like, yes, I've, I've, I've heard about it. And the same thing also happens because my just natural political instincts, anytime someone from the left steps any bit, a little bit out of line, like they just sort of like question the orthodoxy, it goes super viral on the right. And these like, this is really more, it's not a, that, that's not a statement on Jimmy Dore itself. It's actually a bigger statement on just like, kind of like how uh, information ecosystems kind of work and, you know, things like that. I mean, that's how the right has this weird obsession with like celebrities whenever they kind of say anything a little bit, you know, polite on the right, like the right has this weird obsession of, of them. Um, Jimmy Dore has multiple clips on YouTube. And so they go viral or trends. I apologize. I, I don't know what the correct IT trendy term to use. Um, where he's very popular on YouTube within if you look within right-wing media figures, if you're looking at Ben Shapiro videos, Jimmy Dore videos will be fed to you. That's what I'm trying to say. So does Breaking Point. So does The Hills Rising. So does yes, Secular yeah, Talk. Yeah, the, yeah, so does yeah, TYT. I, so again, yeah. but the statement that you made was that Jimmy Dore is that way, but those channels also have those same numbers. So I'm still not seeing your point. Well, I mean, I... TYT's videos have hundreds and thousands of views. So does Majority Report. So does Wait, Breaking TYT? Points. Yes. The Young Turks? Yes. But I mean, like, oh, okay. Like, I'm honestly trying to argue in good faith here. Like, no, I really don't think a Xander. lot of people... Say, Xander, uh, you're not proving Breaking the point. Listen, and the Xander, Young Turks are like the same show. But Xander, listen, I'm not here to say if those people are left or not. All I'm saying is, is this. I'm a big data person and you just threw out numbers. You talked about videos going viral. In fact, I didn't throw out you, numbers. That was the lack of my argument. Well, you talked about videos going viral. I didn't what throw out numbers. You, Hold on. You just made an accusation. That I threw out numbers. What number did you I? You talked about. Excuse me. What number? You about, name the number. Excuse me. You talked about videos oh, going no, no. viral. You're making accusations now. You see how you didn't fun say, this you game didn't is? Say the it's word not viral? fun. Now Xander. you see how not fun this Xander. game is when Xander. you make accusations your point? against people that are fake. Xander, what is your point? Xander, you I came on tonight? wanting to discuss general Xander. political Xander. topics. Xander, are you fucked up tonight? Be honest. Fuck no. Okay, you sound like it. 
You're like you you still haven't made your point. That's what I'm confused now. about. I want some No. Alright. I began when I called in wanting to ask I thought this was a general show of general politics of different opinions. The show and- says there's a topic and it says Jimmy Dore interview recap. Let's chat about my interview with Jimmy Dore. How do you feel about force the vote? AOC's defense of the Democrats fighting for concessions. But how's that sound like that sounds like every general AOC speech I've heard for the last like five years I've heard of AOC in my life. No, this was recent. What was so unique and distinct about this one? The fact that like, she, as opposed argued, to last- she argued that Democrats actually are fighting for concessions. The video was on her Instagram. So if you haven't seen that, maybe it's best if you actually watch that first. I don't know. Voting I don't know. For I don't consen- know to- okay. Uh, I, I just I just laugh at this whole thing by like Democrats like especially AOC. Okay, all right, you want a hot take? I'll give you a hot take. AOC thinks she's a little fighter, right? She's a little hot brand. They are not fighters. Bernie Sanders is not a fighter. They're not revolutionaries. They're not little like you know burn down the system. Everyone has seen. For the last week, what real inter-party fighting looks like. The Republicans almost came to blows on the House floor. I'm not defending it. I think it's embarrassing. I think it's stupid. But the point being is, if you want to see what real inter-party fighting looks like, every American on C-SPAN just saw what it looks like. And that's not what AOC does. She's just off busy tweeting and, you know, doing like live streams, tweets, whatever. Okay. I mean, I think other people will agree with you on that. I think where we got a little confused is that we just didn't like when you were saying just a second ago, I was just like, give examples. Like, you just gave me examples about AOC right now. <laughs> okay. Uh, like, like I said, I I really had no hard views at you personally or anything like that. I, I actually, like, I, I thought your the previous callers I heard had just not necessarily different views. I just thought, oh, okay, these are kind of conflicting, interesting, different perspectives of things to where... Um, as you did, uh, the AOC topic of how I view things and how I kind of generally view AOC, I think she is an absolutely talented politician, 100%. Uh, I don't necessarily know it translates into legislation because it's a very nitty-gritty, like, weirdly nerdy, like, you know, parliamentarian law um, but at the end of the day, as we saw, and hats off to the Democrats, right? I mean, shit. With a four-seat margin, they passed six billion dollars. Re- this is what I always like laugh about with the Republicans. 
they could have a 50-seat margin of victory, and, like, they won't get one thing passed. They, they won't they won't get anything. Uh, the only thing they'll get passed is, like, the Supreme Court, which is a, admittedly, I won't call it a stacked court because that means it's kind of an illegitimate court. No, it's not an illegitimate legitimate court it's just like a this is just a very weirdly odd set of coincidence that happened under trump is that um i mean what's let's that? bring in noel i want to bring in noel because I, um, I think you had unmuted earlier before go ahead noel. i think well first of all i think i hear xander's point and I think when he says that the jimmy door appeals to right wing i think it is because Jimmy Dore, sometimes his content appears to be so critical of the Democrats and legitimately so. I think that has an appeal to certain right wing um, constituencies, but I don't think that's his core following and I don't think that's who he is. But I can see where someone would look at a situation and say, well, oh, his comments trend well with people on the right, so A, B and C. But his comments, I think, trend well on the right to the degree that they're critical of the um, Democrats. But on this other topic about the Supreme Court, I definitely believe it's stacked because of the way Mitch McConnell maneuvered um, when Barack Obama had the opportunity to make the um, appointment um, of Merrick Garland and he stood in the way and that appointment that possibility came up early in the year. And then, so you flipped a script. And when, um, what's the lady named Ruth Bader Ginsburg dies, they rush and put this other woman on the court. So it is a 6-3 conservative court and it has been stacked because if there had been any consistency in the way those vacancies were filled, Barack Obama perchance would have had an opportunity to put their recess appointment in there. But, you know, it's just a moot point for me because um, Ruth Bader Ginsburg should have stepped down when Barack Obama was president, but she selfishly, in my opinion, attempted to hold on because she thought Hillary Clinton would beat Trump and then she could step down and have the first female president appoint her replacement and yada 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 but she had been having issues with cancer and if she had have had any degree of foresight she would have stepped down from that court and let obama make that appointment now the appointment that obama would have made if it's somebody like Merrick garland i'm like okay we still kind of like at square zero the one thing i've noticed is that Republican regimes are willing to go far right off the cliff, you know, but when Democrats have those opportunities, they want to go centrist, middle, and that's why this country keeps moving in the direction that it does. Um, but that was just my... Yeah. Well, there was a one country... wanted to throw in. Oh, go ahead, just Eric. Thanks. Thanks. Is that... um? Is, is 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 just this concept that Democrats are different from Republicans in some significant way as far as the politicians, and it's this whole game they have us playing. You know, oh, Democrats did this, Republicans did this, they're left, they're right, 
And, you know, we need to stop looking at this as in left and right. And we need to, to, to always look at this as up, down, and the money. Both of these parties serve the same top 0.1% interest. And there is no representation for the 99% for us. And so any time that, that we're having these conversations and, and we're not recognizing that core truth, I think we're just getting caught up in the games that they want us to be playing. Good points there, Eric. Ashura, what's your take? <laughs> I was uh, just laughing at the, your previous call. I didn't know what the hell what the hell that was. Um, I was speculating maybe he's got something going on in his head, or he's high or drunk. Um, the, the thing I want to talk about is that did you see the uh, tweet about Ron Placone about how? Uh, Status quo people are are basically unsubbing because he basically called the the squad out. Yeah, I think CJ talked about that. And one thing I will say is this: like Ron Bacone, like he's been on my show multiple times. He's probably been on the most more than anyone actually. So it's funny when people say I simp for Jimmy Dore. Ron Bacone has been on my my show. I think at least five times. And um, Ron Bacone. Even when I interviewed him for the first time two years ago, Ron Pacone even then was calling out the squad. So I am really surprised that Status Quo's audience is shocked at Ron Pacone's statements. I, I saw that episode, and what Ron Pacone said is he he disagreed with Tina in the sense that he did not agree that there were any progressives in Congress. And I, I, I agree with Ron Bacone about that. He said they're not really progressives. You know, they're, they're strike breakers and shit like that. So I totally agree with Ron about that. But what is sad is that Ron tweeted that people were putting in the comments that they're unsubbing because of what he said about the squad. But then the, what does that tell you about the audience? Yeah, because I was like, oh, God, CJ, CJ put it best. Like, what kind of audience are you, are you basically uh, cultivating? It's like sometimes when you do your polls and uh, you do a subject and you do a poll and and you got the get a huge number, but then you get those little small groups of people saying, "Yeah, Biden could win. Yeah, I'd vote for Biden. Yeah, I'd vote for this person." I'm like, "Are you kidding me? Do you not know what what show you're on? It's it's not it's it's not a liberal show. It's not a democratic show. Like we're uh, RBN is basically and your show is basically going outside the box. Like you're voting third party. Why you want to go back to the duopoly?" But that's what happens, Ashura, when you that's what happens when you cultivate an audience where if you continue to tell them and keep in mind, Ron McClone is new to status quo. He hasn't been there for years, but that's but what happens. When they, I don't know. I, I guess not based on the comments. That's why I was kind of surprised. Do people not realize that Ron McClone was on Jimmy Dore's show? For like a, a while, actually, he used to go on there like often and he was very vocal about how he felt about the squad. He was vocal about that the very first time I interviewed him two years ago. So Ron McClone, like this is not a secret. Um, and he's he's always been pretty vocal about that. I think the problem is that that audience in particular uh, is is used to hearing a message that is not very much so critical of the squad. And Ron just told it like it is and people were very upset about that 
Yeah, I'm like, how do you not know who Ron Placone is? You don't you don't read his tweets? Like his tweets are very critical of the squad. Like I've never seen one tweet that's like pro squad. That was like beforehand until they became like the fucking fraud squad they are. But I'm like, you're going out you're saying you're unsubbing <laughs> because Ron Placone basically told the fucking truth. And then it shows like what the fucking what the fuck this channel is. This this is a democratic duopoly channel. It doesn't say go outside the box. Like I don't think Jordan Sheridan is gonna tell people, hey, if you feel like the Democratic Party is not good for you, go join third party. Like I, I didn't see the video about what they had the third party debate, but I don't think Jordan Sheridan will be like telling you the truth how he feels by third party. I don't think he'll never vote third party in his life. Because he's just like Colin Crystal. Every time you say the word third party Crystal and Kyle will say, well, third parties, they can't go anywhere. They're basically fucked over because the, 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 the liberals and the Democrats, no, well, the Democrats said, and the Republicans basically made sure that they never basically have a chance. Well, to be fair, he said before he's voted for Jill Stein. Uh, no. So, you mean Jordan? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But why, why, why the, why the animosity now? Because they're Democrat, they're Democrats, Ashura. I'm gonna say something on here that may be somewhat controversial, but hopefully it it like wakes people up. Does it have anything to these do with people, Trump broke their fucking brains? No, these people are Democrats. They were always Democrats. They're not. Listen, the 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 whole strategy of putting progressive through the Democratic Party. Those people are still Democrats. They're not some other type of political ideology. They just want the Democratic Party to have some reforms. They're not trying to have a revolution, even though Bernie Sanders said we need a revolution. They're not trying to have a revolution. If they were trying to have a revolution, they would have pushed back against Joe Biden's punk ass. And they would have said, no, don't vote for Joe Biden. But they didn't tell you this. They didn't tell you this, right? So it's about so, so it's about the new fade right now. So what's cool, we're with it now. If it's not cool anymore, we just go back. Well, see, they're, they're Democrats, though. They're not. I, I think maybe some of us thought they were something different because they were about Justice Democrats and Bernie Sanders. But even Bernie Sanders ran through the Democratic Party. So if Bernie Sanders was serious about starting a political revolution, so to speak, Bernie Sanders' ass would have ran outside of the two-party system. He wouldn't have ran in it. Especially the second time around. But I think, Savvy, you make the excellent point in that those who are really looking for change. And I think when Bernie Sanders attempted, when he had his first run, his words came down like rain on parched throats. But within that context, there were some of us who were looking for real change. And then there were those who were looking for revolutionary change within the Democratic Party. And so when he sends his mixed messaging about, oh, you know, it's not me, it's going to be us and this and that. When he basically led those people back to the Democratic Party, everybody who reasoned and rationalized, yeah, well, you know, we don't have a chance, so we got to go and vote They didn't see Bernie Sanders for the strategy. They saw him as this good old man who's saying these good things and, oh, he's the one trying to fight and this and that. They couldn't step back and say, hold on, this man is leading us astray because all roads are going back to the Democratic Party because Bernie Sanders, for all his years of caucusing with the Democrats, has never 
taken the wherewithal to bring them into focus. He knows Hillary Clinton. He knows Joe Biden. He knows these people well, but he never attacks them through their actions. Hillary Clinton was proven to be cheating through the WikiLeaks files, but he didn't come out and say, oh no, Madam Secretary needs to step down. There's no way possible that she can, you know, be the standard bearer for this party. He didn't do that. He tucked his tail. He tucked his tail and said, "Okay, we all got to vote." Then the next go round, when it came to Joe Biden, no, Joe Biden is my friend. But there are a lot of people who buy into that. They won't look past it, and those are the people who may tune into a status quo because it feels like a nice, safe landing space where you're not going to get any of that critique to suggest that the Democrat Party is as bad as the Republican, that the system needs to be revamped. And when Ron Placone says, oh, absolutely, they're just as bad. And when Tina said, you don't think there are any progressives? And he said, no, that alienated a lot of them people. Because again, just like I said about Jimmy Dore, when you draw those clear, definitive lines about what is and what is not the right way to go or what this or that means, you alienate people because people are looking for that safe space and wiggle room because they're basically comfortable within this context. They wish there could be some reform, but everybody has not gotten to the point in their political evolution to get stand back and say, oh, this whole thing is tainty. This whole thing needs to be burned down. And that's where we are in our spaces but a lot of these people are not. That's, that's what surprised me when Sabi said he voted third party, but why not still stick to third party? If you voted for Jill Stein and you saw what the Democratic Party did, not once, twice to Bernie Sanders, you should have said goodbye during the Democratic Party. Jimmy did it two times because, after they screwed Bernie. He, he quit. Even I think Ron Paul for third parties. Because when, when, when he voted third party for Jill Stein, that was before we were under a Trump presidency. Since Trump has been president, some people really let Trump break their brains and they have Trump derangement syndrome. So their thing is we can never, oh God, we got to make sure we never have anything like that again. So if that means we got to vote for even a corporate Democrat, that's what we have to do. That's the problem. That's the problem. It's a big piece of it because of the fact that Trump has already been in and after people saw that, their people are like, oh, fuck, we can never let this happen again. So even if that means if the progressive candidate loses, we have to support the corporate Democrat. And to that, I say this. If you support this corporate Democrat, then you're not really trying to fight for any type of political revolution because you've fallen right back into the same system that has already been in place for many, many years. And we will never win. We will never win if people continue to just support the corporate Democrats. As long as you are continuing to vote for the people that are corporate controlled and that are owned by Wall Street, we will never win. And don't even fucking think about Medicare for all. Forget it. What did Ro Khanna say to me? If we don't have a president that supports Medicare for all, we will never get Medicare for all. That came from Ro Khanna. And he still supported Hillary Clinton. So what that tell you? The best thing that came out of the Justice Democrats is that I, I wouldn't even say it was a failed experiment. 
it was an uh, initiative that showed us how hard it is to work within the Democratic Party. And we have to learn from that mistake, their mistake, and and for the next initiative, move on. That's that's my opinion on that. I agree. And this is why a lot of, like some people, um, this is why some people, Ashura, don't like Jimmy Dore. Because Jimmy Dore is not trying to put up with that BS. Uh-huh. He's like, no, guys, they're not going to change. But do you see those same people being that critical of Lawrence O'Donnell? When Lawrence O'Donnell told you, I'm going to have to pull up that video again. Lawrence O'Donnell told you years ago, you cannot continue to vote for the Democratic Party because if you do, they will never change. It's part of the system. And if I can segue just a tad, um, you know, recently this news has come out about the classified documents that were found in the Biden location. Mm -hmm. But what? People are saying, oh, my, this and that. But I think strategic, because as I said before, this system does not want to see a former president really drawn through the mud. So all of a sudden, the Democrats come up with this, oh, Biden had records out, too. But you know what? That creates a context for the fight and say, oh, well, you know, he had records, I had records, this and that. But to just, and and I think it's really, like I say, the strategy to get Donald Trump out of this tight. The only thing the Democrats really wanted was to make sure that he is crippled enough not to run again. They really didn't want to see him brought down because I'm saying, well, hell, where do these documents come from in terms of surfacing in the mainstream? Why is this up now? Because the the um, congressional committee that was doing the investigation just turned those, made their recommendation to the Justice Department and they're recommending stringent treatment. So in order to bluff, to bland that out, we're going to come up with something on the Biden that neutralizes the whole thing. And that's when I say this system works together. You know, Trump for all he is, Trump is the embodiment and personification of white supremacy. And it is difficult for even white Democrats to really want to interrogate that and work to dismantle it. So in, in, you know, allegiance to the demo- the whole office and the structure of government, they have to create an out for Donald Trump because they don't want to see a former American president really brought down. If you if you study the history, they had a real issue with the Nixon situation, and Democrats and Republicans alike agreed that they did not want to see this again because it begins to eat away at the faith that the 
broader electorate has in the whole system. So they're trying to preserve the integrity of the office of the president. And they know that a certain amount of that will invite critique because guess what? If you take Donald Trump down to a certain low, these Republicans are going to be fishing as they have already indicated to get the Democrats. And we both know there's corruption enough on either side. And they're saying, look, people, if we get into this real low down infighting between us, we're going to tear the system apart and they're going to see us all for who we are. So we have to create a out for Donald Trump. We just want him injured enough so that he can't run again. That's right. That's what it's re- that's what it's really all about. Um, Bad cookies. What's your take on this? I see you. You're a speaker. You just have to unmute. I don't know how the fuck I'm supposed to follow Noel. That's just crazy, but I'll try. <laughs> First, I want to say uh, this is totally unrelated, but I like that outfit you had on today on the show, the the whole purple sweater with the matching eyeshadow. That shit was popping, you know? But I didn't have on eyeshadow. That's just my eyes. <laughs> nah. It, it, like, it all blended perfectly. I was like, man, she's got an outfit on. That's sparkling. Oh, thank you. <laughs> but um, the, the whole thing I want to say about this whole uh, force to vote issue is that First, we got to make sure that um, a lot of the, the right-leaning folk are, are you know, they're, tout- they're touting their horn because it was the right that managed to get these concessions using force to vote. What I would recommend to them is please don't fall asleep on them because if you fall asleep on them, all those concessions that they got will go by the wayside and then all that Tea Party uh, power that they had, it just it evaporates. So if you're right-leaning and you feel that they did a good job with that, I, I ask that you please stay on them so that they can keep doing that if you feel that that's something good. Now, <clears throat> as for the Democrats, I don't, I can't even fathom how they're going to start smearing force the vote for the next cycle because you you know as well as I do, Sabi, that it's a cycle. Uh, first, the Democrats will have House majority for a few years and then they'll swap over and swap back and forth. This is, it's a constant cycle. So the next time the cycle comes around, how the hell are the Democrats going to smear force the vote this time to say, oh, we can't do it. It's, are they going to do the same chaos bullshit? Or how, how do you feel they're going to sit there and smear this? Well, they've already put a lot of doubt in people's mind um, from left independent media. You know? These words that they're using, just like mainstream media, to say things like chaos and rebel and, you know, things like that, that is already will put doubts in people's mind. Like, oh, God, don't be like the Freedom Caucus. Don't be rebellious. Oh, dear God, don't behave like that in public at all. You know, they've already done that. And it's it's not just uh, independent media, but, you know, AOC, Jamal Bowman and they were laughing at the Freedom Caucus and things like that. And I'm just like, you guys know that's what you were supposed to do. So they've already made it seem foolish. And that in itself can prevent any type of pressure going forward to get the squad to do any type of force to vote. And honestly, I think that was kind of the goal. If you notice, if you go back and you watch that Breaking Points video, there was one, not the one I showed, but there was one that CJ showed where Crystal was saying, well, they, 
you know, there's some, they put pressure and they were asking for things for their vote. I noticed not once in that video would she say the words force the vote. And that was a very telling moment. From what I've heard from people, I don't watch secular talk anymore, but from what I've heard from people, people said Kyle Kalinske ain't said shit about it either. Nothing about the words force the vote. So this just goes to tell you, these people have sold out, you guys. Hmm. You know, and it's, it's, it's really sad to see some people just be like, we're going to go with what's popular. So Breaking Points is like a independent media version of MSNBC. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty much what it is. They're trying to do what TYT did, but in a different way, in a sense that they have different voices because TYT doesn't have conservative hosts. So they'll have a Sauger, they'll have a Marshall Kozlov and whatever it is, what it is, they can do whatever they want to do. So they're going to be TYT with less camel toe. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. But the thing is, don't, don't try to pretend that you're still left. Like just stop, like just call it is what it is. Just like, look, if you say you're riding with Joe Biden, just say you're riding with Joe Biden. Just say that, listen, I'm not going to be a part of this movement anymore. Just call it out what it is. But they don't want to do that because then that will remove the leftists that they have that watch the show, which I don't think there are that many based on what I've seen from the comments. It seems like it's mainly right wing. That's what's funny. People will smear RBN as right wing. We've polled our audience. Most of them are on the left, like the real, real left left. But when Breaking Points polls their audience, you can see most of those people are conservative. But they don't get smeared, but we get smeared. Man, that's fucking, that's true, Savvy. I'm sorry, go ahead. I'm sorry. And see, the perception was in mainstream media, we know that there was Fox on the far right. And the perception was that MSNBC and CNN had moved more deliberately to the left. And, And let me quote, let me pull that back, not to the left, but to the left of the right of Fox News. And so the perception is, oh, the polarity in mainstream media is just too stark. So Crystal and Sagar comes along with breaking points and say, we'll be the new media and we'll show you what real balanced reporting looks like. We have Sager over here and Kozlov and we have Crystal over here. And this is what it should really be about balance. But they're not helping you understand that the system itself is not working. But as they say in their close of their every segment, we're going to be the new media. We're going to replace the media. But they're not trying to get people to really wake up per se. They're trying to get people to calm down from the far right of Fox 8 and the perceived far left of CNN. Because Mm -hmm. they're turned off a lot of people in that process. But make no mistake, if they, you know, emerge in a higher form, they're going to be subject to the same frailties that CNN was before it went to the place that it did. And it's going to be a different version of MSNBC, yada, yada, yada. Mm -hmm. It's just, you know, it's that same orbit. And the closer you get to the center of the sun, the more you're going to be tainted and this and that and blah, blah, blah. It really is an orbit. 
And the closer you move in, the more corrupted you have to become. Yes, ma'am. Um, if I may interject real quick about that, Noel, that's a hundred percent right. It's like if you want to get to that point, if you're going to be a new mainstream and you want to have access to these politicians, you got to be on their side. You can't just be smearing them all the time. You got to kiss their fucking ass. Like, let's just be real. That's how people get those interviews. Why do you guys think they added someone like Ryan Grimm? Like, Jimmy's right about this. Oh. Why would you add Ryan Grimm? Because Ryan Grimm has access to them. You see, Ro Khanna was just there in the studio. He has access. Now, granted, Ro Khanna, that might be a bad example. Because Ro Khanna, he's gone on shows smaller than mine. Like, he really don't give a fuck. Like, he'll just, like, he'll go on it, right? But That's this my... is in hopes, this is in hopes that eventually they can get squad members to come on breaking points too. Like, that's the thing. Like, this is this is why they added someone like Ryan Grimm. They would never, even if we had never criticized them, they would never add RB into breaking points because we're telling people to do the exact opposite. We're telling people to leave the fucking two-party system. So they would never add someone up like us. They add people that are going to fall in line so that they can have that access to those people. So people have to really understand that. Like they want to have access to those politicians. This is why I would love to see, and I give kudos to Nick. I would love to see my comrade Nick from RBN on Jimmy, um, not Jimmy Dore. He's always been on Jimmy Dore, uh, Joe Rogan show. Because I think that Nick could really wake up Joe Rogan politically. Because I think Joe Rogan, based on his comments... I think Joe Rogan is just like Crystal and Sauger and Kyle, like they're the best politically and independent media. Joe Rogan has not been introduced to other voices in this space that are speaking from experience, that are working class, like people that know the struggle. He has not been introduced to those people. And there's a reason for that. But if I could get Nick on Rogan, I think that would change the damn game. Also, are you sure that, you know, that might, well, let me just say four things. Um, one, he go on there, that might end up talking about uh, old times about MMA fighting or something. You know? Yep. <laughs> they might, they they both, might just they forget both. about politics and start talking about MMA stuff. It's, yo, where's the politics at? Listen, <laughs> they, both, they both do MMA. Uh-huh. They both like to, you know, do a little smoky smoke. I have another uh-huh. suggestion that um, is a little unorthodox. Um, maybe um, we should try. <laughs> don't judge this, okay? Try Cardi B, um, because Cardi B. I, I know people will be, you know, criticizing Jimmy and saying a million fo- a million followers is nothing in the scheme of you know, some of these, like, pop culture uh, <laughs> artist icons, and somebody like Cardi B, um, Cardi B did actually support the Bernie campaign back in the day. I don't think she's very politically, you know, paying attention. I'm not sure. But I think that she would probably be somebody that would listen and 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 maybe retweet or at least spread that kind of message to a lot of people. Um, I'm just putting that out there. <laughs> also, I, I want to say um, uh, the other thing was um, yes, you don't get you don't get Ryan Grimm cheap. 
that's so that that's another thing. Mind mm. you know, don't come cheap. And how how come status quo is not a part of breaking points anymore? Do you guys what? remember that announcement? What happened? Hold on, to hold on, that? Hold on, hold on. What? Oh, what? Oh, what? Oh, rewind. What? They're not a part of them anymore. The videos aren't on there. No more. I, I don't know. What happened my, my to official. what happened to status? What what happened to? Remember they made that announcement and they said status cool be joining breaking points. What happened to the status cool videos? Go look on breaking points channel. I don't see no status cool. Do you? Oh shoot! Yeah. I see everybody you, you else. Don't even, you don't even come on there anymore. No, oh. exactly. That's what I'm saying. Oh shoot! All right. So what, what was what was the other thing I was gonna say? Um. Uh. Yes. Uh, Forty four million dollars has a way of focusing the mind so that was the other thing and um uh damn it Mm -hmm. something happened there i'm telling you listen people can say whatever they want about me but i do my damn research i know this shit Uh, and what was um when they were on rising they used to have this commentator come and speak armio say frimpong but yes. then when, when they went to yes. breaking points, he appeared a few times, but I don't see him appearing there yeah. anymore either. Irony's no. rhetoric is not well liked by uh It is yeah. not well liked, but <laughs> but it's clear. He's clear and he's on the point. Yes. So now if you're really talking about journalism and you really want to do this point counterpoint thing, you have to have voices from a real left perspective or a real voice that's outside the mainstream because army speaks eloquently to the issues of the descendant of slave black America. And they don't want to hear that because they don't want to have to deal with that in terms of their own positioning and then have to go and do interviews with other people with that hanging over their head. Army for you guys wondering is the funky academic academic. Yeah. Also, I remember I was going to say, um, I'm sorry, but has anybody carded um, Marshall Kosloff? I mean, that guy looks t- like 12 years old. Has anybody checked his ID or something? Some of us just have younger faces, uh, Roger. <laughs> baby face. Like, I was like, how old is that guy? What is because his like- face structure is kind of round. He has kind of like rounded cheeks. And that's a classic. If you look at the Gerber baby, at the Gerber packaging, you will see that roundness of face, those kind of round cheeks and round eyes. Right. And if you look at people generally, people who have round faces tend to look you know, younger versus people with oblong or linear faces. Men with round faces tend to look more feminine than men with long angular faces. I, I, he, he doesn't look feminine to me though. He just looks young. No, I'm just saying because of the structure of his face. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I want to make sure, sure. Are you um, finished? Because I want to make sure I bring in Nestor. Shira? I guess it's Shira. I fell asleep. <laughs> he fell asleep last time he said, right? I think so, too. All right, Nestor, you're on the mic. Just got to unmute. <laughs> uh, can you guys hear me? Okay. Um, yeah, so uh, I hope you guys can hear me well. 
Um, You're a little low, Nestor. Uh, how do you fix that? Um, are you are you using your phone or the computer? Uh, phone, phone. Okay, you probably just need to put the phone closer to you, probably. Uh, okay. Um, yeah, that's better. Yeah, because it's on speaker mode, so I don't know if it's because of that. You're better now. Uh, yeah, I'm putting it real close <laughs> to, to my mouth. Uh, so so my, my opinion on all this is like, you know, if everything keeps going the way it is, um, I have a prediction that, you know, the U.S. will implode in 2024 in the election cycle because uh, it's just going to be complete mayhem. I mean, I don't know if you've seen that video where uh, Biden's face just turns so weird. Uh, I'm like, and they plan to run this guy. So, so it's like, and and then then you got Trump trying to sell NFTs. Uh, it, it's all just a big joke right now. It's all completely uh, like you could not write this. Like, if you got a fiction writer, like you know those fiction writers that make up shows and movies and all that, and if you told them to write something like what we're living right now. They would probably laugh and say it was too ridiculous to even attempt something like this because it's it's just so uh, surreal. It's completely surreal, and and the reason why I think it's going to get worse is because we're we're right now we're just waiting to see what Russia does in Ukraine, whether they finish this in this winter or they drag it out and continue to just slaughter and demilitarize uh, everything that NATO has by the end of next year. They're, they're going to, whatever point, whatever month they finish that war in this year, it's going to just completely change everything for the United States internationally, uh, politically. They're not going to, uh, no one's going to, um, uh, let's say, commodities, uh, a lot of things that United States depends on overseas to trade. Uh, everything's going to just change. It's going to be more expensive for them. No one's going to feel threatened anymore uh, by the United States, and it's going to affect us here. And this is uh, this is going to be what is going to shock a lot of people because right now we're still relatively comfortable. Too many people are still relatively comfortable. That's why you have people like in status quo flipping out about Ron Placone saying something he's always been saying for a long time. And and it's so absurd that you know status quo. You you can say whatever you want about status quo, but they've been doing a lot of reporting on the ground locally about Flint, about uh, many places around the United States are just completely broken down, uh, completely neglected by the government. And, mm-hmm. and how how do and and that's and that just speaks to how bizarre the situation is that people would. Uh, on, on, you know, the listeners, the audience, the viewers would unsub because uh, Ron Pacone is saying something that's factual, that that there are no progressives in, in government right now. There are no real left people. There, There's no, there's just centrists and then there's sellouts and then there you got the right wing and, and that's, that's it. Right. And, and let me, t- let me tell you something, Nestor. Um, I met Ron Pacone in person. I don't know if everyone knows this, but he came here, he was on tour at the time last year, and Rome was here to do tour for the poor, and it just, it actually lined up with Rob Clone's show, Jill Stein was there, like, it was so much fun, um, but Ron, I gotta tell you guys something, uh, Ron's stand-up is raunchy as hell, 
Like, I was surprised. Like, I was expecting, like, the same Rob Pacone that I see on YouTube. And I went to the show and I was like, what is this? Like, I was like, oh, God, my innocent ears. So, um, <laughs> Rob Pacone, like, he, he's really funny. Um, his stand-up is really good. But I totally hear what you're saying, Nestor. Like, you would think that because they're talking to people who are living in impoverished, like, environments that they would see what's really going on. The problem is though, I think, you know, status quo is really strong on the ground. They're not the only ones reporting stories on the ground though. I wanna be very clear. Convo Couch has done this for years. So has um, Ford Fisher. So has um, Max Alvarez from uh, the Real News Network. Like they're not the only ones that have been out there doing this. In fact, Max Alvarez, I think have been doing this like for years. So that being said, maybe that's where their specialty lies. I think what may have happened is the political analysis with their audience is not clicking. We all have like weak points and we have strong points. I told you guys earlier tonight, foreign policy is not an A plus for me. I give myself about a B minus, but I would give uh, Nick, my comrade Nick from RBN, I give him an A plus when it comes to foreign policy, right? So we all have different strong, like different areas. Like my strength for the most part is domestic, uh, education, you know, finance, like those types of, of fields. Um, whereas, you know, CJ is really good at breaking down the plight of black America, the struggle. CJ is really good at that. JB is really good at breaking down the healthcare industry and breaking down like the disability community, what it and 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 despair in this country. He talks a lot about like just what it's like just to be fucking poor, like in this country. We all have different areas, like where we're strong and where we where we may need improvement. Rome is really good at just keeping shit real. Like, you know, Rome's the kind of person that like if he were to talk to people, if he were to go to a city and talk to people like in the hood, they can relate to Rome. Rome can relate to them. They may not be able to relate to me. You see what I'm saying? You see the difference? Like Rome has a way of talking to them in a sense that I probably wouldn't be the best at doing that. They might hear me and be like, oh, you went to school. And, and I've gotten those comments before. That's why I'm just telling you. Like I've heard people say that to me when I have gone to those communities, oh, you must have gone to college. You sound smart. And they, they don't always want to talk to someone like me. Sometimes they want to talk to someone like Rome. So I think that this is, this is the thing. Like we have to look at our, our, our weaknesses and our strengths. And let me tell you something that I did learn from my last job. One thing I will say is this before they got rid of my boss. One thing that she taught us was that uh, employment they tend to focus on your weaknesses instead of focusing on your strengths. And my boss told us that that is a mistake. She said that naturally people are going to be weak in certain areas, regardless of what you try to help them with. The idea is to focus on where people are strong and not so much focus on their weaknesses. So if you have someone that's really strong, that's like an extrovert, like I'm an extrovert, if you guys can't tell, 
someone that's like an extrovert, maybe that's the person that you should put in the front for orientation and open house to greet and meet the students. You know what I mean? They were doing things backwards. They were trying to put people in positions where they don't fit. They were trying to put people who were reserved to be the meter and greeters for kids coming through open house. Well, when people are coming through open house, you got to sell something to them. You have to sell the program to them. So if you put someone there that's reserved, they might turn some of those students off. You have to put someone in front of them that's enthusiastic and someone who's a little bit more extroverted, right? Anyway, what I learned from that is this. We have to focus on people's strengths and not their weaknesses. So what is the strength of status quo? The strength is the on the ground work. Maybe that's where the focus should be and not so much the political analysis. And Case, I want to get your take on that as well. Oh, yeah, totally. 100. I, I agree with you on what you're saying. We, I always preach about the left ecosystem. I think we all have our part to play. And I, I, I promote radical solidarity, which is take your ego out of it. Let's work together by any means necessary. And I'm hoping that we get to that point where, you know, all, everyone can play their part and we can all collaborate to together. You know, um, one thing I was, I had this on my mind, if you don't mind me just um, changing up the subject a little bit. Um, I wanted to, to talk, mention the, the, on Jimmy Dore, uh, on the show you did today, with the interview, I agree with a, a, a ton of what you guys said. The only thing I disagree with Jimmy Dore was that he said that he won't interview Ro Khan anymore. He's a liar and he won't interview him anymore. Now, everybody has their opinion of what Ro Khan has said. You can call him a liar or not. But I disagree with him not interviewing him anymore. The same reason why I, I've mentioned to you before how, you know, people say, why are you interviewing uh, Ro Khan and Sabs? And and the reason is that's how you can expose uh, or you can find out what they're thinking. You can expose their line of thinking. You can find out if they're liars or not, because we can ask them questions that no one else in the other mainstream media or other independent media spaces are going to ask them. So I think that's valuable to ask them the tough questions as long as they can come on. And also, especially when we, we talk about how uh, a lot of politicians don't come on independent media, including the squad. How can you cancel them and say, oh, I'm never going to have somebody come on my show when they are willing to come on your show? So we should always be willing to have, especially politicians who are the 1% of the 1%, and they're already running from us. They finally want to come on our show and we say no. So that's one of the things I disagree with. And I think your skills, especially with Andrew Yang, um, your your skills of interviewing people are so good. I remember the interview with and you did with Andrew Yang. You were getting him to open up and I heard him answer questions in different ways because he felt so comfortable with you that I, I was like, wow, I never saw him open up in this way, answering these questions, especially on Palestine and all this other stuff. They, he usually clams up and gets real serious. Like I've seen him do that, I believe, with um, on, on Breaking Points. So, And then Brianna interviewed Ash Cholera on, about Medicare for All in California. And that's, she exposed him as mm -hmm. one of those quote-unquote progressives that they're trying to do it at the state level. And we find out what it, where they're at right now. <laughs> Where are they now? So I, I talked enough, but yeah, that's how I feel. That, that reminds me. Um, I was on uh, Medicare for All Everywhere call a couple of uh, Mondays ago.
And I think, let me see, when, when I was last speaking, I was saying, oh, yes, right. I was telling um, Dave about sometimes there'll be these, these groups, you know, these grassroots groups, like I was talking to the um, lady from um, Oregon about, hey, listen, do a public bank using a ballot initiative. And she was like, um, oh, we're going to go like the legislature first. And if it doesn't happen, then we'll do a ballot initiative. And I'm like, well, that, that doesn't make any sense. And you're telling me that you've been trying to push this since 2011 and you still don't got it, you know, fucking around with, with legislators. Okay. So sometimes you even have to go even around the the groups, the so-called grassroots uh, uh, groups, because there was somebody on the Medicare for Everywhere thing soon that I was on who was from California, and she was talking about, yeah, we're going to take another crack at it with the uh, legislature. I'm like, why are you wasting your time? If they wanted to do it, they would have done it by now. Mm-hmm. Do it as an initiative. You know, it's it's like crazy. You know what I'm saying? Like even with uh, was it mass care, uh, uh, Sabby? They was telling me the same thing. Oh, it's going to cost this much, so we want to try to do this and do that with the legislature. And I'm like, look, it's going to be money, regardless. Okay, it's going to be money right. being thrown in your way, regardless. What? What? what I mean, what? The, you don't think those politicians are paid off? You know what I mean? I mean, like, <laughs> it doesn't doesn't make any sense. It's like. Why are you, not you, you, but not you here, you, but why are you like wasting your time? I mean, this woman told me with the, from Oregon, uh, they've been trying to do it since 2011. Okay, maybe if you did it by yourself without going through the legislature, you would have had it by now. You see what I'm saying? So yep. these people have the weapons in their hand, but they're like, oh, it's too expensive and it's expensive to run a campaign. Look, we had, obviously, here's the thing though. Somehow those initiatives are getting on the ballot. Okay, they, you know, like these initiatives, we're doing initiatives. They got on the ballot somehow. Okay, so, like, like you know, it's just like I don't know, I don't know whether you know what it is. I think people think they're taking shortcuts. Okay, mm-hmm. but the going through the legislature is the long cut. It's not the shortcut. You know what I'm saying? You've been doing it. I was talking to um, the author of the New York Health Act, and he was like, oh, well, what about this? Because I was saying, I I, I you know, like I said, Senator, we would have it by now. We would have your bill passed by now if we was a ballot initiative state. Oh, what about the big money? This big money that's preventing you from getting it passed now. Right. (laughs) Okay. So, oh, yeah, yeah. And and, um, Casey, I, I want to say this real quick also. Um, the, oh yeah, yeah, I wanted to use, like when, when I was talking about the minimum wage thing, I think I'm past that. I think now, at least for New York state, I say now, uh, uh, you know, and I, and I got this from JB because the way he presented the argument was a lot better than minimum wage where he said, you know, if you had a government jobs guarantee, you won't have to mess with trying to get, it would probably be less opposition because then you wouldn't be, like you get more fight from the businesses. Oh, I got to raise the minimum wage. Oh, I can't, I'll go out of business, blah, 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 whatever the case is, right? So he said, you know, how about just the government jobs guarantee and put the rate, put the starting pay up 
okay? And then people could just be like, well, I can always get a job with the government if you're not going to pay me. And that'll force them to raise their to raise their wages, okay? So I think I'm past the minimum wage now. I want a government jobs guarantee where the starting pay matches what the New York State legislators get. $142,000. There you go. I want to make sure, I'm going to wrap up soon. So um, I want to make sure I bring in Brent as well. Uh, Brent, I know you were waiting for a bit. You just have to unmute. Hi, Savvy. So um, I just want to continue my conversation from the last column regarding the uh, the 13-year-old who was shot by the the guy in the house who was apparently either uh, defending his own property or someone else's. And um, I've watched the video, like Bree's video, and I was reading some of the comments, and I'm just kind of shocked that people would um, – defend the shooter because i hear the argument like uh oh the kid should have been up late at night um stupid play stupid games play stu- uh, win stupid prizes i've heard another argument saying that um the kid escalated because um if you choose the life of stealing you risk death and you shouldn't be doing that and then i also hear the argument that um when you take some, when you steal someone's car, you're putting that car owner's life at risk because um, that person needs that car to work. And if they don't have that car, then um, how are they going to make money? And if they lose their house, is there any compensation for that? And how how, how can car owners protect from repeat? criminals if the justice system doesn't protect them and i hear i hear these arguments and they sound good and then for like a second or two and i think to myself these people are valuing their own livelihood over a life and i could see how that's tempting but at the same time i find that very um appalling so i just want to hear your opinions on on the point of actually um brady can you someone has an echo Okay. Um, I'm actually going to talk about that tomorrow um, on RBN. I I watched the clip. Um, Again, you have to ask who is the audience, right? Because like, who watches The Hill Rising? It's not just like people on the left. In fact, I would say a lot of the leftists like bailed um, after Crystal and Sauger left. And then they had another round of people that left after Kim Iverson left. So who's actually watching the hill right now? Hmm? It seems like it's a conservative it like it seems cons- more conservative actually. It doesn't seem um I just watch it for Crystal every now and then honestly that's it. <laughs> just a joke. <laughs> but it's become irrelevant like 3 months after they launched, you know, breaking point. Mm. You know, but Brady, we're talking about rising. Sorry, I wanted to say this one thing. I wanted to 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 um comment on Nestor's comment. I think he is absolutely correct. What occurs to me as we do these forms and we have this discourse is that, to your point, Sabby, 
you know, there are places you can go and people would prefer Rome over you because they sense that you have a different level of education and a different level of sophistication. But I say to you, I recall something Chris Head just said when he was talking about the collapse of, um, oh, I think it was Yugoslavia. And what he said was before these societies collapse, it seems just like a sunny day and everything is going normal. And then like the hurricane comes through and appears out of nowhere. But I suspect what is happening and, and I feel it in my gut when we talk in this country about the wealth gap and the, the top three, one to three percent has gained, you know, over 50 percent of the wealth and the top three richest people in this country have as much wealth as the bottom 50 percent. There is a huge rot. There is a huge amount of rot and disconnect that is happening in this society and yeah. the millions and millions of poor who are existing right above the homeless are voiceless, they're disconnected, and I think this country is much closer to a collapse of empire than any of us realize because even as we speak, we're speaking from a position where we at least have voice. There are millions of people in this country that never get spoken about. The the liberals in the Congress don't talk about them and they are unseen, but they are there. And I, I'm, I'm willing to bet you when this thing hits, it's going to just be catastrophic and it's going to feel like it came out of nowhere. All right. I, I've been waiting for a long time to go to bed. I just got five quick points. If I can just get them out real quick <laughs> before I, it'll take less than a minute. And it, it builds right on what Noel was saying. And that is that, uh, what we need is cohesion. Um, but it's, if you, if you notice the, uh, conservatives on the right, they have cohesion and they know how to execute with it. And so, uh, as far as the rising goes, I mean, they're less relevant than breaking points after Crystal left. I mean, I'm not saying that just in a joking way because I have a crush on Crystal. Like, uh, <laughs> but like legitimately, you know, like they're less relevant than breaking points. And I, I feel like breaking points would be more relevant if they had actual representation from the right. I feel like Sagar, I mean, is he's not a real representative of what I consider the right to be. Like, I'm from Texas. I know what the right looks like. The right is scary. I don't know anyone in this room who's afraid of that guy, right? Well, Sagar um, is also from Texas. FYI, Sagar is also from Sagar is also from Texas, and he has also said some things that have been pretty scary too. Okay, good. I'm glad that we at least recognize him as a somewhat of a threat. Of course, he's a. I'll, I'll, t I'll concede that for sure. Um, but I just wanted to say that as far as like I'm concerned, like you are the squad of the fuck of the uh, progressive movement. As far as the people the, or the uh, whatever you want to say, the people proxy is concerned, like you are the squad. And I got to be real with you all. Like a lot of the criticisms that I hear from you all about the squad uh, can be said about ourselves. And it, it's been demonstrated clear as day um, in the chat on the show. 
I would just like to apologize for some of the maybe perceived caucasity tonight of that one caller, Xander. Um, I understand what he was saying in white language. I think from, from I'll translate the whiteness. In, like, I think he was actually trying to compliment your show. Like he, he was trying to compliment you, but he's just a little awkward and like weird and kind of nervous his first time, you know, calling in. But like, he really wanted to compliment the diversity that he saw, the diversity of opinions. And like, that was a chance for us to win one over. And that I felt like we all pushed drunkness. him away. I felt like everyone kind of attacked him and pushed <laughs> him away. I, I was able to clearly understand his points. Really and I'll, I'll make really his quick, points for him really because quick. he wasn't really How able to we, articulate his points very well. I'll just mention that the ways How that we, Jimmy Dore... Okay, Brady, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to meet you. Okay. How do you know Xander is white? I don't. <laughs> I have no idea. Okay. Yeah, I've... I perceived, I perceived it was, I perceived him to be a white dude. And in my opinion, as a white dude, I'm like, he sounds white to me. Seems white. I don't know. What does what, what sound, what a sound, sound white what a mean? Sound because, white and mean. I asked this question asked because this question. there's a, there's an echo. What does sound white mean? And I asked this question because I've been told that I sound white. So, so what do you well, mean by that? It means a few things. It means a lot of different things, actually. Um, right. it, so... If you were to take an AI, for example, and show it a bunch of different voices, um, <clears throat> over time, it's able to distinguish not only male and female, but uh, different races and different cultures and all kinds of amazing different things. And our brains are capable of very much the same thing. Um, it's it's, it's mental theory is what it's called. It's called mental theory. Like so in my mental theory of Xander, oh, I perceived him uh, to be I white. I could be wrong. A little bit, I've noticed, like in New York City, for example, a lot of uh, African Americans. There's also other other Black people, but African Americans, like their parents or grandparents, are from North Carolina, and um, I perceive it as kind of a pseudo Southern accent. But that's Dude, I thought Howie Hawkins was black. Like for the record, I thought Howie Hawkins was black <clears> until <throat> I saw him. I mean, I can't be taken seriously. Like you know, as far as like voice recognition is concerned, all right. Like, uh, but the the points that he was trying to articulate were that Jimmy Dore does support an anti-COVID narrative. From time to time, he does have a little bit of an anti-trans narrative. Uh, from time to time, he does say some kind of pro-Donald things. He also anti-COVID. Oh, just he, he challenges the mainstream COVID narrative. What in regards to what, though? Like, for instance, how he got vaccinated and then he told the truth about his vaccine reaction. That That's one big way. I the think. CDC statement about the vaccinations and about the booster shot, uh, boost, actually booster shots have actually changed as of recent and actually more collaborate with what Jimmy Dore and the doctors on his show were saying. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, so that's one of the ways that he appeals. That's, right that's one that's just one of the ways that he appeals to conservatives. Okay. I mean, I don't understand. Like I, that's something I just totally I guess don't get because I mean if also, he's not CDC, afraid to show up on Tucker Carlson. You know, he's not afraid to show up in on in a non-friendly space, so to say, in a non-safe space, in a non-echo chamber. But he's Robin, not afraid. 
but neither is Aaron Mate, neither is Glenn Greenwald, neither is Cornell West. Cornell West has also been on Tucker Carlson's show. You, you guys see the things that I'm pointing out? Why do people just point to Jimmy about these things when other people are doing them too? Well, Cornell been on Ingram. He been on Ingram and he been on Tucker Carlson's show. I don't see nobody calling that out though. One thing I will call out is I think that as far as the chat goes, guys, we could be more cohesive in the chat and keep it a little more germane, less less personal. Uh, let's let's keep it focused on ideas and less about people as well. I think that'll be good advice for all of us right now. Let, let's let's stop begging people who have already failed us to, act right. you know what I mean. Let's stop begging rich people who have already failed us to act right. That's another big mistake. What we need to do is encourage each other just to start to get cohesion. I know we're wrapping up soon, so I just wanted to mention a little bit of strategy real quick. I clipped a, a clip that uh, talked about France and how they are about to have strikes over there. They're about to have a general strike. And I thought it was a yeah. very interesting clip if you guys uh, have come across it. That basically how it works over there is, uh, first of all, the issue why they're striking is the the president, Macron, he's increasing the age of eligibility to retire for um to like 64 or something like that. So they're like, all right, we, we going to do that. We're going to strike. Right. So then they said uh, in the it was on Bloomberg um, they said they have a specific date. And then they have like specific parties or organizations that are signing on to like, okay, we're the ones that's going to be striking. So um, they have the Greens. They have, um, man, I'm, I'm missing two of the other, like, I think they're like actual political parties. And then they, they said at the end, they're like, we're not sure if the far, oh, they call them the far left. They said the far left, the Greens and somebody else. And then they said, we're not sure if the far right is going to join them or not. But um, yeah, that's I think if I was to apply that over here, it would be really cool if and I don't know if we're at that level yet. I think we still need to build our infrastructure and unity, but be like, OK, on this specific date, we're going to have the Green Party, the DSA, this uh, Socialist Alternative, um, RBN, all the different organizations sign on to like, yes, we're going to um, do a general strike on this date. And I, I, that's that's like a, just me strategizing. What you guys think about that? Sounds, that great. sounds great. I still think we need to uh, run ballot initiatives. <laughs> yeah. I will never. Oh, I, I think we need to have different lanes. Like I, I never wanted. Oh yeah, yeah, game. yeah. yeah. You, just our ballot initiative. Um, at, at state level person, and you know, RBN has been promoting general strike. Forever. That's how I found out about general strikes. And then, you know, everyone has their lane. Yeah, no, I, I'd like, to, Francis I'd like to answer Sabrina's question from earlier is in that why do they attack Jimmy Dore when they don't attack these other people who go on the same shows and do similar things? And my, my answer, my opinion on that is that it's because Jimmy Dore is dangerous to them. And the reason Jimmy Dore is dangerous to them is because, one, he appeals to both the so-called left and so-called right audiences. He can bring people together. It's that populist kind of, kind of message. And Jimmy Dore calls them out as corrupt. And he focuses on the money. 
And so he's to, to the status quo, to them keeping the, the, the gravy train rolling and the propaganda and the manufactured consent and all this stuff. He is a dangerous man. And that's why, in my opinion. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. All right, guys, I am going to uh, head out. It is about that time. But thank you so 